Greetings, and good afternoon, everyone. This is Cheryl, and it is Saturday, January 20th, and I welcome you to Tara and Rama's Saturday afternoon program, The True Planetary and Galactic History, Herstory, and True History, Herstory of Nasara. Infinite blessings to one and all. Let us go into our service work for the planet and our work of bringing heaven to earth by going into our heart center as we begin. Entering the heart center, the portal to all that is, we call forth for the full emergence and integration of our soul, of our higher self, of our monad, of our mighty I am presence, and all of our multidimensional beings through to our God presence, Goddess presence. We see ourselves in our mighty pillar of light, filled with the sapphire blue of God's will, God's power, God's strength, God's truth. sense and zeal your pillar of light fully anchored to source fully anchored to the heart of Mother Gaia feel your strong connection in each direction entering your pillar is also the violet light Whenever we call upon the sapphire ray or flame, it invokes the violet ray and flame. These are the two rays, the first and seventh ray, that work with divine government. And so we see them working together with us and with the planet at this time. We also invoke the emerald green ray of truth and healing. For the emerald ray holds the divine truth of our being, the perfection of our divine blueprint. And we invoke that as well. So see the emerald green in through and around your pillar as well. as we invite in everyone across the planet to join us in this divine service work. Please say after me, I am my I am presence. As my I am presence, I am one with the I am presence of all humanity. I am one with every man, woman, and child. I am one with all my family members and loved ones. I am one with all that is. And so we connect heart to heart, high heart to high heart, cosmic heart to cosmic heart, 
to every man, woman, and child, invoking unity consciousness for one and all, all fully connected to the cosmic heart of all that is. We invite in for everyone, all of our soul extensions, planetary and galactic. All of our ancestors, our genetic lineage, our ancestral lineage, all of our spiritual lineage, our soul families and soul pods. We welcome for everyone, all of our guides and teachers, our healing team, our beloved guardian angel, our beloved twin flame, our ascension council and mission council. We welcome the kingdoms, the plant kingdom, the tree kingdom, the mineral kingdom, the animal kingdom, the diva kingdom, the elemental kingdom, all of the kingdoms of nature, the whales, the dolphins, the unicorns, the dragons, and all magical kingdoms. We welcome for everyone all of the angelic realms, from the angels and archangels, through to the cherubim and seraphim, and all angelic healing teams, to be with us. We welcome the Ascended Masters, the Brotherhood of Light, the Sisterhood of the Rays and Rose, the Order of Melchizedek, the Radiant Ones, all of the Enlightened Masters, all Divine Mother Emissaries, Divine Father Emissaries, all of the planetary and cosmic hierarchy of light, and all ascended master healers and healing teams. We welcome our precious friends from the Galactic Federation of Light, especially those that we work so closely with, from Arcturus, from Pleiades, from Sirius, from Andromeda, from Chiron, and from Venus, and all cosmic, galactic, universal healers that can be of service. We welcome the assistance of the entire company of heaven, asking our Mother, Father, God to overlight all that we do and magnify, magnify, magnify it 999 trillion times, 999 trillion times in alignment with divine will and divine law. We call forth all of the rays, all of the flames, all of the universal laws, and all of the ascension weight. And with every energy and frequency, every prayer and invocation, every blessing, every grace, every dispensation, every activation. We ask that it be received individually and collectively 
on a conscious, subconscious, and superconscious level, and in every cell, chakra, meridian, layer of our auric field multidimensionally, the maximum that we can receive, ever expanding to perfection. We call for to easily and effortlessly digest and assimilate, ground and anchor, integrate and embody all that we receive with the greatest of ease and grace and joy and peace and bliss and ecstasy, serenity and tranquility, balance and equilibrium without resistance on any level, without discomfort on any level, without fear on any level, in love and light and laughter. We call forth everyone and everything in our circle of support to join us here today. From the very first name that created us, to every man, woman, and child, every family member and loved one, every friend and neighbor, every community member, every pet, every animal, every group, every organization, every business and corporation, each and every aspect of life, all of our institutions, educational, religious and spiritual, health care, and so on, as we call forth for everyone and everything, including every nation, every military, every government. Once again, we call in all the rays, flames, universal laws, and ascension ways. As we ask for special blessings on the legislative aspect of each government, each and every Congress and legislature, on federal, state, and local levels, the U.S. House of Representatives, the U.S. Senate, every parliament, every lawmaking group, every state legislature, each and every city council, each and every library board and school board as we call forth divine law, divine justice, divine governance, divine government, divine love through each and every aspect of laws that are enacted, considered, proposed, and so on. We ask that each and every aspect of the laws proposed reflect only heaven on earth. We call forth the same for the executive aspect of each government here and in each nation, each president, each prime minister, each head of state, each vice president, 
each cabinet post, each cabinet member, the Secretary of State in each nation, Secretary of Defense in each nation, the the uh, Department of Justice in each nation, as we call forth that every decision made through the executive branch reflects only divine law, divine justice, divine governance, divine government, divine love, and reflects heaven on earth. We call forth the same for the judicial aspect of each and every nation. Each and every court. The Supreme Court and all of its cases and decisions here in the U.S. The highest court of the land in each nation. All international courts, every aspect of the court system on federal, state, and local level. All state courts, all municipal courts, and so on. And each and every judge and jury and grand jury. Each and every prosecutor and defendant. Each and every court case and court decision. Again, blazing all the rays, flames, universal laws, and essential waves through them all. As we call forth for divine law, divine justice, divine governance, divine government, divine love, and heaven on earth reflect through each and every decision. We call forth all of the energy around this month whether it's the new moon and the 111 portal, whether it's the upcoming full moon, whether it's just the beginning energy of January and all of the collegiate and professional football, for example, that people are paying attention to. We call in all of that energy in our collective cup of consciousness to transform the planet to bring everyone to their awareness of who they are. As we call forth for divinity to be recognized by one and all, that we see it in ourselves and in every man, woman, and child, and that bring us into unity consciousness. As we bring in all of these energies into all of the weather patterns, the winter storms, any unusual weather patterns, the cold, whatever people may be going through, the earthquake, and so on, anything that that people are going through anywhere around the world. As we hold the planet in divine perfection, as we hold the divine blueprint for one and all, individually and collectively, and ask for the assistance of the company of heaven to move forward in divine plan. We ask the guy receive all that we receive. So her chakras and meridians and layers of her work field multidimensionally. Through her ley line, 
online. To the grid system, the love grid, the light grid, the unity grid, all of the multi-dimensional grid systems, and through every portal, a vortex, a monument, and sacred site, every place of power, every stargate, every city of light. As we continue up this spiral of evolution along with Mother Gaia, and she takes her rightful place as Freedom Star. We give thanks for the opportunity to serve as we recommit ourselves to being the bridge between heaven and earth, the anchor for the new golden age, and the open door that no one can shut. We call forth this separate blue ray of God's will. As we say, in the name of God, God is I am. I invoke the presence our beloved Master, Amoria, Archangel Michael, and all ascended masters and angels of the blue flame love of God's will to guide and protect me daily and hourly. Archangel Michael, come into my life. Help me overcome all density with your sword of blue flame. Cut me loose and set me free from all negativity and errors of the past. I ask for a shaft of blue lightning of divine love to be established over my being, over my home, my family, my work, and all aspects of my affairs. I call the guidance I need to manifest God's will in all aspects of my life to fulfill my divine purpose here on earth and make my ascension in the light. I claim for God's will to manifest everywhere on earth as it is in the realms of light and freedom. I give thanks that my request is answered according to God Goddess's most holy will. So be it, and so it is. And we give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. We now call in the violet flame, the violet fire, to blaze through us and in through and around the planet. As we say in the name of the great I am, I call for the light of a thousand suns from the great central sun, angels of violet fire, beloved Saint Germain, beloved Zadkiel and holy Amethyst, Amritas, ruler of the violet planet. In the name of God, goddess, I am that I am. Saturate the earth and all her evolution with limitless waves of violet fire. I call for the action of the violet transmuting flame and the action of the will of God goddess to manifest on earth now and forever, an ever increasing spiral of divine perfection. I call for all discord and activities on earth that are not reflecting the highest light and our mother, father, God's holy purposes to be miraculously swept and transformed 
by the power of the violet flame into divine love and harmony for the restoration of earth and her people into their original blueprint of perfection that was originally intended. Violet flame, violet flame, oh violet flame. In the name of God, goddess, flood the earth, her people, and all her kingdoms with oceans and oceans and oceans of violet fire till every particle of life is restored to divine perfection. May peace and love be spread throughout the earth. May the earth abide in the aura of perfect love. May the earth abide in an aura of peace, love, and freedom. I give thanks that it is done now according to God's most holy will. So be it, and so it is. And we give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. Call in the emerald ray once again. The emerald green fire of truth. As we say. In the name I am that I am. My beloved Holy Christ Buddha Self. And Holy Christ Buddha Self of all light bearers throughout the cosmos. Beloved Psychopia in Virginia, Archangel Michael, the great divine director, Saint Germain and Lady Portia, Lanto, Hilarion, Lady Christine, Gautama Buddha, Padre Pio, Rose of Light, Chamuel and Charity, Surya and Cusco, Lanello, Claire DeLise, K-17, Kali and all true messengers of God Goddess, all ascended and cosmic beings, legions of angels and archangels, Elohim, Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of heaven, gnomes, undying souls, and salamanders, I pray. Virginia. Psychopia, blessed Elohim divine, all-seeing eye of emerald light upon our planet shine. Expose the truth, expose the lie now with your laser ray. So all may know the hidden plans of mortal men this day. Virginia, Psychopia, silent watchers for the earth. Infuse us with God vision, now reveal our holy worth. Expose the truth. Expose the line now with your laser ray, transforming darkness into light the Elohimic way. Virginia, Psychopia, fifth ray Elohim so bright. Arrest the spirals of darkness and infuse us with your light. Let cosmic secret service angels take command again to guarantee that truth prevails within the world of men. Virginia, Psychopia, your God vision flowing forth, piercing through the veils of mist surrounding planet Earth. I am the truth. I am God vision by your laser ray. And life shall see renewed once more a blazing bright new day. Please join me in saying, expose the truth. Expose the truth. Expose the truth. 
the truth. Expose the lie. Expose the lie. Expose the lie. Expose the lie. So be it and so it is. And we give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. Now, each and every week, we call in the Ascension Waves. We're going to use them specifically here and now, calling them into every cell, chakra, meridian, layer of our auric field, multidimensionally, individually and collectively for all. We'll call them into every nation, every situation, every aspect of life. Take a nice deep breath. As we um, call forth the ascension waves that are co-created by many rays of higher dimensional love, light, and creation currents through the hearts of ascension bodies in our universe. We're going to call forth these first 12 waves, the 12 primary waves of ascension that facilitate the manifestation of the divine plan on earth. All waves are useful in the process of integration as they unify the energies within our energy bodies and they hold all the codes for the Earth's ascension into the higher realms. So please breathe and receive. We call this in for ourselves. We call this in for every man, woman, and child, for everyone and everything in our circle of support, for all life upon Gaia and for Gaia herself. We call forth the first wave of ascension, the wave of wisdom and grace. Heralded through Master Kachumi, Lord Sananda, and Buwamas. This wave brings the integration of divine truth to the planet. (coughs) And so we call forth the highest Acceleration, magnification, anchoring, and integration of the wave of wisdom and grace that we can receive individually and collectively for all. We call forth the second wave of ascension, the wave of divine love and surrender. Heralded through Serapis Bay, Mother Mary, and Lord Melchizedek. This wave brought to the planet the integration of divine love and the positive intention to transform. It began anchoring in 1966. And we call forth for the greatest acceleration, magnification, anchoring and integration of the wave of divine love and surrender that we can receive individually and collectively. We call forth the third wave of ascension, the wave of peace and tranquility. For one and all, 
heralded through El Morium, St. Germain, and Sanat Kamara. This wave brings divine intention and divine will to be one with divine love and divine truth in every moment while on earth. We call forth for the highest acceleration, magnification, anchoring, and integration of the wave of peace and tranquility for every man, woman, and child, for all life, and for Mother Gaia herself, all in divine order. We call forth the fourth wave of ascension, the wave of divine union and being, heralded by Paul the Venetian, Lord Maitreya, and the great divine director, bringing divine will in accordance to divine plan, to serve the divine plan for the earth and communion with God's self. For one and all, we call forth the highest acceleration, magnification, anchoring and integration of the wave of divine union and being that we can receive on all levels of beingness for everyone and everything. We call forth the fifth wave of ascension, the wave of transfiguration and alignment, heralded by Lord Arcturus, Lord Sirius, and Lord Sananda. Breathe and receive this. The wave of transfiguration and alignment brings the grace to receive the karmic dispensations for clearing old traumas and wounds held from previous experience on this planet and the neighboring three galaxies. Again, we ask for the highest acceleration, magnification, anchoring and integration of the wave of transfiguration and alignment for one and all. We call forth the sixth wave of ascension, the wave of radiant glory and illumination. Heralded by Archangel Michael, Lord Metatron, and the Elohim Council. This wave bringing the divine awareness of God presence and the power to assist and guide the life of our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual walk on this earth. We call forth in divine order for one and all the highest acceleration, magnification, anchoring, and integration of the wave of radiant glory and illumination that we can receive individually and collectively at this time. Take a nice deep breath. We call forth Mother Gaia. And Archangel Sandalphon. To help us integrate this with ease and grace. 
forth now, the seventh wave of ascension. The wave of remembrance, ascension, rebirth, and transformation, heralded by Emea, the Galactic Mother, the Radiant Ones, and the Divine Mother. The seventh wave of ascension is the first galactic wave to connect to the Earth, bringing galactic remembrance and awareness and deeper connection to the starry nature of human, every human being, and we call this forth. We call forth the highest acceleration, magnification, anchoring, and integration of the seventh wave of remembrance, ascension, rebirth, and transformation that we can receive individually and collectively so that we may remember who we are and our divine mission and purpose on the planet. We call forth the eighth wave of ascension, the wave of love within Divine Mother's heart, heralded by the Divine Mother, the sacred sisterhood of the rays and rose, the galactic Mother Amea, and Gaia, our cosmic earth mother. This wave brings forth a higher dimensional form of love through the feminine heart of all beings and aligns all to their divinity to receive God's energies for embodiment. And we ask for this to activate now as we call forth for the highest acceleration, magnification, anchoring and integration of the wave of love through Divine Mother's heart for all life on the planet. We now call forth the ninth wave of ascension, the wave of union of God presence, heralded by Lord Sananda, Lord Melchizedek, and Saint Germain. This wave bringing a higher dimensional communion with our own God presence, beginning the process of higher dimensional soul braiding to each being as they attune to this wave in divine order. Can we call it forth for ourselves and for everyone and ask for the highest acceleration, magnification, anchoring, and integration of the wave of union of God presence that each can receive? at this time. We call forth the tenth wave of ascension, the wave of God's consciousness and God's truth, heralded through the command of the great white lodge on Sirius and the karmic board, the Mahatma and Lord Metatron. This wave bringing forth the dispensations of the higher dimensional truth in relationship to the journey of all to Godhead and will have integrated free the mind, transforming it to divine mind. So we humbly request this, the maximum that we can receive, asking for the highest acceleration, magnification, anchoring and integration, of the wave of God consciousness and God's truth that we can receive individually and collectively at this time. 
we call forth the 11th wave of ascension, the wave of soul communion heralded by Lord Maitreya, the Elohim Master Faith, and the Elohim Master Principle of Light, together braided as one. They hold the divine 11th wave of ascension for the communion of all souls within the planetary body. We invoke this the maximum that we can receive individually and collectively as we call forth for the highest acceleration, magnification, anchoring, and integration of the wave of soul communion that we can receive on this planet at this time. And we call forth to flood through us all of these 12 waves as we invoke the 12th wave of ascension, the wave of enlightenment and radiance heralded by our beloved Mother, Father, God, the great divine director and Gaia, the cosmic mother, flowing directly from the heart of source in a frequency, higher frequency form than any of these 12 waves. This wave of enlightenment and radiance activates one's path to enlightenment. Once one's, one holds mastery on this planet. And if attuned to assist one to integrate one's self-mastery, in general, one must be on a fully committed path of service to receive this wave activation. And we humbly request this to begin to activate for one and all as we call forth for the highest acceleration and magnification, anchoring and integration of the wave of enlightenment and radiance that each and every one of us and every one on the planet can receive and Gaia herself in divine order. So we call for these 12 waves to flood through us individually and collectively in the highest divine potential for our being. And we ask them to assist us in activating our God consciousness and experiencing shifts and very powerful accelerations of our being. And we call this forth for one and all. And we give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. We give thanks for this. Take a nice deep breath. Yeah, we want more call forth. Archangel Sandalphon and Mother Gaia to assist us in easily and effortlessly integrating all that we have invoked. We ask for this to be sealed in divine order for our being individually and collectively. especially by the guides and teachers that we work most closely with, each of us individually. And sealed with the Mahatma energy as well. That encompasses all 352 levels directly to source. I thank you for the time that you've spent here this afternoon in divine service. Thank you, thank you, thank you. My heart goes out to you in gratitude. And I invite you to further divine service each and every Sunday and Monday evening 
for the Ascension Meditation and Activation Calls. It's a teleconference call that takes place every Sunday and Monday. We begin at 8.45 p.m. Eastern Time, 5.45 p.m. Pacific Time. We have about 25 minutes of, <coughs> excuse me, 25 minutes of greetings. Then Tara and Rama give us a brief update. And then at 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific Time, we begin our work in earnest of bringing heaven to earth with our meditations, our invocations, our prayers, our activations, and all of our energy updates. The number to dial, the main number that we are using, is area code 480-660-2224. The access code is 946-7441, pound. Again, that's 946 Seven four four one pound. We'd love to have you join us and let us know that you heard about the calls from the Saturday program. Let us know where you're calling from so we know where we're anchoring these frequencies for the planet. Know that there are other numbers or are local numbers. There are international numbers. You can access this call through the Internet and through an app, freeconference.com, and I believe it's simply the access code number. And if you need that information, I can provide it to you, some additional information. Just contact me by email. My email is Cheryl Croce, C-H-E-R-Y-L-C-R-O-C-I, at AOL.com. And in case you didn't know, Croce means crosses, plural, in Italian. So... Is part of my connection to divine service, I believe. So, infinite blessings to you all. Have a most sacred and holy week as we go through our final full week in um, January. And we are heading toward our midpoint uh, between the winter solstice at least here in the Northern Hemisphere, and uh, the spring equinox, the Imbolc on February 1st, 2nd, and so on. Um, on the 27th, I believe, uh, or maybe it's before that, maybe it's on the 25th, the full moon, I believe it's before next Saturday. So we have a lot to celebrate yet this month. And I wish you amazing blessings and infinite uh, miracles through each and every day. So, with this talking stick filled with all the amazing Ascension Wave energy and all of the amazing rays and flames 
and the universal laws as well. And all of our friends from the crystalline kingdom and the elemental kingdom and uh, the dragons and the unicorns and the fairies and uh, all of the uh, amazing beings that we work with, all of the angelic energies. I'm going to pass this talking stick to Rainbird. Mahama energy surrounds it too, so it's got every frequency that we could ever require. And with lots of love and gratitude, I pass the talking stick to you, Rainbird. Blessed be, everybody. Rainbird, dear, are you there to take the talking stick? Okay, this is Cheryl handing off the talking stick. I'm trusting that I've been on this time. Maybe Tara, Rama, let me know. Yes, we're here. Where's Rainbird is the question. (laughs) Okay. She was was connected before. Is that correct? Yeah. She was. Okay. Let's send some energy to Rainbird. And Don, can uh, Rama will call you maybe. Oh, dear. Uh, Rainbird, maybe you can call back in. I hope you can hear us. Yeah, maybe she can hear us. Maybe some somehow she can on you. Yeah. Well, let's keep blazing the violet flame and all the rays, flames, and universal laws and ascension waves. Bringing everything into divine order here today. Yes, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Cheryl. And, um, yes, blaze the violet flame. Um, <laughs> calling all the angels. Rama's got to have a minute to ring and hope they'll, we'll get an answer here. Mm. Let's send good vibrations to... Commander Don. Blaze fire. And we'll add... All right. Um, Why can't you hear me? Uh, now is the first time we could hear you, Rainbird, just now. Okay, well, I've been yakking at you. <laughs> Nobody heard you. Nobody heard you till now. Rama called uh, at the station. Yeah, I don't know where that where that went weird, but they had to fix it, and they did. So lots of gratitude. All right, yeah. thank you, Cheryl. Now let's say, Cheryl. Yeah, thank you, Rama. <laughs> I'm here now. I have that talking stick, and we are a supported radio program. So each of us that make it happen, and uh, each week we need. Uh, fees for the services from BBS Radio, and this week, this month actually is it's less than normal. So we hope to be able to catch up and be good standing by the time we get to February. We need six hundred and three dollars to finish out the month. So that's for last week, this week, and the next week for what we owe. 
And uh, so that's good. We can do that. And it just takes each of us going into our heart space and seeing what is ours to give. And then go to bbsradio.com and click on that schedule that's right there at the top of the page on the home page. And you'll see listings for the schedule for BBS Radio 1, BBS Radio 2. We're on BBS Radio 2 right now with the history of Nasera and our galactic origins with Tara and Rama listed at the 3.30 hour. And these are central times. So as you just click on that icon that's there, that takes you directly to our account with BBS Radio where you could use your bank card to make a donation in any amount. And then we have two programs on radio station one. So look at that schedule. Eight o'clock hour on Thursday night, a night at the round table with the panel. And the eight o'clock hour on Friday night, the hard news with Tara and Rama. Either one of those icons will take you directly to our account where you can make that donation. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking that action. It takes each of us doing a little to get it all done. So, um, yeah. Hello? Oh, that was that was Cheryl hanging up. Okay. So thank you for taking that action. We're grateful for your contributions, and we're grateful for all the ways that you show up in your lives. We're also assisting Tara and Rama with their needs. And this week, they, they need uh, money for personal uh, living expenses cat litter and food and gas and basics. So it's real important they get that something as soon as possible so they can go ahead and get that cat litter ordered. They order that online. So um, don't want to run out of that. <laughs> and, yes, yeah, they don't want to run out of food and gas either. So thank you for paying attention to this. And here's how we make a contribution to Tara and Rama. You want to go to the web address, which is rainbowroundtable.net. You can find a donate link on the top of the home page on the right-hand side. Or if you have a menu grid, click on that, and that uh, listing to donate button is near the bottom of that list. And as you click on that donate button, it takes you to Rama's pay- or the Rainbow Roundtable PayPal account. And that PayPal account has an email address that you need to use if you want to access the friends option. So take this down so you have it. It's Koran, K-O-R-A-N, 9999 at hotmail.com. And as you put that listening, that, that email into the gifting um, line option, then that, that uh, accesses the friends option. So that's how we do it that way. Either way is perfect, but uh, your money goes further if you do it, putting in that email address for gifting as, as a friend. So as we are sending something to Taran Rama, please let him know at this email address, Koran999 at Comcast.net. Let him know what you sent and when you sent it so he can know when to expect it. And that helps out a lot. So we're so grateful for your attention to this matter. Make sure they don't run out of money. Thanks for, for taking that that time and, and paying it forward like that. We're so grateful for your gifts and uh, so grateful for all that Tara and Rama do. So 
uh, what else? So I want to give you their mailing address. Their mailing address, if you need it, is Romney Berkowitz, R-A-M-D Berkowitz, B-E-R-K-O-W-I-T-Z, Post Office Box 280-280. And that's in Santa Cruz, New Mexico, 87567 is the uh, zip code. And I'll say it again, Santa Cruz, New Mexico, 87567. And that's post office box two eight zero two eighty. So thank you. Thirteen thank yous and honey in the heart. We're so grateful for all of you. We're grateful to be able to gather this this way each week. Um, basically as a family as we do this work together. So uh with that I'm gonna pass this talking stick because it is an auspicious day. The numerology is an eleven eleven two two two. And that's divine wisdom right there in a package. So here comes this divine talking stick. And it is, Cheryl said it best. It's beautiful. It's got all that it needs to carry the day. So greetings, Tara and Rama. Here comes this talking stick. Greetings. Greetings. All you commanders, eagles, and angels. Well, here we are again. Rama, you were going to have to tell everybody your report because we didn't sit together and you didn't oh. write it. <laughs> and that's just Saturday afternoons. Um, <laughs> thank you, Cheryl. Thank you, Rainbird. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, everyone. We are so grateful to be here. Um. I sat with 25 deer and 10 crows. They kind of cornered me and had a Jedi council of sorts. And I gave them food. And a big buck showed up and bowed in front of me, thanked me. And I got a call from a text from Larry Curley and Moe. And they said that happy... Pluto in Aquarius, along with the sun, this is a big deal. Most of us have not seen a Pluto return. It takes 248 years or more. And since we are becoming immortal, we're going to get to see this one come full circle. (laughs) It's a really big deal with what's happening right now as things are shifting radically and Pluto Hades likes to stir the pot from the bottom up and everything unlike love is coming up as we're seeing right now in Gaza Mm -hmm. blaze of violet fire and There is a solution to this. It is about the higher wisdom with love. And there are folks, you know, I'll just say that what I'm being told is at a certain point here, the galactics will reveal themselves. And these folks are going to have to face the music, so to speak, place of violet fire. War is never the answer. 
absolutely true. Um, Larry Curley and Mo um, said that there are big cosmic energies coming in as these frequencies have to do with the changing of the astrology. Um, and it's changing our consciousness about having more kindness and compassion for souls that have made choices on that cosmic scale. I have to turn it over to Lady Master Ma'at and the 42 attributes of Ma'at. And this brings in the true wisdom. And there are all kinds of ships in the skies again today. I got some pictures a big mothership over the ski basin in Santa Fe. It, it was quite large. When did you get that? This morning, <laughs> staring you me did in the face. Show me yet? Uh, yeah. Last night we we got Jupiter in the the bay window pretty much all the time lately. Yeah. And the New Jerusalem's been hanging out or some starship right in front of Sirius. No, you said that's Jupiter. Oh, in the morning is Yeah, Jupiter. in the morning, and there's oh. a starship around it. Yeah, there is. <laughs> I don't know if it's the New Jerusalem, but there's something up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was also going to add that um, we'll hear the whole thing with Tanya Gabrielle, but she said that um, it'll be, well, it's already that time. is 4.58. Yeah. It already happened. Pluto and the sun entered Aquarius together. Yes. At uh, uh, 458 Eastern, 258. In other words, around 3 o'clock. When Cheryl was sharing her wisdom with us, this happened. And, of course, the sun moves through Aquarius every year. Yeah, Pluto is at the end of its long journey around the Zodiac. 248 years cycle, and now it's poised to spend most of, of 2024 in Aquarius. I still hear, though, that something about Pluto being influencing us from now until 2044. 2045, I heard, too. You heard that? Well, you didn't say that until just now to all yeah. of us. A whole other year. Uh, okay, so <laughs> we're going to learn stuff and stick around because Richard and Tanya Gabrielle and Kate Pacho will give us the lowdown after we do this first period of time. And she said this connection, this conjunction of Pluto and the sun, while both enter at zero degrees Aquarius at once, is to put it mildly, truly momentous. You will feel your inner confidence magnify as your enhanced confidence sets you on a new path to freely explore life without fear. All right, Nasara, now let's get started, Rama. This is going to be uh, something we call 
Discover what happened to you before you were born and why you are here now. By Christian Sundberg. And um, uh, it's Michael Sandler's Inspire Nation. Uh, I guess Christian Sundberg's up there. Well, let me read this. We have all heard of NDEs. Near-death experiences. Or near-death experiences. And are familiar. I had a big one. (laughs) (laughs) And are familiar with life reviews, which we have all gone through countless times. Yet, did you know you choose this lifetime? And you choose what you wanted to experience. And even often how. Did you know that? Yes. These are our pre-birth experiences. And by understanding, understanding, overstanding, our pre-birth experiences, where we came from, where we come from, why we are here, this particular incarnation, and this incarnation is the one that a lot of people uh, wake up collectively more than ever in the whole time of existence. Uh, that's a big deal. And, and then we can change everything. Let's not underestimate what that means. You know, in other words, not dying is not out of the question. Again, I don't know too many people that know a person that is 20,000 years in one body, yet Lord Rama does. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, uh, she took him for a walk under the earth, a very long walk under the earth, right? Yeah. Uh, it's underneath the New Mexico State Library. And you walked for about a mile, and there are holographic stations that depict real things in her life for the last 20,000 years. That this young, beautiful soul, even though we say she's 20,000 years, I mean, she's young and she's beautiful in terms of her appearance. Right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And Rama's been able to witness her in her own holographic uh, life going back however many of those you saw but for 20,000 years. Yeah. She's in those holograms when she's certain time of yeah her life in in Atlantis. In Atlantis. So yes, this is all true and this is where we're going to start now. So uh, again, um, um, and in those uh, we hear from a pre-birth ex- expert, Christian Sundberg, on what we can learn, all of us, by accessing our life before this life. All right, let's get started. This is one hour and 24 minutes. Here we go. We all access our pre-birth experiences. When we come here to be human and to have a human experience, it means we accept being veiled. All of the memory disappear and all of the connectedness feel like it's being cut off. We become obscured from remembering. And they brought me to this, like a mechanic shop. 
And there are these beings there who are very technical in nature, and they're masterful at veil application. And I remember them asking me, are you, like preparing the veil, it's ready to go. One last time, are you ready to go? Are you, are you sure? And I remember saying, Welcome back. I'm Michael Sandler, your host on Inspire Nation. If you've ever wondered why you came here and if you really chose to, then do we have the pre-birth experiences, a walk in the physical show for you. Today, I'll be talking with Christian Sundberg, pre-birth experience expert and author of a brilliant book on the subject, A Walk in the Physical. And that's just what I want to talk with you about today, about how and why we ended up here and if we can access our pre-birth experiences. So welcome to the show, Christian. Are you ready to shine? Definitely, Michael. Thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> well, I have a welcome for being here and a mighty woohoo. Yeah, we did it. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> we are here. And based on your story, which I'll have you share in a little bit, it took a little bit of work. No, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've all come a very long way to arrive to this moment in the human experience. That's true. Amen to that. So before <laughs> we dive right into things, Christian, can we all access our pre-birth experiences? Yes, technically it's always possible. It's within us. It's just that when we come here to be human and to have the human experience, it means we accept being veiled. And that just means typically on the surface level, we become obscured from remembering, you know, all of who we really are. And that's, that's a part of the game. You know, that's, that's like <laughs> built into the simulation. So while it may not seem practical, Absolutely. It's within all of us. I'm not special in any way. Um, you know, anyone who really reaches down and touches the deeper portion themselves may even spontaneously find not just pre-birth planning, but much many other aspects of the self that transcend the human experience. So absolutely. Yes. Very cool. And and I'm going to I'm going to argue with saying with your saying that you're not special. We're all special in our own unique way. But you sure. were gifted these. Mm, memories, these, I want to call them vibrances, that meaning yeah. it, it feel, felt more real than real. You were gifted that in order to be able to share this with us, to help us remember it is a veil, but it is a game. Yeah, that's who we really are. <laughs> this is actually not really who we are. So I'm happy to share that here. Yeah. It, so, no, I, I appreciate the comment about the specialness. I, I simply meant that, you know, sometimes people think, oh, that person is exclusive somehow. No, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. We are all the really our higher selves. We really are multidimensional beings. So that higher aspect of ourself is always available. It, it's interesting. Um, I've been watching. I've been replaying it. It's been fun to watch a um I think it's called Gran Turismo. It's a Netflix movie. It's a, it's about a kid who races cars in a simulation. And he's so good at it that it turns out, uh, Nissan puts together a, uh, academy where they're going to take, uh, simulation drivers and put them in a school and the winner and the, the highest graduate of the school is going to get to race actual cars after living <laughs> in the simulation world. And I'm thinking, that's Christian. 
That's what we're talking about. <laughs> That's all of us. That's it what we're doing It is <laughs> all of us. It is. So let's yeah. go to your pre-birth experience. And then okay. I might share, I know a little bit about mine, and it's come to me from several different places. And so we might go there, me sitting around a table of elders going, give the works. Uh, no, <laughs> do not ask more this. Do not ask. I get it. <laughs> Do not ask for the extra fixings. <laughs> no. <laughs> now yeah. my motto is kind, gentle, easy, good. May I have all of my teachings, kind, <laughs> gentle, easy, good. <laughs> so Christian, how did you come to know your pre-birth experience? When did you first uh, know it? And would you mind taking us through this arc? And I might jump in a dozen times, but it is a fascinating journey and experience that you've had. Right now, my body is 43 years old, and at the age of 30 is when these memories came back to me, and it was not expected. I took up a long-term meditation practice, and after a few months, I had my first out-of-body experience. Um, and then after that, it was like this non-physical awareness just w- returned. It was just there, and it was like someone had just blown leaves off of the ground, and there was this this memory. But it's it's not just memory. It's like it's like an alive living i love the word to use vibrance it's like a vibrant living occurrence happening now even though it also feels like millions of years ago at the same time it's very hard to describe that and i actually had the the memory briefly when i was a young child up until the age of five or six and then it left me so for much of my early adult life i had no idea you know but <laughs> just didn't have any awareness of that but now it's just so normal for me <laughs> And I just see the world as like, oh, my gosh, like we are all brave, powerful beings walking around having this experience together. And I just want to remind people I'm like so motivated to say, hey, you know what? Like you're not just these limitations and the fear that we experience here. No, no, no. We are we are so much more. So I can share a bit about my experience. Please do interrupt if you wish. Yeah, I'm going to jump in one time. First off, I want to go to age 30. So I've got Christian at age 30. Let's set the stage. Where were you in life? Was there a spark inside of you? What flipped the switch and started you down the road to what I'm going to call becoming an intraneer, meaning or an intranaut? You were going from looking at the whole world at large to saying, oh, wait, I've got to dive in. I got to figure this out. What happened? Yeah. So, you know, I've always been a spiritual seeker. Um, and in my early adult life, it took the form of Lutheran Christianity. So that was my tradition at the time. Uh, but I was always seeking. And there was one video by a physicist and consciousness explorer named Tom Campbell. I really oh, love yeah. the man. His, his work really helped me. And he said one sentence in one of his videos that kind of like irritated me, kicked, like to scratch the ego a little bit. And I felt this little voice say, why did that sting? And I was like, yeah, why did that sting? And that little nudge sent me to watching his videos, buying his book. But most importantly, he recommended meditation. He said, just go find out. Go see what your consciousness is beneath thought, beneath all thought. Don't settle for any thinking. Go actually investigate very objectively like a scientist. Go look. And at first, I just started doing it because it felt good. It was relieving. And then after a few months, I had my first non-physical experience. And it was so real and so eye-opening. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is real. <laughs> this is really happening. I got to keep going. And so I kept going down that path. And probably within a few months of that, definitely within the first nine or 10 months or a year of when I started meditating, the pre-birth memory had returned all the way. And it was just so normal. And it was like I was talking to somebody. And I said, you know what? I remember 
choosing to come. I remember choosing and why. And I remember every, I remember like <laughs> I just was describing all these things and the person said, wow, that's extraordinary. And it hadn't even occurred to me that it was extraordinary. It seemed like the most normal thing in the world because, you know, once you reach that level of being, that level of awareness, it's, it's just so natural to access those higher portions of the self. And then the human experience is this, you know, strange thing. <laughs> the alien experience. Oh, so I like I, how you I, call I, it an alien experience. It is. It is an alien experience. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, every day I feel like that. I feel like I'm walking on an alien planet in a spacesuit a little bit, you know, and we have a lot of assumptions here in our world that we've really dug deep on that are just, uh, misunderstandings. <laughs> And we've really bought into it. And our whole society seems to, you know, historically at least have been built on certain misunderstanding. And so it's, you know, like I look at it, it feels like an alien world. And, the, and even being biologically limited and limited in space and time and the way that we are here, which is very specific, very discreet, very dense. That's a very alien feeling. So I, I you know, I strive to come to terms with that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely aware day to day that it's not it's not the norm. <laughs> It's interesting, and I want to go into your story, but a, a lot of people who are, who are drawn to your work or drawn to my work are energetically sensitive. We can call yes. them empaths when they understand their gifts. I call them mystics. I've got the school of mystics for that. Uh, but what it really means is we feel like aliens. <laughs> we know there's something <laughs> more, and we're going, what in the world are we doing here? Yeah, no, and we feel a lot. I mean, the spirit is innately connected to everything else and to each other. And so as those doors begin to be opened, it can be pretty disorienting if you're really grounded into an association with form, that is, with all the stories and the identity. Yeah. So um, it's beautiful. I mean, I, I I feel like one of the great blessings of this work is that we can reach people who are energetically sensitive and awake. And you know what? It's normal. Like this thing that where it feels alien and yes, you're having an experience that might be outside of the routine, you know, the, the average experience. That's okay. That's normal. Like we really are. This isn't like you could just say spirituality is the ordinary, you know, the, the the most real, the most normal bedrock from which we come. It's not a strange, you know, off in the corner type thing. Yeah. And the more we talk about it, the more we dive into our our, our own frequency, our own true self, whatever that means, the more I feel not only do our hearts open up, but just by being like you shared with that individual who you didn't mention them scooting off to the side, which means you had a positive effect on them. And then they would have a positive effect on someone else and someone else. Yeah. You know, we're here to be who we're here to be ourselves. It's a very simple way to put what we're doing here is to be the authentic you, the real you yeah. all the way. The so, real you is love and peace and joy. So, yeah. So take us back. Take us back to the real you. Take us back to the you. Ooh, on your attempt number one of getting here for okay. who you are now, because obviously there's an infinitude of attempts, but you know what I'm talking about. Take yeah. us through that part of the journey, if you don't mind. Sure. So first I have to just quickly disclaim that there's no language for what I'm going to try to describe. You know, we, we tend to think in terms of our language, in terms of words. Words are just form. They're just symbols that are specific to our local context and everything that's built into it. Non-native limitations like linear time and discrete location and all these things that we assume are so real. So I'm just throwing that out there because anytime we start putting language on this, it's, it's really limiting. I just have to say that up front. I'll give you what I tell my wife all too often. <laughs> <laughs> and it drives your batty because I'm always like words. When I when I do this, I'm in a, a channeling co-creation. I come up with the words in real life. I'm always short of words. Yeah. And what I always say is language is not my first language. 
Exactly. <laughs> I totally get it. I hundred percent get it. <laughs> so in best you can in, in, in human speak. <laughs> sure. Um, I remember long ago before I had ever been physical coming across a being who had been physical and feeling from him telepathically because we're all connected in these higher systems. You can feel and know the nature of the being of those that you're with and you can share it with each other in full, complete exchange. And I could feel from this being that he had such an absolutely incredible, beautiful essence, quality of being. It was like this powerful, golden, I, I don't even know how to describe it, a depth of joy and power and freedom. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, what did you do to become? How, do you really feel as much joy and freedom as I feel that you feel? And he said, yes. And he shared with me telepathically this depth and I was like, how did, what did you do? <laughs> like, how could you be this? I want some. How of could that. you become this? <laughs> and he said, well, he shared many things, but chief among them was that he had lived physical lives. And in one of them, he had suffered a long-term health condition of a pain that lasted with him. And the way that he chose to meet that pain, that limitation allowed a refinement of his being. It's the best way I can describe it. It was like he refined through, he integrated the experience, even though it was very challenging for him and it deepened him, you know? And I was like, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. I was so inspired. And he said, and this isn't negative. It was kind of like in a playful way, like, yeah, that's what they all say. Like oh, you no. just don't, like you just don't know how hard it can be because I just didn't know, you know, I was just ignorant of the potential challenge. And I said, no, I mean it. I want to do it. And he said, well, go talk to your guides. So I don't have right after that, but I, I lived many times. I found this being later. He was encouraging. I shared with him. I'm on the path. He was very encouraging. And then, okay, so the majority of my pre-birth memories of a time somewhat immediately preceding this life and actually the life just before this life where I had taken a long break in between lives. And I remember like intentionally setting aside like, okay, I'm going to take a long break. Like I'm not going back for a while. And just being there, in there are a lot of a lot of people here. I, sorry, not trying to turn this into a yeah, comic sure. routine today, but there are yeah, yeah. a lot of people listening to this who are saying, "I want back on the other side." You can't make me come back. So already. that's the great irony, actually, is that we. I, I know that ninety nine percent or more of us feel that way here. We just want to go back. You know, we're 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 done. But the thing is, from that perspective, this is like. The, it's so valuable. It's like winning the lottery to be human, to have a physical experience. It's like, it's like being handed out of all the multiverse, you, just you being handed this most precious gift, even especially now during Earth's awakening process to play a human during this period is like, Oh my gosh, off the charts honor. So I'm just saying it's ironic, you know, cause here we are somebody because of our fear, we want to get out fear, meaning rejection that we want to get out, but actually. The, the opportunity is to get in, you know, to really engage this depth and this contrast. Um, anyway, I just had to make that comment. <laughs> and, and I'm bookmarking Earth's awakening process. We will go there, but, uh, okay. Dad back. Sure. Here. So, sure. So, um, I had this guide coming back to me and asking me, are you ready to go back yet? Are you ready to go back yet every once in a while? And just reminding me of my own intention, not like pushing, not forcing, but just like, are you ready yet? And, and putting them off and eventually saying, okay, I'm ready now. And then reviewing with this guide, oh, this is so hard to describe, my state, like who I am, who I've been, what what I've been, 
and all the um, qualities is not the right word, but kind of like a review of all the depth of um, experience that I had in all these different areas, like qualities. And there was this one that was like really obvious <laughs> that I needed to work on. I don't like the words work on. That makes it sound like a task. It's not a task. I could just see this one area that was like vibrationally like, oh, wow. Yeah, I got to do something about that. <laughs> It was just so obvious. It was like not hard to identify. It was like looking at a chart and one line is like way down here, you know, like, oh, you know, that's probably the thing we should <laughs> work on. Yeah. And it was a very low vibration fear. And the fear had bested me in a previous experience. And when I say bested in that experience, I rejected life. I rejected the experience and I became egoic because ego arises from fear and rejection. And so in that life, I was very damaging to other people. And so that was something that was within me. I had that, you could call it karma. I had that cause and effect that was with me because that's who I had been. And I was like, okay, like I want, I, I want to do that. I want to tackle that. I want to integrate that fear and process and heal it. But can it even be done? <laughs> because I could see like how vibrationally extreme it was. It was yeah. like ridiculous. And I remember this guide sharing with me, like, yes. And because I asked, like, has it ever been done in all of creation? Has any other being ever done something this specific, like this, this refined, this low vibration in this way? And I was told, yes, and you have all time available to you to do so. There's no hurry. But I could see the incredible opportunity. See, that's the thing. Like people say, oh, why would I do that? You know, why would I sign up for that? Oh my gosh. The opportunity for expansion is off the charts. I can't stress this enough, you know, because here we're really mired and challenged many times. But from that perspective, even though it was such a low vibration, I, I knew, oh my gosh, if I could meet this experience, the the expansion of not only myself, but all that is, yeah. like, would be beautiful. Like, just, oh my gosh, beautiful. So it would be like a service. Like, if I could do this, it would be like a service to all that is, if I could do this. And so they brought me a life that was appropriate for that purpose of facing the fear. Yeah. And the life they brought me was very appropriate, super good match. Everything was really good. And then I, I remember accepting that life. And then I remember the veil coming over me sometime just after that. It's hard to talk about sequence because it transcends linear time. But anyway, there was a sequence. They brought the veil to me. What, what did the veil feel like? What, what does it go from being in this in expanse of, ah, to being stuck in this little glass tube? Yeah, no, exactly. So this is the memory that is the most at the forefront of my mind, actually every day. Ugh, this is hard to describe. Imagine your being, and that, that means the consciousness of your body, the consciousness of your mind, your aliveness itself, connected to everything, like and having access to all knowing. And an incredible amount of history and celebration, you could say. And then having that plummeted down, 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 very suddenly, lower, 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 and having all of the memory disappear and all of the connectedness feel like it's being cut off. And it felt vibrationally like if you turn like a sound producer, like a, something that produces a pitch, this is just a metaphor, but like high vibration, and then you turn down the knob, and then when you get to the bottom, you turn it down some more, and then you turn it down some more, and then more, and then more, 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 keep going, more, more, more. That's how it felt, like just just ridiculously low vibration. Yeah. Welcome when to Earth. To this, welcome to Earth. <laughs> just seriously, I mean, it's, it's funny, but it's also like it's an extreme step. It's like a Grand Canyon-sized vibrational step from that higher state to here. And so 
I made it into the state of being in the womb, but I was only there a very short time. This is for this immediately preceding life. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing this. There's just no way like this is not happening. I, I had so much fear rise up because, oh my gosh, I'm not the whole anymore. Oh my gosh, I lost all, all of what I am. I have no power. I have no, like I'm stuck in this time, like dense tunic can. I'm not doing this. It's not happening. So I summoned my might and I smote the veil. I fought my way past it because I knew I was stronger than the veil that overcame me. There was nothing stronger than the soul. And I was like, nope, I'm not doing that. So I punched my way through and I, be, I it worked. I returned to the other side, but I had a life review inst- immediately because I became aware that I had killed the fetus that was to be my body. And in so doing, I had heaped grief upon the mother. Yeah. Um, so I could see not only how the poor mother was affected, but how hundreds of other people's lives were made more difficult because of my fear. And I had all these great intentions. Like I came in like ready to go and I was like, oh, oh man. Like, and you know, from that side, like it's, it's okay. It's not like there's anything truly wrong before we have our, our baby now, our 19 month, 19 month old, uh, super baby Hannah, who's, I guess, a toddler, not a baby anymore. And she's a twin and we lost her twin in utero, but we had had three miscarriages and it's, it's hard to say and, and it, it transcends yeah. words and it's not making light of it. Um, but those were massively, immensely, powerfully positive parts of our journey. So. Amen. If we look at the greater fabric and that perfect alignment body that you were gifted with, it may have been for your highest good to have that experience of of saying not ready, but also for this is all at levels at the highest experience for your mom, because I can feel that in you for your mom and for everybody around her to have this uh, beautiful, horrific experience as well. Absolutely. There's not one iota of contrast that isn't ultimately used for the good of life because the entire experience of contrast is arising within life and for life's purpose. It can't. Now, there may be novelty. There may be outcome that arises that might be unanticipated. In fact, that's exactly the value, you see, (laughs) that we have to make choices and things might happen. Everything within all that is, is occurring within that which gave rise to it. So nothing escapes its use. Nothing escapes the use of the evolution of consciousness, you could say. I have a a statement that I use on occasion that, that, that might do this justice and it might not. It's, it's more three dimensional, but not a drop of sunshine is ever wasted or not a drop of sunshine is ever lost. Amen to that. Amen. It's all God. It's all good. It's all here to serve us. And they all, if you think about the statement, I am or God is or whatever you want to call it, I joke often to say the giant cheeseburger is. <laughs> it is all part of this awakening ascension as you're going through the honing of the stone. It's all part of it. Yeah, the greater, yes, the greater the contrast that is offered, the greater the depth to which we can grow and refine and expand what really is which is love and life and freedom. So spoiler alert, everybody, when you look outside, <laughs> spoiler you alert, get, we win. <laughs> yeah. When you look outside or you dare go to the news and you go, Oh my God, <laughs> it's all okay. It's yeah. all okay.
It's like if you look in a kindergarten classroom and there's a big mess and there's cut up pieces of paper everywhere and some of the kids are even poking each other with scissors. You know, that ultimately is, it, it can't help but be a part of the process through which we rise to achieve the higher knowing, the higher mastery of being in this case. So that that's important. Yeah. So going back to your story, and I apologize yeah. for the thousand uh, tangents. Oh no, 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 no problem. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. So so in short, I had rejected the life, and but I still wanted to do this. So I remember spending some time in what we might call a veil acceptance simulator. <laughs> I know this sounds wild. I know this is out there, but it's like a room. Like it's like a room in the non-physical where you go. And it's like a, like a pool, like a deep pool, like a dark pool. And then you get, you can get dunked under it and you practice surrendering your power to the, the to a mock veil. Not a, it's not a real veil. You can cry uncle. And this, in the simulator, you can cry uncle and they'll let you out. So, and that's not as hard as the real veil, by the way. <laughs> the real veil is more extreme. Anyway, I practiced there. I did some other things and eventually they brought me this, this life. And this life was, it was it was good. You know, it wasn't as absolutely perfectly like 99% appropriate as the first one would have been. Maybe it's I'm just making up numbers. Maybe it's 85%. But it was good enough, you know. And I remember reviewing this life in incredible detail. And what I mean is it was like if you took a tree and laid it on its side and started up the roots and worked your way out to the branches. I could see and feel all of the potentialities of what this life might be like mm-hmm. as Christian. And so it wasn't like like there were events in it, but it wasn't primarily like about events. It was primarily about what it would be like to be me, <laughs> to be Christian down all these avenues that may unfold. And some were very likely and some were less likely. And I could see it was very likely that my biological constraint set would lead to a traumatic experience in my 20s and that that would give me the opportunity to re-experience this fear. It would crush me. And I was super excited. <laughs> you know, it doesn't oh, sound, no, it's not masochism. No, this is no, not masochism. No, this was the give me the it's, works. I get yeah, it. This did, was the give me the works. This is give me the works. Did you get that? <laughs> I did. What I happened? I did get that. Yeah. So what happened on the physical surface at, was at the age of 22, I had a heat stroke in Chengdu, China. I tried to move to China. So I had studied in Beijing in college. And um, I had a heat stroke. I was in the hospital for four days. They gave me bag after bag after bag of potassium. And physically, it somehow my biology is super sensitive. I have a super unique biology. And somehow that uh, treatment burned out my nervous system in a way that I was in absolutely terrible physical agony for months and it would not abate. So I was dealt, I was faced with a situation of pain that I could not escape, which really, if I had to describe the nature of this fear, the fear is a mix. This is very hard to describe because it's a specific vibration, but it's a mix of being too proud to suffer mixed with being unable to escape agony, unable to escape pain. Like I'm too proud. No, 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 I'm not. No, I'm not going to tolerate this. And so, but in this case, I really had this agonizing traumatic experience. At the time, it only traumatized me. (laughs) I did not process it at the moment. I, in fact, I had post-traumatic stress for a number of years. I went through six years of counseling. And eventually I found the route through, through counseling, through EMDR therapy was the methodology used. I found the route. Yes, I found the route 
And I really, and it took hundreds of layers because the ego is real good at covering this stuff up, right? It'll, it'll, it'll cover it up with 2000 layers of crap. So you don't, you know, you think you're getting to it and then you get down one layer and like, wow, that was really painful. But guess what? You got 1800 more layers. It's fine. It's okay. It's a natural process. And when I finally reached the bottom, there was a moment, one moment where the, the fear was its true, its truest. It was a moment that I was laying in a hospital bed in Chengdu and I had the, the, I bought into this perception to such a degree. I can't even describe it. And it was so terrifying. And I have subsequently really met that vibration. I've really met it, felt it, healed it, integrated it. I'm doing what I came to do. We discussed this a bit off air, and I'm sure we're going to go down a little bit. I'm going to get, get you back into your story because we keep this. These are the tangents. This is the important sure, stuff. No problem. These are important. <laughs> but right now, what I call what uh, Debbie Ford, so many thousands of generations have called the shadow work, the diving into that fear, diving into that darkness. We're recording this uh, just pull solstice, the darkest in the northern hemisphere time of the year or day of the year, which is actually here to illuminate that which gets to be brought into the light. That's the work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the the depth of the darkness, it may seem incredibly deep. But another spoiler alert, (laughs) our true nature is deeper. Our true nature, which is love and peace and joy, is deeper. The question is, can you really go in and find that? Not because you're trying to find it. You actually go into it with no need to change it. You go and you really face it. You really feel it all the way. I like I you almost like you become it without resistance to know it. And then what happens is by doing that, the light of your awareness, the light of your willingness, if that burns it, it evaporates it. Not because you're trying, but because you're accepting it. And then all that's left is what was always there, which is love and peace and joy, except now it's even deep. It's way deeper. Now it's empowered. You see, that's what we're here to do is to use the contrast for the expansion of being. That requires acceptance and willingness. It's about willingness. It's about quality of intention. That's the bottom line for what we're doing here on earth. We're here to wield a quality of intention that is more in alignment with, with love and not with fear. Fear meaning ego and rejection and all that stuff, all the shenanigans. No, we're here to, to actually love. And that means owning and feeling and allowing and accepting. And that's a quality of intention. See, quality of intention is difficult to describe, but that's what we're here to do. I've got a uh, a little statue of Archangel Michael behind me. Uh, Not many things on this new studio set up yet, but he's wielding a sword. But we could call that wielding a quality of intention. I love what you just said. And I love that you said without trying, because ego would love to take a back door into our spiritual (laughs) path or whatever. Yeah. And then, well, it is all here to serve us, but that actually just brings us to greater pain when ego comes in the back door. So when ego does that, yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. So when ego does that, that's ego just is fear. Ego arises from fear. So what you're really saying is when we act from fear, yes, it doesn't work. That's really what having an egoic back door means. Now you're right. The ego will take a thousand back doors. Yeah. That just means we have so much fear that we will do the, that portion of ourselves will try to do anything to, Fill the hole. Yeah. You see, until we actually go in the hole and find we never needed to be afraid in the first place, and then the ego can just evaporate. It doesn't need to be there. So you're on the other side. 
So I'm sorry. <laughs> you're doing your Navy SEAL training. And Navy SEAL training literally has one of the things they have you do is 24 <laughs> hours. Messed up one of my friends badly. 24 oh, hours in a sensory deprivation tank. And that's really what Earth School is because we're limited yeah. to these tiny little bits of who and what yep, we are. You in got the connection. We're in the dunk <laughs> tank. So you're going in the dunk <laughs> tank. Right. So in this case, in the second review, after I reviewed the life and after I made certain requests and reviewed it with my guide, guide, multiple guides, guides, I was in a place where I was waiting and then they came and got me and they brought me to this. Oh, I can't. It's hard to describe like a mechanic shop, you could say, a a technician's chamber. And there are these beings there who are very technical in nature. They're like tinkerers and they're masterful at veil application. And I was over the earth. I could see it like below me. There was like a pit, like a shaft. And I remember the masking me, are you, like preparing the veil. It's ready to go one last time. Are you ready to go? Are you, are you sure? <laughs> and I remember saying, I'm, I, yes, I'm ready. You ever had surgery? Yes. They lay you on the table and then they, they say we're going to administer the, uh, yeah. uh, yeah. Yeah. It's like that, except you're awake and, uh, and then you are succumbing to like <laughs> this metaphor has limits, but it's like in this case, the anesthesia, you yeah. call it that comes upon you and then you have to give yourself to it. Mm-hmm. See, there's a surrender that has to happen because it can't work. What's more powerful than God? Mm-hmm. Nothing. And you're a part of God. Yeah. So what can lock God away except God? Not, nothing else can. So the only way that you can get locked away into the veiled experience is to self-submit, like not submit's a bad word, to self-volunteer, to, to surrender is the best word I can think of. It's a much better word. Surrender to the veiling. So in this case, the veil, I felt it come over me once again, down, 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 lower, 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 huge plummet of vibration, huge. Yeah. But this time just like totally focused on not fighting it. <laughs> Like this time, I'm like, okay, just let the veil do what it will do. Just surrender to it. Just don't fight it. It's like someone putting a heavy cloak on you or, or dunking you under the water or something. And then I'll oh, just, just focusing on not fighting it, focusing on not fighting it, having all my knowing be cut off, having my knowledge disappear, and then being bodily. And I was there for a while, and then I sent one message back to the technicians. Did it take? Did the veil take? And that, and getting one message back, yes. And actually, I felt accomplished. Because even arriving to the physical is a huge accomplishment, even for five seconds. It's such a vibrational uh, act. But now you're in the womb. Mm-hmm. And the best way I can describe it is it sounds like you had a panic attack. I did. I had a second, I had a second panic attack. It's not a bad way to describe it. It's yeah. not quite the same, but it's sim- yeah, similar vibrationally. Fear rose up once again. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> this is not happening. There's no way I'm going to tolerate a lifetime of this. There's no way. A whole lifetime of this? No way. So once again, I began to summon my might to fight my way out. And as I did that, the most holy moment of this entire life happened. It's it's so hard to describe. The spirit of God, the great I am that is at the center of all things, came to me and expanded me back out. When I saw all the stars and all the universe within me, I felt them within me. And I felt the churning bliss of our sun. It was like the sun was a, was conscious. It had a, it had consciousness and it was raging bliss. 
like the like the reaction of the sun was like a bliss. And I felt all of what I am once again. And God said to me, this is still what you are. You can never not be this. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, okay. I don't need to fight. <laughs> because I because what happened was I was fighting because I felt like I lost all that I am. Mm-hmm. And I was going to fight like hell to go oh, for, you know what I mean, out of fear. But once I realized, oh, I didn't lose all that I am, oh, I, I stopped fighting. And I surrendered into the simple existence of being in the womb. And then I was there for a long time. It felt like a long time. And then I remember being born a long time later. Mm-hmm. And the sensory experience of cold and light and sound. But I had no idea what was going on. I was completely lost. <laughs> so what is happening? Just this really intense, uncomfortable experience. But I was also filled with love for the beings around me, like the nurses. I remember looking at the nurses and feeling a lot of love for them. And I remember being super curious, like what is happening? But I had no idea. So yeah, that's a, that's a short version of my story. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Why is the veil here to serve us? Why was that in a sense, the most important thing for this journey to earth? Yeah, the veil is basically necessary to have the experience for a few reasons. One, the value of the human experience lies precisely in the experience of being the human character, not the universe. (laughs) The, the, The person has to get up and eat their breakfast. Yeah, that's. The value. So the veil is additive because it allows that, that the, you could say the creation of that personality within the whole, mm-hmm. that, 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 that sub portion of the self so that the soul can really know, really have the experience of being the human character. It's also very helpful in that it's protective because it protects us from homesickness because the high, higher vibrational state of being is so freaking awesome and high and, and loving and blissful that to have any recollection of it can be it can lead to debilitating homesickness. So the veil protects us in that way. Carl Jung, he had that experience. He had a near-death experience. He came back and he said to his to his last breath, why the hell did you send me back here? Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of near-death experiencers, uh, that's a very natural desire to go back. That's not, uh, it's not suicidal or negative even. It's just oh, our true nature is so wonderful. Why? Why would I... Why would I be here? So the veil enables us to focus here to fulfill the intentions of using this experience of contrast for all it can be. So the, so you could say, though, that the veil is is neutral. It's just a set of, of constraints. So what I mean by that is, as a metaphor, it's like somebody hands you a 160-pound coat and tells you to go put that on, and now you got to walk around. And you're like, this is heavy. This is so heavy. How can I make loving choices when I, when I, in this, in this, in this metaphor, walking, running is living in joy and love. Whereas we have this weight, the weight are the biological limitations, the societal limitations, like all the context, all the things we deal with while we're human. And, and some people deal to greater or lesser degrees. Their, their coat might be heavier or lighter. But it's that contrast that gives them the opportunity see, to, to, to learn how to walk, to learn how to run, even with the weight on. Is there a way for us to tell? And I want to dive into ways we might be able to access uh, these pre-birth memories. But is there a way to – I'm thinking of, of Don Miguel Ruiz 
and he wrote a brilliant book, not just the four agreements, but the actor. And it, it is about us all coming here and acting out a role. You're acting out the yes. role of Christian. I'm acting out the role of Michael. Um, exactly. If I need to, there's a kitty crying outside the door, inside the door who's acting out the role of Sir Meowsers. <laughs> yes. Is there a way for us to remember not just who we are, big picture, but to remember the gift of coming here, particularly when we are in that world and land of contrast and paradox and we are in the do- the darkness because we don't all have that gift yeah. in the moment of having God. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what you are. Yeah, right no, now, right? right. I mean, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're deep in the weeds now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah. So I, what I mean by that is we have become very deeply associated into form. Mm-hmm. We're so deeply associated into form, we've lost the forest for the trees most of much of the time. Yeah. <laughs> So there's two comments I, I want to make to that. And these may sound general, but it's important to to think from this angle because our true nature has never been lost. Yeah. So you can't start with a false assumption and assume we lost it. You can't it doesn't really help so much. Really what we're seeking to do is to drop the things that we're not. So what so so there's two categories of things that we're not that I want okay. to bring up and they're actually quite interrelated. The first is form itself. Mm-hmm. So what do I mean by that is you are your consciousness, not your thoughts, not your body, not your name, not mm-hmm. your job. You you may think that that's what you are because you're associated into the consciousness has become wrapped up within identification with the form. That identification with is the key. So the first thing I'd point out that there then is meditation is extremely helpful because as we consistently take time at first to focus on something neutral, just to regain the ability to focus, because otherwise we're just lost in thinking all the time. We don't even have awareness to choose what to focus on first to choose what we're focused on. And second, then to focus on our consciousness itself, the awareness, the aliveness in the present moment itself. And as we do that, we are automatically loosening our grip on the form not because we're trying to we're not sitting there going okay i'm going to loosen my grip on form now because that's a new form <laughs> no we're just going and, and refamiliarizing ourselves with the the spacious aliveness that we already are and as we do that mm-hmm. it creates space beautiful space for the truth of who we are to rise back up because we were never actually the form association okay then the second category then is related, but very important, and that is we have fear. Fear just means that we've bought into a perception that's not in alignment with the truth of who we are. So because of the form, because of the pain, because this person picked on me, because I don't have money, because I can't find a mate, because I'm sick, because of all these whatevers, we buy into a perception I'm powerless, or I am unworthy of love, or I am not free, or whatever else it might be. And we do it deep down and super quick. It happen when you're three years old. You don't even know how quick it happens. The ego comes right to the rescue. Ah, no, no, no. You're not powerless because look, you can look. Uh, you can punch this person next to you. Don't you feel better now? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that is what the ego portion of ourselves does. Just trying mm. to fix the problem, you know. But the thing is, I'm pointing out that fear. So all the ego shenanigans come from fear. But fear always happens when we buy into some perception that is not who we really are, who we truly are is powerful we are power and joy and love and peace and freedom that is our true nature and anytime that we don't feel like that 
we start rejecting the experience in some way because we have fear that we're not those things. So first being form association, second being fear that is buying into a perception that's not true. Both of those are buying into something that we're not. And so as we process both, that is loosen our death grip on form. And as secondly, as we go and face our fears, process our fears, go into the dark closet to see if they're real or not, because they're not ultimately, if we really get in there and do that, we do those things, the larger portion of ourself rises up all on its own. Because it's what we always were. It's not like we go try to get a new form. It's not like we say, okay, I really want to go and find out that, man, I hate, I hate my life, but I'm going to go over here and I'm going to, I'm going to be someone else. You can do that if you want. It's your choice. You do whatever you want. But your true nature is, is, is the most, you could say it's the most you feeling to you. That's another way to put it. In other words, go into yourself and find what is, what it feels most like me. And you're going to find, I, I'm upset because of this. Okay. Why are you upset? Well, because I have this feeling. Why do you have that? That's fine. You follow it all the way down and you find, why can't you be all you? Why not? Whatever that why not is, is not a true story. The real you, when you find the deep, authentic you, that real you is joy. Like basically, if you be yourself all the way, man, you will be love and peace and joy. You will be. If you drop all that crap that you think (laughs) you have to be, and just be your actual self. Wow. You find, oh my gosh, I am already beautiful. I already am valuable to the whole. I already have power. I'm already love. I love the, those around me. I love, you know, like last week I had COVID. Thank you for moving this interview. Because of, <laughs> oh, I, last I week. forgot to ask, how are you oh, doing no, no, it's, today? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm doing very well. So at the time, I'm bringing it up because at the time I was in physical discomfort. Yeah. I had a fever for three days. I was not thinking clearly. And I really allowed, like, this is okay. This is just a sensation. This doesn't mean anything about me. And you know what I discovered? This sounds crazy. I even had love for the virus, the idea of this this virus that was serving us by helping us to slow down and by just playing out its role within this huge play that we've got going on here. I'm just saying that as we get in touch with that, it's it, love and joy is already there. So that may sound unrelated to your original question of how do we find our pre-birth, but it's not. It's all connected. It's very hermetic what you're saying. As above, so below, as within, so without, from the micro to the macro. While you're describing the egoic response to fear and who and what we truly are as an individual, Mm -hmm. you just also brought the answer to world peace. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same for the larger scale of humanity. It's exactly the same. There are 7.9 billion people approximately, according to Google, on the planet. And so all the shenanigans that are arising are arising from the intention, the choice making of all the players in the game, all 7.9 billion people and non-human players, too. There's a lot of choice making going on. And we have inherited inherited a collective consciousness that has a certain energetic uh, history, vibration. And that in the uh, higher realms, not to get too off the topic here, but in the astral, that's a, like a thing. Like that collective consciousness has a mass to it, you could say. So as we become human, we are plugging into the mass. It could maybe think of it like a pond. That pond has its own history. It has its own temperature, which is the current vibrational state of the collective so all the shenanigans that are happening on the surface 
is a reflection of the quality of our intention, which in our case, because the constraints are so high here and because of our history, tend to be a lot of fear-based intentionality. That means a lot of ego-driven activity. That hurts. Fear hurts. Fear is insane. Like (laughs) whether it's small fear or big fear, it's always insane. It always hurts. And we've institutionalized even, you know, egoic patterns in response to fear all throughout our society. And a lot of people hurt because we're aligning with fear. The solution then, to put it very simply, is love. Love by the individual and love by the collective. But don't worry about the collective. You're you are a part of the collective. When you choose a loving intention in your life, even in a small way, you are a part of the pond and you are you're actualizing a vibration that touches the entire pond. So when you choose love, even in a small way, when you face your own fear and own your own crap, even in a small way, you are helping the entire collective to heal the whole thing. Because it's like a vibrate, it's like a change in the temperature of the water. And then other beings are like given permission, so to speak, vibrationally. They're encouraged to face their crap and to bring love into their lives. So it very much is a powerful process of the individual to choose love rather than fear. And we always think, we often think like, oh my gosh, I have to do all these big things on the surface. I got to fix all the organizations. I got to fix all the systems. I got to move all the objects around. You don't have to, it's all virtual. You don't have to do any of that. That will happen. That will arise. That will unfold as we choose love in whatever love means. And love is not demanding. It can be the smallest thing. It could be smiling to somebody at the store. It can be accepting yourself. It could be feeling a fear that you've been rejecting for years as you brush your teeth in the mirror. That is helping the whole to heal. It's not about it's this is not a hopeless situation at all. We've What's one of the big, huge misunderstandings of Earth is this idea of hopelessness, like all the powers out there and these big organizations and these big governments. No, 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 no. <laughs> you have the power. We have the power to choose love. And that is more than enough. Thank you. So then let's go to pre-birth experiences and how we can start to uh, experience or remember them. And then I want to go to Earth's awakening process. Okay. So that's a very personal question. Mm-hmm. How we each find our true nature will be unique to each of us because we are very unique souls. Yeah. And our relationship to form is very unique and our stories are very unique. Our patterns are very unique. So it's very difficult to put like one thing on that. But I could say just a couple comments, just two recommendations. One, meditation. I highly recommend meditation so that we gain, we use time, take time to gain familiarity with that consciousness that we already are and the second thing is to try to see in it just in the current moment how you can what this current moment is saying about love or fear how are you making a decision based out of fear right now versus how could you choose to be loving or free or more yourself more your true self now Now, I know that those two things may not sound directly related, but the thing is they're very directly related because it's only the association into all the things that we're not that truly separates us. As we return closer vibrationally to who we really are, Mm -hmm. yeah, we're veiled, but the veil is um, organic, you could say. It's uh, porous, maybe you could say. And one of the things the veil does is the more you focus into form, the more form you get. The more you focus towards who you really are, yeah, there's nothing truly preventing you from stepping back to who you really are ever. And it's from that place that we see 
you know, why we came, why we chose to come. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And that's, it, it, it was for me, um, it started coming in glimmers and glimpses and then it started coming through in my automatic writing. And then it started coming through and a past life regression. It matched my automatic writing. There's me around those guides or those elders saying, give me the, give me the sandwich. And, and, <laughs> and it was, it was like out of, uh, um, forgetting the actor's name, but I'm, I'm looking, is it De Niro or something? You can't handle the truth. They're going, you can't handle the works. And I'm going, give me the works. <laughs> it is funny because you're not the only one. A lot of us do that. We, we're really ambitious and we say, give me it all. I want it all. I want to do it all because we see the opportunity and the guy, it's often the guides who are like, you know what? Maybe you should just back that off a little bit because it's going to be hard. And we're like, no, but I really want to get in there. There is an optimal level of uh, challenge. <laughs> the guides help us to find that, you know, even while we're here, they help, uh, help us to, to do that. Yeah. Beautiful. So you mentioned early on. It's such a, and, and this is what I've been sharing with people. It's such a joy. It's such a, a privilege. There's an, an infinitude again of, of, uh, souls out there, um, of beings that I believe would love. And it's a personal bias. It's like saying, you know, this is the only part of your town, but that would love to come to earth at this time. And it's 7.9, as you say, billion who have won the lottery. Yes. To be here now. Why now? What's special about now? What's, What's going on from what you can tell now? Yes. So in my pre-birth experience, I was born in 1980. And in my pre-birth experience, I remember knowing, just very matter-of-factly, that the Earth was beginning the awakening process at that time. In 1980, it was at the really the first days, early days. And I knew that within my lifetime, it would be the major, like, um, and actually, it'll even continue past my lifetime. But it was really like the act of the play was the awakening. So what does that mean? That Okay, so we are in an extreme vibrational place <laughs> here on Earth. That's an understanding. And, 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 like extreme. <laughs> like it's crazy, you know. And so, and we, like I said, we have a huge amount of historical vibrational crap that is with us mm-hmm. through our long history. A lot of fear, a lot of trauma. And so the awakening is a process in which humankind, the collective consciousness and the earth itself, the whole pond is seeking to really process that crap and wake back up to who we really are. And in so doing to integrate that old crap. So it's an increase in vibration, but it's not just an increase in vibration for its sake. It means facing and processing and healing all that that old crap which is a shift to a completely new way of living and way of being on earth. And that step, so to your original question, why is that so valuable? That step is very unique. Like what we're doing on earth is very, very unique because we're trying to take a very big step in a relatively short amount of time with a huge amount of vibrational baggage. <laughs> like at all at once. Why does and it so say that it sound makes, like a TSA line gone bad? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So, so I mean, so when we see that from the outside, like, wow, that is ambitious. That's a really interesting, wow, I wonder if they, if we can do that, if they, if they can do that. Yeah. And to play one role here, even to be a, a an animal on earth at this time mm-hmm. is a service because this is one heck of an ambitious, uh, powerful activity that is unfolding through the awakening now. Very, very cool. Is there, can you tell, I mean, we talked about uh, everything being a part of this whole. 
but we also look at it and and one of the things many teachers have talked about is well i guess i could put it that way does humanity have a choice we get to make right now oh yes oh yes so um it's not just one choice it's that every single person is making choices of love or fear every moment that's really the name of the game are we choosing love or fear are we going to meet our crap or are we going to run away from it are we going to hide behind beliefs that may hurt others mm-hmm. or are we going to face that stuff and really, really own who we are, be our true nature here? That That's the choice. And we do have a choice. It's not a it's not a foregone conclusion. Now, we do have a lot of help. <laughs> we have a ton of help. But it is a rather ambitious process. And we're going to dovetail in another direction and get back to pre-birth and, and uh, life before life experiences. But um, when you say the conclusion, it's not a foregone conclusion. What does that mean to you? Yeah, so first of all, let me say the spirit can't fail. So when I say that, I don't mean like we can really screw up and fail. No, that's not possible. Um, like like we said right at the beginning, it's life uses everything for the for the good and for its own growth. But when I say it's not a foregone conclusion, I mean we're we're really here. we're really doing the human thing we're really making choices we're really choosing what to do how to behave what to eat how to affect each other what jobs to work how to spend our time how to spend our money whether we even use money (laughs) whatever the whole thing we are actually making rubber meets the road choices and it is in that that we are going to make love-based or fear-based choices or not and as we do that that is what I mean by awakening because it's like we are processing the old crap and the true loving nature is becoming more and more to the surface, more and more actualized. The vibration is rising closer and closer to our true nature, you could say. But that's a tumultuous process, you see. That's What I mean is that digs up the crap because now if the temperature goes up one degree, metaphorically, then everything that doesn't resonate with that one degree has to come up and be faced. And it can mean on the surface there can be some friction. Well, I mean, you're talking with what I'm going to call a uh, uh, Pele energy, and there's a, another goddess that's coming to mind as well. Um, so the birthing of New Earth is through volcano, at least at our at our current evolution of of uh, consciousness is through volcano, is through lava, is through a burning away of the old, is through coming things coming up, and coming up big time. Absolutely. So I'm going to use a terrible metaphor now. So I apologize. Shiva, I believe it's go ahead. kind of like it's kind of like taking a large bowel movement. Oh no! So what I mean is, <laughs> you, you don't you don't get you don't process that by keeping it in. You have to let it out or labor. It's like labor. You don't you don't resist. You don't fight. You in order for the baby to be born, there has to be an allowing and, and a pain and a um, not destructive, but a you know a messy process of of something actually being born. That's kind of like what we're doing in consciousness. We have to actually face that old crap and actually get our hands dirty. And it might be painful or destructive at times. Facing fear can be difficult. That's the bottom line. Facing fear is a painful process. And so we're talking about doing this on an epic scale. (laughs) I hear my baby's awake. So uh, Sir Miyazu's woke the baby. It's all good. Um, and she she may or may not come in to say hi, but I'm thinking of your 12 and 14 year old. And I'm thinking and wondering what daddy has shared, because the timing of this and uh, the timing of your mm, awakening or remembering or whatever 
dovetails perfectly with them starting to anchor more into the physical rather than their consciousness from the other side. What have you shared with them or helped them to either remember or to anchor into? Yeah. So I've shared very openly with them, especially over the last six years. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for them, it's a very normal household discussion point to the point of, yeah, we know, Dad. We know we're not human, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they're they're young teenagers, you know, 14 and 12, almost teenagers. Yeah. So, you know, they're caught up in that. There's that's a very intense part of life. Yes. <laughs> but of course, I at least try to make available to them, you know, hey, if you ever have a sense of what you're doing, what you need to do, what you want to do, who you really are, how you want to express, please let me know. Because <laughs> I feel like we're all intuitively guided. So I'm simply trying to give them an environment in which they can grow healthfully, <laughs> you know, love with love. And then if there's some way that they can fulfill their intentionality for coming, I'm happy to help if I can. But yeah, they're very, they're playing the human characters and that's, that's great. I want to get, so you've talked about before, um, things are kind of, this is my word, not yours, backwards <laughs> here on earth. All of the structures, all of the constructs are, are almost, uh, paradoxically or diabolically opposite of what they are on the, I don't even like to use the term, but, but we're going to play with this, say the other side of the veil, because at the end of the day, there is no other side. It is all here right now. We're, we're just got the horse blinders on. Um, but can, can you share with us some of those structures and how they're different and how remembering them can help us change life here on earth? Oh my gosh. Yes. Absolutely. No, I'm very, very passionate about that. In fact, I feel that my book, A Walk in the Physical was written for the intention of speaking directly to that. Okay. So chief among them. Yes. We believe in separation mm-hmm. here. It's an assumed thing. I am not the desk. <laughs> it sounds crazy. The desk is over there. I'm over <laughs> here. I'm not the person next to me. I'm not the animal over there. Mm-hmm. I am me. They are them. We are separate. Okay. And then the ego, oh man, the fear rises up because guess what? We're not separate. Mm-hmm. We're not disconnected, but we feel disconnected. So the ego comes rising up mightily to fix the problem and we form all sorts of institutions based on us versus them thinking. Nations, you know, political affiliations, religions, all football teams, maybe. I don't know. Any expression of this. Oh, no, my group and I'm I need to protect myself at the expense of the other. I need to serve myself at the expense of the other. I need to protect and serve my group at the expense of the other group. We evolved. The species evolved in a world of limited resources. We evolved in a predatory environment, you could say, where in this reality, at least at least how Earth is developed. Not saying this is actually always required because it's not actually technically always required, but we've evolved in a world where we eat the physical substance of another being to get physical energy. And we pass that along in a food chain. And then, so that whole thing is not native to who we are. That whole thing is not native. We assume separation. In fact, let's just take one example and pick on one. Uh, I come from, you know, a religious tradition background uh, 15 years ago. So I can at least mention one thing. In Christianity, as an example, we are taught you are separate from God and you are born sinful. That's wrong already. (laughs) I'm not trying to attack. I honor the religious traditions and the way that spirit works for them. I honor them. I honor Christianity, especially because of my own background. I'm just saying, though, that when we start with that premise, 
that we are separate and we're sinful. That means we are bad, fundamentally bad. We're already anything we build on top of that's not not right. But our society is built on ideas like that. You see, you know, so so I'm just saying that we oh, there's a channeled guide I love named Silver Birch. Yeah. Um, he was channeled by Maurice Barbonell back in the 1930s in, in the UK. Very hard to find his books. But he speaks at great length, beautiful, eloquent length about the divine laws of the great spirit and how we should align with the divine laws of the great spirit, which are based in love and not based in separation and ego and fear. And uh, what we see is a product of our choice that we've made when we choose us over them, when we choose me over the person next to me, when we choose to believe in the pain of separation and to not walk toward the experience, you see, we end up hurting each other. We look around and then we say, oh, the world's a mess. I blame the world. I blame God. I blame this other group. I blame anything I can because that the ego's first move is to blame because now we feel like we got a tiny bit of power back somehow. It doesn't actually work. <laughs> blame doesn't work. So that's just that's just one example. We take that so like we just assume we're separate. Another thing that we assume is um, linear time. You know, we assume that everything moves in one direction. Common question is, what is the end? What's the end game? Uh, not easy to speak to that because the entire linear system has arisen within consciousness, which already transcends linear time. It's created linear time as a creation, you see. And yet, a lot of our understanding is built on that assumption. So, uh, or Here's another one. The physical produces consciousness. No, no, no. I know that the brain is a very important part of the biological mechanism. And if you affect the brain, you very much affect what the individual can do and experience through the physical avatar. Uh, yes, of course. But no, the brain does not produce consciousness. It's more like a limiter, more like a reduction valve. That's not even not even true, not even a fundamental thing. What's fundamentally real is consciousness itself. And consciousness gives rise to the experience of form. See, we have that backwards. So we just have so many root assumptions backwards, <laughs> and then we've built our understanding on it. One of the uh, ones that I've heard you talk about that to me is, oh, it's everything today. It's everything. It's nothing. Nothing is everything. Power structure. We're going into a time of what appears to be, if we don't take back our own power, authoritarian rule. Rule in quotes, because you can never rule on the inside. But we're going to this at this place of here, take my pie. <laughs> so local local power, when I say local power, I mean physical power, is not very powerful. It's not true power. So as an example, somebody could walk into my house right now and, you know, shoot me with a gun. They have that power. That's that's as much that's as far as fear power can possibly manifest. It can't go any further than that because it only has to work with these non-native forms, whereas the true power. The true power, the thing that gives rise to the entire virtual experience, to all the laws of physics, to all the entire experience of the physical, that true power is you could say synonymous with love. It's life itself. It's consciousness itself. It's made of love. Love is the true power. And we see this actually through man. I don't want to get on too much of a tangent because I'm not trying to focus on the physical outcome, but even in manifestation, yes. we find that when we align with love, 
manifestation happens very naturally, very smoothly. Synchronicity arises on its own. Whereas when we're sitting in fear and going, oh my gosh, I really need this thing because I'm afraid. It's not actually that powerful. It doesn't have oomph behind it. When we align with love, that has, that has oomph. Now that may not be satisfying to the ego that wants to see immediate results on the surface, but it is the true power. And when we align with it, then all these systems that we've built, they will change. They have to change. They have no choice. They're just organizations. You know, we talk about authoritarian rule, like it's some big powerful thing. It's people. Yeah. It's organizations. It's a company. It's a government. It's a religious establishment. It's just organizations of people. We made all the organizations. There are no organizations. <laughs> There's just consciousness having the experience of being human and humans creating organizations and we create organizations that reflect ourselves. If somebody is diving into their pre-birth experiences, if they have an intention of awakening to their pre-birth experience, if they're doing meditation, if they're doing the, uh, I could put work in, in quotes, but I, I'll use the, what I use for my school of mystics. If they're doing the playtime exercises, because we have enough work on this planet. So if they're, if they're playing with this and something starts to arise inside of them, a story, I put in quotes, because everything is story. If a story starts to arise, how do they know that's not coming from the egoic self? And how do they know that, hey, wait, this is a part of the who and what I am? There's two things to say here. First of all, I think it, in my experience, there is an extremely different quality of what these experiences are. They're very, like earthly memory is kind of specific, limited, tied to other things, has emotional charge to it, very specific. Higher knowing, higher memory is vast, much more real, much more visceral, much more tangible, mm -hmm. much more personal. So it's really hard to describe that in language. But when you know, when you experience it, you know it. I mean, you just there's a knowing that is bigger than the little knowing that we know on Earth. So that's the first thing I'd say. But the second thing is, while we're lost in the dream of form, the symbols of form have meaning for us. That's okay. So it may be um, that you may see or experience certain symbols as a reflection of higher context. So as an example, a couple of weeks ago, I had a dream. Uh, maybe it was only a week ago that my grandmother, who had passed a few years ago, came to me and shared a message with me. And there was so much love. Oh, my gosh. And what I, where I was visually, it was just a dream, but the metaphors in the dream were meaningful to me. We're at, we were at Niagara Falls and this place has meaning to me. And it was also a place where I went with her son recently or her son's daughter recently, but her son had gone there too. Yeah. So it had meaning. So now is there really Niagara Falls in this dream environment? It doesn't really matter. It's not about the form, but the form has meaning to me. So it's okay if what arrives to us is a form that our local personality gets. <laughs> And it's okay even if you're not reaching all the way down to the bottom. If you get a symbol or a form or a new nudge or a new guidance, investigate it. You don't have to just, you don't have to conclude where it's from super quick. Is it useful or not? Is it helping you grow in love or not? You know, I think we can just keep it that simple and then work with it without too much attachment, you know, too much expectation. Is that the mission of schoolroom earth? Is the mission simply that's what a strange word simply um is the mission love is that why we're here yes yes love is the simplest way we can possibly put this vast and incredible journey that we're all on the the 
We're primarily here to do two things. One, to wield an intention that is primarily aligned with love, more aligned with love and not fear, to process fear. So love rather than fear. And that means a million different things. So that's number one. The second thing we're here to do is to integrate experience. We're like experience integrators. That's what consciousness, that's what spirit is, what souls are. They're be- we are beings who have experience and come to terms with it and really integrate it into what we are and come to understand it, not just at an intellectual level, at a being level, to really get it, to really be there, to really make it a part of what we are. Those two things are the uh, the easiest way to summarize what we're doing with here in the physical. And it's fascinating because the ego wants to thwart that because if the ego had its way, you'd be hiding under a desk or you'd be sitting on the couch 24-7 and having as few experiences in theory to keep you safe as possible so one useful thing though is that the physical is very good at, at giving you what you fear <laughs> oh, no. and your experience your experience will tend to be if you're living in fear because you're hiding under a desk or you're just gonna stay i mean i'm not judging staying on the couch that might not be a fear-based intention but let's say you're doing it out of fear yes Fear-based intentionality in the long run will yield an unpleasant experience. You can have it the easy way or the hard way. It, yeah, so it's simply unple- it's pleasant or unpleasant. So it's like a big mirror. Mm-hmm. So in order to see how you're doing, so to speak, you don't have to look very far. Is your life full of joy or misery? If it's full of misery, are you taking ownership for the misery? Not. I know that's not easy for the ego doesn't want to hear that. But the thing is, misery is not our native way of being. It's just I'm just saying that negative experience arises as a way to show us like a messenger. Hey, you've bought into a self-perception that's not in alignment with who you really are. Or, hey, you're making a choice based out of fear rather than love. That's not a negative thing. It's just uh, feedback. Let's go into that feedback loop. If you're having a miserable experience. The understanding that if you're having a miserable experience, you've created it. Oh, that just sets your 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 ego, your pit bull ego. And I, I love all dogs and love all everything for that matter. But it sets your, pig, uh, your pit bull ego on you like you wouldn't believe because now you're going to tear yourself apart for having life appearing to tear yourself apart. Sometimes things just arise in the physical. Sometimes there's just pain. Sometimes someone else just decides in their own fear-based choice to do something cruel to you. That's not always because you chose that. Sometimes that's just how the physical arrives. But here's what's important. You always have a choice of how to respond. You always have a choice of what meaning to put on it and how you use it or don't. So I'm just highlighting that because I, it's not like, hey, you know, it's not like I'm saying, oh, if you have a miserable experience, you're bad. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is we've come to Mount Everest and it's cold on Mount Everest. Yeah. It's cold on Mount Everest. There's no air up here. And then so and then people say, oh, my gosh, it's cold. There's no air. How do I possibly climb the mountain? That's right. There's no air up here. <laughs> it's cold. I know that it's true. It's okay. It's not your fault. Here's the only thing you have to decide. What do you do with it? Circumstances don't matter. Only state of being matters. That's a Bashar quote that I love. It's just, do you choose to walk up the mountain? Do you choose to seek just a little more love and joy. And by the way, that process of choosing love and joy doesn't have to be a big, arduous mountain climbing. Oh, my gosh, this is a huge. No, it can be very effortless. It can be very simple. Do you know, for instance, that you don't have to do anything? You don't have to do anything. There is not one single thing you need to do. Like, you know, even as I say, we're here to, to quote, do these things. 
nothing is required of spirit. Nothing is required of you. If you and when you really deeply embrace that and really know that and really yeah. feel how does that feel? It feels great. Why does it feel great? Because it's the truth, because it's who you truly are. Nothing's required of you. And then from that, you find, okay, but where did I buy into something that's not that? Where did I buy into this idea, oh, that I have to do this thing? I have to be this person. That's okay if you did that, but why? And do you still choose that? That's all. It's not that the miserable thing is like, you know, you did something wrong or you're a bad person. No, no. You just picked up something that's not you, and now you're holding on to it and it hurts. That's okay. You can put it down. Nothing is required of you. You can just you can just be. You can just be exactly who you are. That's a wonderful message. Not it's a freeing message, not a you know, not like a punishment message. <laughs> not no, not at all. So even though we don't have to uh do anything, as as we're gonna start to to wind things down and dove, dovetail toward the end of today's talk, and I'm gonna sure. wanna have you back if you're gonna wanna come back at some point. <laughs> I'd love to. This is brilliant, Christian. And I can't thank you enough. Now valuable is it to lean into our pre-birth memories or experiences or past life memories or experiences and lean into that aspect or do that as a practice. I don't want to call it work. We'll do that as a play in our lives. Yeah, I actually don't think it's very important that we lean into discovering our pre-birth plan. We don't need to. That's not what we're here to do. We're here to be we're here to be here to be you. <laughs> You're here to be the human character and to live your life. And so, well, let me just say this. The present moment, this may sound abstract, but I mean it very specifically. The present moment will lift up to you every moment exactly what you need. Are you using it or not? So, so if you feel any negative, start there. Why do you feel negative? It's okay if you feel negative. Be easy on yourself. You're on Mount Everest right now. It's cool. But why do you, what did you buy into? How are you not being yourself? You see that you can use any moment in that. And by doing that, we are fulfilling what we planned pre-life because like, okay, I'll put, say this, like, let's say pre-life, whatever we sign up for pre-life, it can be very different for each person. We could come to perform a service for somebody. We could come to integrate a certain kind of experience. We could come to be this or, ha- or know this certain quality or entertain us a perception. That's a certain type of perception really deeply. There's so many things we might do. But I'll just say, if you're here to process something, it will tend to rise up over and over again into your experience. And you won't have to look very far. <laughs> like what I mean is you might be sitting there like, OK, I really want to solve this. I really want to find out what I'm doing pre-birth. Oh, but I, you know, yeah, but I've had all these terrible. Every time I have a relationship with anybody, it ends in disaster. OK, that's OK. Why? Is it because you feel worthless? Or maybe you have, you know, whatever, whatever the reason is, I'm just saying the clues are already there. Like your life has already been built up through your own choice making, your own quality of intention. And here's what's really cool. Oh, my gosh, this is so cool. When we make the decision that we're ready to like, okay, I'm ready to play along. I'm sick of being miserable. I'm going to own my crap. I want to live more in joy and peace. I want to own my life and be in the present moment. When we really make that shift in intention intention guess what the whole universe responds spirit rises up to respond because it's what we're here to do when we're finally ready to go into that dark closet and we and we and we mean it (laughs) we will be given the opportunity and we will be guided in strength someone will come to help or 
there will be some source of um, support or something. You know, like the, the universe is basically like basically think of it this way. And yeah. I love, this is something Tom Campbell says, and I love it. When you succeed, the universe succeeds. So it's going to help you succeed. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not like that, that, that's a, uh, by the way, that's another huge misunderstanding that the human race has. We tend to think that the world out there is this mm-hmm. threatening place. And I have to best reality. Reality is something to be crushed underfoot and mastered because it's cruel and terrible. No, <laughs> backwards. Reality is for us. It supports us. It wants you to succeed. Reality itself, the, the, the substrate that gave rise to all form, wants you to succeed because you are it. So when you face your fear and when you grow in love and when you grow in authentic being and representation, all of what is will rise to support you. It will, because that's what we're here for. That's what this is all built for. It's a virtual simulation. It's built for this. So you don't have to be afraid. You can you can basically see the world as your friend, not your enemy. How many things change when we do that? All of a sudden, these authoritarian regimes, oh, wow, they don't have any power anymore all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm just picking on that because I'm sensitive to this idea that there's these powerful negative structures and they have all this power. No, no, <laughs> that's an illusion. And this whole place is an illusion and it's not. <laughs> it's a real experience of a non-fundamentally real set yeah. of form. Yes. What what you're saying is brilliant, is brilliant. I had a dozen thoughts till you, till you went to the authoritarian one and you, you kicked them all to the curb. Well, I guess, I guess the joke that just keeps running in my mind and this is my old school. I don't think I still have it. Ah. Okay, it's in there somewhere. Old school sense of humor is um there's this <laughs> phrase, I have no idea where it comes from, but it, it describes everything that you just said in a nutshell, uh, uh particularly from Tom Campbell. Uh, the beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> <laughs> well, that impl- <laughs> but that implies that the intention of he who is doing the beating just wants you to improve your morale. I, I, I've seen that meme within corporate. I work in the corporate environment. I've seen that meme a number of times. But in fact, um, we are beating ourselves. I think yes. the better meme is that one with the little kid with the boot on his face. Oh, and, no. You know, it's like life. Life is like this. And then the next frame shows the kid's own hand in the boot until you realize that you're doing it to yourself kind of thing. Now, I'm not saying hard things won't happen. But the thing is, you really are deeper than the entire physical experience. If you and when I, if you go search that, feel it, challenge yourself. What if I widen my aperture so wide that I allow all the pain? Wow, things things change. It's See, that, amazing. That today and why I'm enjoying this so much, Christian, on many levels, is is the the puppy dog energy that I have today. I have no other way to describe it. This this puppy dog, too. joyous, you know, wagon of the tail energy. Is, you know, you and I, we've been through a lot. Everybody has been through a lot. And the allotness, mm-hmm. chances are, is going to continue. And that's okay. Kind, gentle, easy, good, please. Um, <laughs> however, I can still choose to see the world through these puppy dog eyes of wow. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. Yipe. Wow. 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 Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It reminds me of something else Bashar says. And that is like, it's, the world is like a mirror. And if you're looking in the mirror and you see a frowning face, you can't change the mirror. You have to smile first. Now that may sound cute, but what happens, because what happens is when we really are pissed, <laughs> the ego is really upset. We don't want to own that. What I'm talking about is actually going into that fear that gave rise to the ego, actually going into the sense of we're unworthiness or powerlessness. 
That's not simple. I'm not saying this is a simple process. It's very visceral. It's the shadow work like you described. But when we really go in there, we find you don't have, that is your frown in the mirror, that, that fear, that rejection of this negative self-perception. The negative self-perception is not true. Yeah. Cliff's notes ending. You, you can go face any negative self-perception because you will find it is not true in the end. That is, that's amazing. That's powerful. Go in, so go in there and find out. And you know what? When you find it, you're going to be like, that's not not true. That's so real. That's been my whole life that's been with me. I'm afraid of this my whole life. That's okay. Now is a new moment. Now is the moment of power. It doesn't matter if you have 60 years of this built up. It's fine. Now is your moment of power. How do you use the now to go into that and to heal now, to honor yourself enough to see how you actually feel now? Oh, so much power in that. That is the work or the play or whatever we want to call it. But that's what we're gifted to do, or at least part of what we're gifted to do while we're here. And that sets you free. That's right. And then when you get to the other side, you look back and you say, oh, my gosh, that wasn't even a real boot on my face. But I experienced it. I really did. And I really processed this certain negative thing where I really actualized joy, even when I was wearing an 860 pound coat, whatever it is. And then when the constraints are relieved and you're back on the other side, how much more capable are you able to then know and actualize that quality, that being that, that knowing that you've just discovered in systems that are much less constraining? On that note, Christian, where can people go to find your book, to find your work, to find everything that you have? So my my website is awalkinthephysical.com. My book is A Walk in the Physical. There's a book page. The book is available to be read online for free at the third link down on the book page. It's not about money. I just want to share this message and help as many people as I can because we got to remind each other while we're here on Mount Everest. But I will put a link to your page to get the book for free, although hopefully there's a way to support you as well. But that is the greatest gift you're giving people. Thank you. Yeah, so it's available to be read online for free. It's a paperback and ebook on Amazon, and it's also on Audible. I did record the audiobook. That was a fun process. I did it myself. Um, so I'm happy to share that. I honestly feel that the, the book is my life's work. It's what it's one of the I just needed to deliver it into the physical and that's it. And I'm so I'm honored to share it. And I appreciate everybody who's, who's, uh, you know, taking part in that. And I'm happy to answer emails. If anybody would like to email me, I, sometimes I get behind. I get a lot of emails. So I apologize if I'm delayed. It's a walk in the physical at gmail.com. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And as you take a walk into the physical and into Erie and probably with a, a big, not 860 pound jacket, but I would certainly wear a heavy jacket <laughs> out there today. Um, although I've been known to wear less. A video of me running in the snow barefoot story for another day. Um, <laughs> any last words that you want to share with Christian today? So I just want to remind everybody, there is actually nothing to fear. You really are a multidimensional being having a human experience. It's not just woo-woo fluff. It's not just a religious or new age thing. You're a multidimensional being. Your consciousness is multidimensional. And here, I know we have a really rigorous play we've built up together. But ultimately, there is nothing to fear from it. Please be empowered in that. And thank you for being human today. I know probably nobody's thanked you for being human lately, but it's a heck of a service. Even one day here on earth is, a, is a, an excellent service. So thank you for doing that. Please be encouraged as you go through your walk. But there's nothing ultimately to fear here, and our true nature is love and joy. So go pick that today somehow. 
And I don't think I've ever had anyone on the show or otherwise thank us for being human or thank certainly thank me for being human. <laughs> thank you, sir. So thank you. So for everyone out there, this is Michael Sandler saying, be well, have fun. Thank you for being human and for diving into the fear with all of the heart and joy and everything that you have. And I mean that so seriously and above and beyond all else shine bright. Woohoo. Wow, 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 wow. This was awesome, Christian. What a special show we just had with Christian Sundberg right now. On that note, if you want to plug into your true self, if you want to plug in beyond the veil, on the other side, come join us and join your newfound friends and family at the School of Mystics. And if you want to access your pre-birth experiences, simply come to automaticwriting.com. That's that link down below there. And if you simply want a daily attunement to bring your energy up, 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 and way up, you can simply go to dailywoohoo.com. Again, that's dailywoohoo.com, where I write a newsletter each day in this energetic space that helps bring you up, that helps you remember who you truly are, and helps you to live at a higher vibrational state each and every day. Here's a link to the next amazing show. Love you so, so much. Keep on shining bright. How does it get any better than this? Woohoo! Love you guys. Oh, wow. All right. Wow. Just going to say thank you to the sister that found this. And, um, okay, so let's do the next one. This is called We've Shifted into a New Era of Consciousness. Get ready. This is 29 minutes and 26 seconds. It's by Stefan Burns. And real quick here, let's see. Schumann Resonances, the Global Electric Circuit, and the General Resonance Theory of Consciousness. Those are the three things that are being addressed. So let's have a little listen. Here we go. Okay. Turn turn that down a little bit because he's too loud. My name is Stefan Burns, and today we're going to look at these Schumann resonances, Earth's naturally resonant frequencies of light, because as you can see, there have been big power amplifications in this part of the light spectrum. This is out of Tomsk, Russia. Here we have similar data out of Sopron, Hungary. So you can see these power amplifications are happening around the world and then we're going to talk about the Schumann resonances, what they are, what this means for the Earth, what this means for us. We'll broaden the conversation to the overall global electric circuit and the increasing energy amplification of the planet and what that means and how this relates to general resonance theory, which is a theory of consciousness that stipulates that anything that has a vibration or frequency or resonance to it is conscious to some degree. So with this increasing amplification of energy on our planet and with more energies and vibrations and oscillations coming online, like we see here in the Schumann resonances, but there's so much more, this 
entails an increasing level of consciousness on our planet, not just for us, but for all matter. This is all the way from rocks and stones up to plants to animals to us and beyond. So quite a big conversation for today. It really starts though with our Schumann resonances. These are Earth's naturally resonant wavelengths of light. The foundational mode of the Schumann resonances shows up really nicely here in this spectrogram. We have our data going from zero to 40 hertz. One hertz is one cycle per second. So you have a wavelength and it's cycling one time per second. The foundational mode of the Schumann resonances cycles about 7.8 times every second. It has a range that's plus or minus one hertz around that. So it can go down to like 7.2 hertz up to around 8.8. And this wavelength of light at 7.8 hertz or 40,000 kilometers is equal to the circumference of the planet, and that's why it's naturally resonant with the Earth. Now, what we're looking at here is extremely low-frequency light photon energy. So this is 7.8 hertz, whereas normally visible light that we see is many, many, many orders of magnitude higher. And then microwaves and radio waves, they sit in higher frequencies above this. So these are light frequencies near zero hertz, and they overlap with our brain waves, our heart rhythms, the rhythms of our autonomic nervous system. Our brain waves, for example, have the same frequency and strength in both the electric and magnetic component as the Schumann resonances, and these propagate globally. Because they are so low frequency, they do not get absorbed into the atmosphere at a rate where they just completely uh, dampen out. Instead, we see that they propagate continuously across time, and then under certain conditions, they can dramatically increase in their power uh, across the entire spectrum and beyond. So we see that here with this uh, data that's rolling in right now out of Tom's Russia. Now, we also saw similar increases out of Sopron, Hungary, I adjusted this data, so zero is at the top and 45 hertz is at the bottom. Uh, that way, these two are relatively the same in terms of just looking at them. Uh, and this is all UTC time. Both this and this are lined up together at UTC time. So you can adjust these times for your location on the planet. And you see here that at 12 UTC uh, on the seventh, big increases in Sopron, Hungary. But the Schumann residences were generally stable in Tomsk. And then if we go over here, we see that we had big increases in Tomsk, but we had, in general, stable Schumann resonances in Sopron, Hungary. So what this shows you is that local weather phenomenon can influence the background electromagnetic spectrum. At this time right here in Hungary, they had a lot of rain activity, a lot of rainstorms. And now in Tomsk, there's a lot of snowstorms happening. So when you have these electrified weather systems, rainstorms, snowstorms, thunderstorms passing over an area. It changes the background electromagnetic field, increases the power in these frequency bands, and that changes a lot of things. That alters your uh, biologic systems, your bioelectricity, your overall metabolic reactions. Uh, sensitive people to this will feel this very strongly. This can result in things like headaches or pain, fatigue. Also, it can also result sometimes in like a increase in your energy, your metabolism, you get fired up, really creative. It depends on your individual state 
of your body, your mind, and also your health overall, whether you are inflamed and stressed or not inflamed and stress-free. So it's very individual. So it's hard to give you a one-size-fits-all in regards to what happens when you experience increasing energies like this in your local area or this happens globally. Uh, but the Schumann resonances are one of these very interesting energy fields because they take up multiple frequency bands. Here we see that foundational mode at 7.8 hertz, mode 2 at 14 hertz. Recently has been very strong. We see how it's nearly equivalent to mode 1 there. Mode 3 at 20 hertz, that's 20 cycles per second. Mode 4 at about 25. We see the same down below. Here's mode 1, there's mode 2, mode 3, mode 4. There's also higher modes in mode 5. You can see that just right there. We also see it just right there at 33 hertz. And these stack nicely with our brainwave patterns. This is a very low alpha wave or very high theta wave right in that like 7 to 9 hertz range. And then mode 2 here is a low beta wave at 14 hertz. Mode 3 is a mid beta wave at 20 hertz. We have a mid to high beta wave at 25. And then we start to have gamma waves up in mode 5 and beyond. So these connect to our brain rhythms and general resonance theory. And a lot of theories of consciousness now uh, are incorporating brainwave activity into their models and how brainwaves are a reflection of our consciousness. So when you have certain states of consciousness, let's say you're sleeping, you have deep brainwave activity. That's delta waves and theta waves. And then when you're awake and you're active and you're focused on something, you have strong alpha and beta activity. So you have different brainwave states that are correlated with uh, different modes of consciousness, and these connect to our body, uh, especially our heart rhythms, very strongly. So it is very, very likely that these background energy fields and their fluctuations influence our consciousness as a result of adjusting our internal energy resonances. There's a lot of different theories of uh, resonance and consciousness in the body, there's uh, uh, quite a lot of research that you can do into that. It's all very compelling how the body has a nested hierarchy of uh, dominant rhythms and frequencies going all the way from like your blood oxygenation rhythms to your gastric rhythms to blood pressure rhythms to uh, your certain like your heart rate and then up into the higher frequency brain waves. And these Schumann resonances, that's zero hertz right there. This incorporates all those frequencies. This is going down to 40 hertz. So you see at this moment in time here, you see this very broadband power amplification across this entire uh, sweep of frequencies. And you see that at certain times here with Sopron as well, specifically right there. Now remember, this is due to local weather phenomenon. Snowstorm for Tomps. This was rainstorms in um, Sopron, Hungary, which is near Vienna. And this is typically what we get, but sometimes we do get these global increases in the Schumann resonances. But one of the main drivers of the Schumann resonances is the global electric circuit. That's really why they're created. You can start to ask, like, why do we have Schumann resonances? Okay, their wavelengths are equal to the circumference of the Earth, but what is creating this energy? Well, that's lightning strikes. So we have uh, lightning strikes happening around the globe every single second. There's about 50 to 150 lightning strikes every second around the globe. And they emit light energy across a very wide range of the light spectrum, 
all the way from the extremely low frequencies up into even gamma rays at times. They've measured gamma radiation coming off of lightning strikes, but the higher frequency uh, uh, wavelengths of light, they attenuate and get absorbed into things easier. It's why uh, you have ultraviolet light hit your skin. It gets absorbed. You get a sunburn because it doesn't penetrate deeply. It gets absorbed by the molecules. It breaks. It liberates electrons, pulls them off of molecules, and then causes an oxidative reaction, whereas radio waves will pass right through you because they're cycling less times per second. So the Schumann resonances, at the extremely low frequencies that they are, they only very slowly get absorbed into the atmosphere, into different geologic materials, our bodies, etc. But they still do interact occasionally because they are still cycling uh, every single second, eight times per second for the foundational mode. So there is this overall uh, resonance that the Earth has with these energy fields. You see how they have these distinct steps and this is in many ways an indication that the Earth herself is conscious because these are energy resonances created by the Earth, by the global electric circuit. You have lightning strikes, you have certain uh, electric currents of the ionosphere that can trigger and create Schumann resonances if those electric currents are pulsing at these frequencies. Space weather impacts can trigger uh, the creation of strong Schumann resonances similar to this. Uh, you can also have even Schumann resonances embedded into solar wind. So there can be these frequencies naturally in solar wind that then comes by, hits the Earth, and then those energies are injected into our planet. But as the overall Earth increases in energy, which is what we've been seeing now for more than 50 plus years, we've been seeing more thunderstorms on this planet more electrified, electrified uh, weather systems, whether this is electrified rain clouds or snow clouds, we've seen more storm activity. We've been seeing a stronger global electric circuit. We're going to be seeing more Schumann resonances um, like this, where they're just increasing in uh, amplitude and just overall more energy, more vibration, more resonance on this planet. And so... With things like solar cycle 25 added on top of that, where the sun itself is now entering into a period of high solar activity, uh, so more energy output from the sun, the Earth at 1 AU away from the sun is absorbing a lot of that, and that's fueling this energy intensification as well. So the overall global electric circuit is going through some big changes as a result of uh, certain factors, natural factors on our planet, certain anthropogenic forces on our planet from us, and then also larger solar system uh, scale forces at play, perhaps even cosmic forces. But in general, what we're seeing is energy amplification on our planet. So that speaks to how there's going to be an amplification of consciousness on our planet. So we'll go into general resonance theory. But first, I want to just talk a little bit more about the global electric circuit. So here we have three different diagrams which will help us understand the global electric circuit. This is from a research paper uh, that was published in the year 2000. There'll be a link in the video description. We can start with Earth's magnetosphere and the solar wind because this is the larger scale of the global electric circuit. We see this energy coming from the sun, and then there's a bunch of plasma dynamics within the magnetosphere and the plasmasphere. And so this solar energy 
can come in and hits the the um, magneto pause, and then some of it funnels down these polar cusps and is injected into Earth's upper atmosphere and ionosphere through the um, the North and the South Pole. Mostly at the North Pole, because that's where the field lines make it uh, very advantageous for these uh, ions to flow down. And so then this drives a lot of the weather systems closer to the planet. We can look at this graphic here now to better see this. Here we have ionizing radiation. This is also just normal light radiation from the sun, ultraviolet, extreme ultraviolet, X-ray. It's always hitting the upper atmosphere because light photons aren't affected by the magnetic field. It's particles with mass that are affected by the magnetic field of the Earth. But light photons themselves are massless. They just bypass. It doesn't matter. They're not routed around. They go straight into um, the Earth. Some of them will be absorbed into the radiation belts. Most of them will hit the ionosphere. And this ionizing radiation eventually will uh, get absorbed before it reaches the lower atmosphere, typically. Uh, that's because this is vibrating very, very quickly, even faster than visible light. And so this ionizing radiation creates an electric potential in the upper atmosphere that's known as the ionosphere. Here we see it has an equipotential of about 250,000 kilovolts, though the actual potential of the ionosphere above you de de uh, depends on whether it's night or day, because that solar radiation, when it goes away, allows the ionosphere potential to go down, and that stimulates the flow of electric currents because now there's different potentials across the the uh, ionosphere of the planet. That drives telurics in the Earth's surface, and that generates Schumann resonances. So here we have the ionosphere. You see these electric currents, how they're small scale, how they're large scale, and then this drives a global electric circuit because the ground surface here has a voltage of zero. So you have a voltage of about 250,000 uh, kilovolts up in the ionosphere, anywhere from 60 to 80 kilometers above the surface. That's where it starts, and then it goes up from there. And then you have zero here, so you get this gradient. And you have a fair weather gradient, which is when there's really no weather activity, little clouds. You get this fair weather gradient, and then you get the inverse current where there's thunderstorm activity. So electrified rain clouds or snowstorms or thunderstorms. You see here the uh, voltages that are contained within those systems are much, much higher. So the top of the storm cloud will be like 100 megavolts, for example, whereas the bomb can be negative 100 megavolts, creating very strong uh, electric field gradients from here and then also from there. And then these pulsations in the thunderstorms, these electric currents that are flowing and equalizing these potentials, those generate Schumann resonances. So you don't even have to have a lightning strike for Schumann resonance energy and for energy in the extremely low frequency part of the light spectrum to be generated at a greater degree than normal. So these types of things like thunderstorms generate very strong electric field gradients in between the Earth's surface and the ionosphere. And then you uh, have... Uh, fair weather, which balances the global electric circuit out. So you have this flow of energy that's happening around the world uh, all the time, and solar dynamics are influencing that solar wind, coronal mass ejections, um, solar flare impacts. And so there is an overall electrification of our planet. And so if there are changes in uh, solar dynamics, like there's more solar activity, that's of course going to affect our global electric circuit. 
And if we are changing the properties of our atmosphere and we're releasing a bunch of energy on the surface, like what we're doing with uh, fossil fuels, it's a whole bunch of sequestered energy that's now being released, right? You light some gasoline on fire, you can light a campfire and be very nice and warm and toasty. Now imagine that done all across the planet all the time. That's what we're doing. We're causing this increase of energy in the thermal layer and then that influences the overall electrodynamics of the global electric circuit, resulting in things like more thunderstorms and just more uh, weather activity overall, influencing the biologically relevant Schumann resonances and also the spiritually re- relevant Schumann resonances because they, uh, as a unique vibration that overlaps with our very important uh, rhythms, right, our heart, autonomic nervous system, brain rhythms, also influence our consciousness, or at least there's a lot of evidence to support that. So let's now go into general resonance theory and look at what uh, uh, quite a few researchers now uh, believe to be the case as it relates to consciousness and energy and vibration, and then we'll wrap this all up. This idea that energy and vibration is consciousness is not new. This goes way back in time. Most recently, we can look at Itzhak Bentov and his step ladder of consciousness and how it's based on vibration. But general resonance theory is a fairly new, more scientifically accepted uh, view of how energy and resonance influences or is consciousness. So let's go through this really quick. First, we'll start with the famous E equals MC squared. What that means is energy is equal to mass times the speed of light squared. The speed of light is 300,000 kilometers per second. Very, very fast. You square that, it gets astronomical, and then you times that by mass to get energy. But what this is effectively showing is just a simple connection between energy and mass. And that mass, energy is equivalent to a whole bunch of mass moving very, very, very quickly. So energy and matter are connected together, and neither can be destroyed. Um, And so all matter effectively is vibrating. Now, at absolute zero, which we haven't been able to create, at absolute zero, you can stop all vibration. But if you are above absolute zero, then things are vibrating. Solids are vibrating the least, but they're still vibrations. Liquids are vibrating enough that they can't form certain crystalline bonds, but the molecule, the molecular bonds are still stable and the molecules can move past each other, like with water, right? Whereas with water, uh, like the stronger bonds form in between the different water molecules, you get these crystalline bonds. And then with air, you actually have uh, some of these uh, bonds, they're, they're, they weaken enough that they can then split apart and go like this. And with the plasma, you get those molecular bonds to break and you get just ions. But everything is vibrating, all the way from solids, all the way up to plasmas. So the greater the temperature, the greater the vibratory energy. A plasma is much more energetic than a solid. Um, now, general resonance theory stipulates that consciousness is a result of vibrations. And this could be gravitational, electromagnetic, quantum, and beyond. Most often, they're looking at electromagnetic vibrations. Uh, these are much more relevant to us in our reality. Gravitational vibrations are orders of magnitude weaker than electromagnetic, but they are vibration. So uh, there's a certain place for gravitational vibrations and the energy and information that they contain, especially at like the solar system scale. That's for a different video. Uh, and then there's, of course, things, you know, vibrations beyond understanding, uh, quantum vibrations, how things manifest in and out of reality. 
And uh, John Rosen's theory stipulates that consciousness is a result of vibration. Now, mind and matter with this theory are two sides of the same coin. It's not like the mind emerged as a result of matter. One did not emerge before the other. Uh, they emerge at the same time. The consciousness associated with most matter would generally be extremely rudimentary, like the consciousness of an electron, for example, would be extreme, just like one iota of consciousness. And then you move up to more complex forms, let's say uh, a mineral and a rock or a bacteria or a virus. Now the consciousness starts to become more complex and then eventually you get to uh, things like plants, which uh, for sure have consciousness. The studies that have been done with plants is uh, incredible how they can sense their environment. They recognize people. They talk to each other. Uh, fungal networks. And then you move up to animals, mammals, and us. Um, so consciousness becomes more complex as the energetic and vibratory essence of that matter intensifies. So you can take a stone, and you know it has some resonant vibration to it because it's, it is matter itself. But if you measure and you put electrode, you know, electrode probes in the brain, you'll measure all these different brain waves and electromagnetic forces and fields are pulsating. Whereas if you put the same electrodes in a rock, they'll be pretty quiet, right? Uh, it depends on the sensitivity. So as matter complexifies, so too does consciousness. Now the earth, if you look at the earth, it is extremely rich with these energetic uh, vibrations. We talked about the global electric circuit. We talked about the Schumann resonances. There are many other, thing, many other things I didn't talk about that fit into all this. So we can consider earth a super consciousness. I mean, we also live within that. So everyone on the planet, all life on the planet, the entire biosphere and all the rudimentary matter is part of that vibratory system. So the Earth is a super consciousness, and as it is increasingly intensifying in energy, this is generating more vibratory energies, more resonances, greater resonance systems, and the general level of consciousness should rise as a result. This is from rocks, the plants, the animals, to us, and then to the Earth itself. So there is a general increase in the energy and the consciousness happening at a global scale right now. And this is not just affecting us. It's not just the planet. It's affecting all life on the planet and all matter on the planet. So the earth itself down to like the atomic levels becoming more conscious as a result of what's been happening over the past uh, 150, 200 years and based on the result of solar cycles and what we've been doing with the planet uh, anthropogenically, and more. So uh, we can go a little further. Shared resonance between different systems, shared resonance may be a general mecha mechanism for how micro-conscious entities can combine into macro-conscious structures without extinguishing the micro-conscious entities themselves. Now, a good example of this would be the microbiome. Each microbe in your gut has some level of consciousness, but together they can release neurotransmitters and different metabolites and compounds that alter your your behavior, what you're thinking, what you're doing, your moods, your emotions, whether maybe you have a whole bunch of sugar, then you get sleepy, right? Now, if you're asleep, 
your brainwave patterns are different, your consciousness is not awake and active, you see how this all works together. So this also works at the human scale, of course. We already do this with our relationships, friends, family, partners, at the community level, at the scale of all humanity. So if we consider an individual as a micro-conscious entity, then if you are with someone, let's say a friend for the day, you become kind of a larger macro-consciousness, especially if you're very close together. You're in mutual resonance. There's a coherence between you. And that's really the key is when there is resonance, the energies are synchronistic. The opposite of resonance is when energies are non-coherent. They are canceling each other out. That's the key for consciousness is that you need resonance between the systems. So the type of interconnection and combination between resonating structures is key for consciousness to expand beyond the highly rudimentary types of consciousness uh, that exist. And those will always exist. But as the earth increases energy as a whole, it's going to draw everything to resonate with it because it's going to be the most powerful system. As the Shuma resonances increase in their energy, there will be uh, a pool to resonate with the earth to a greater degree. If you have a metronome, for example, pulsing, it's pulsing very strongly, all the others will want to align to it. And as more and more people start to resonate with the earth, that's going to create an even stronger resonance system. And this will increase the consciousness of the planet, of humanity. And overall, we really can't forecast how this is going to, like, how this will fundamentally change, like, our experience of life and, like, reality on this planet. But we see these energy amplifications happening. I mean, you can just look at the publicly available data for the Schumann resonances. You can track space weather data. I mean, this is all this is all out there. And then you put together uh, an understanding of the global electric circuit and how the Earth is electrified and how these different energetic forces play out on our planet, how they change, they shift. I talk about all this on our on my channel. I think general resonance theory is probably the best theory of consciousness that we currently have at this moment in time. It seems to explain consciousness at a more fundamental level than some of the other theories that have been postulated and thrown out and talked about and accepted. Uh, I think consciousness is more than just the electromagnetic component. I think consciousness is complex beyond our understanding. We're always going to be finding new things about consciousness that were previously unknown. Uh, so it's good to look at it from that perspective. But I do think general resonance theory is uh, a big step forward in our understanding of consciousness and really helps us to understand that consciousness is everywhere and that you're interacting with consciousness at every moment. So it's not just when you're talking to someone else or you're petting your dog. Uh, it's also when you are, let's say, pruning uh, a tree. It's also when you are uh, out in nature and you're on a walk and you're in this geologically varied terrain and everything has a consciousness. And there's certain ways that you can tap into those fields and experience that personally. Uh, I also talk about that on my channel. So I hope you found this video uh, interesting and useful. I hope this helps you to see what I believe the direction uh, that we're going individually, collectively, and as the earth as a whole. So if you'd like to learn more about all of this from the geophysics and the uh, space weather dynamics 
to like consciousness. And I recommend that you subscribe to my channel because I will keep diving into this, researching it, and then sharing with you what I find, making all these connections and bringing them to you. If you like the video, please click the thumbs up button. Helps this channel grow. Thank you so much for watching. Wishing you all a wonderful, blessed day, and I'll see you in the next video. Okay, that was quite a class. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to do one more before we take a break, everybody. This is called <clears throat> Lyran Guides and Star Magic Healing. It's 42 minutes. What as reprogram? Uh, yes, I'll read to this to them, Mama. What as reprogramming energetic codes through hand, hand-ons, galactic healing is the key to correcting spinal conditions, hearing loss, and eyesight. Healer Jerry Sargent hosts group workshops where he rearranges the vibrational frequency of participants using star magic healing. Sargent shares how he spiritually negotiated release from a destructive past in exchange for a promise to train people to heal themselves. Sargent recounts learning remote viewing and astral travel before Lyran guides, then downloaded sacred geometry to his crown on Alpha Centauri. This download was later published as, quote, into the light, unquote. Sargent introduces his Lyran guides as well as footage from group sessions. All right, 42 minutes. We better get started now. Got it? Oh. This is taking a little bit of time. Hmm. <laughs> we might have to do something different, Mama. Well, we're a quarter of. That's still okay. You want to do that one instead? Um, here we go. Oh, you found it. All right, everybody. Here we go. Welcome to Beyond Belief. Jerry Sargent is with us, the founder of Star Magic Healing and travels the world helping people heal physical, emotional, and spiritual traumas. Jerry, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, George. It's a pleasure to be here. How did you get involved in spiritual work the way you're doing it? You know, it's a long story and it's probably fit for a movie, but I'll give you the, the machine gun version of my story. You got it. So 
I used to have a very different life. Used to smuggle drugs, guns for a living. I was involved in lots of high profile really? bank fraud. Yeah, absolutely. Did it for many years. And to be honest with you, I enjoyed it. I didn't have any plan on changing things. And then one day I was with my ex-wife and children and we were traveling from a place called Piatra Nant to Bucharest airport in Romania early one morning. I was asleep in a taxi. My ex-wife and children were in the back and I heard a loud crash. Oh, no. There's wind and there's glass. I wake up. The car's kind of swaying from oh, side to side. And I remember thinking to myself, boy, we're in a bad accident. We're either going to hit the oncoming traffic or the car's going to flip over. But then all of a sudden we came to a, a stop and there's no cars on the road. The, the car didn't flip. And I'm thinking this is really weird. And there's a hole in the windscreen and there's blood dripping down my face, but I'm not bleeding. My daughter was underneath the driver's seat. I looked at the taxi driver. He looked petrified. And I'm thinking, what's going on? So I got out of the taxi and looked about 30 meters up the road. And there's two ladies lying on the side of the road. Oh, my God. I look about another 100 meters or so up the road, and there's what looks like a dead body. And what happened is three ladies were crossing the road in the morning. The first one got hit clean on. She came through the windscreen. All together? Yeah. The the first lady came through the windscreen, smashed me in the face whilst I was asleep, got flipped over the car and died. Second one had her ankles cut clean off and the third one was physically okay. So I've got out of the taxi, checked on the missus and kids. The two ladies on the side of the road, the one with her ankles cut off, they're screaming. A guy had come out from a nearby factory. He was on the phone. So I thought he must have called the emergency services. Like, what can I do? So I was kind of fixated on this, this lump in the road, which looked like a dead body. And I got closer and closer walking up to it, got within about 10 meters and I saw this energy like hovering above the body, which I now know was the lady's soul. And up until this point in my life, I didn't believe in spirit, the universe, none of God, none of, none of that stuff. I thought it was for crazy people. So I'm getting closer and closer to the body, staring at this soul. And then the energy kind of just fizzles off into the ether. And by that time, I'm looking down at the lady's body. Her legs are wrapped up over her head. Oh. And it was like someone had taken an old car to the scrap heap. Like whatever was inside the body... It had no longer any use for it. It had just gone. And I saw this separation between life and death and that something actually is inside the body. And I I couldn't unsee this. And so this kind of started my spiritual journey. And then from there, it just kind of like escalated. I ended up meeting a lady who became my first spiritual teacher. She worked for Scotland Yard in the psychic division, solving crimes with spiritual gifts. She had a past life regression business. I went to see her a few times a week for years and she taught me how to remote view, how to bring my light out of my body and travel, all different kinds of things. She regressed me into hundreds of past lives. And so I had a kind of a teacher that kind of upgraded me really right. quickly. Well, you had all the tools to do it. You Absolutely. You just needed to maximize them. Yeah, it was really important. At this same time, I was doing my kind of criminal things and we were stealing loads of money from banks. And what actually happened is, we were getting so much money, we didn't know what to do with it. So I started giving it to, to charities in Africa, and we started building schools and water pipelines. You were getting that much money? It was ridiculous amounts of money. And then when the letters were coming back through the people that helped me put the money into the charities, saying, you know, you did this and you did that, and, and, and the emotional responses, it started to touch me at a deep level. And so it started to change me, because up until this point, I was like really egotistical. I didn't give a a rat's ass about anybody else. I just wanted money and material. Secure things. yourself. 
Yeah, just I, I was all about me. Yeah. How did you get the money out of the banks? That's a long story. So um, we used different solicitors. We used mortgage fraud. Yeah, various different means. And the banks fell for it? We were good at what we did. You we were good at what we did. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more of the story, and you'll see how that kind of came full circle, and it was a big part of my spiritual journey. Because we ended up moving to New Zealand back in 2009, and I met a guy who taught me how to, to meditate. I'd never meditated up until this point, and he had a pyramid in his garden. And I used to go around there every day. We we set up a health and fitness center, a mixed martial arts gym in New Zealand. So we were helping people through that. And I used to go and, go and see this old guy every day, sit in his pyramid. And he, he taught me how to meditate with my eyes open. And I had loads of amazing experiences. But one of them was really important. I was sat there and a little space pods, the only way I can describe it, landed in the garden next to me. And there was a blue being inside of it. Wow. Like a, a craft? Like yeah, a craft, craft. Yeah. So I brought my light out of my body. I went and got into this craft and the craft, it somehow it placed my consciousness on the other side of this kind of portal. And then they flew me through the portal and my, 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 my light and my essence kind of caught up and I was above a beach and I knew that I was on Alpha Centauri. It took about four to five seconds to get through this portal. How did you know that? I just knew like when we, when we got there, I got off the, off out of the craft, walked up the beach. There are about 200 of these blue beings. I knew I was on Alpha Centauri. I'd never heard of that. I knew that these beings were Lyran. I knew about their kind of like, um, the foods that they were eating. They had these kind of like shades, like sunglasses that they could just materialize over their face and disappear into their kind of bodies. I knew how long they were pregnant for. Just, just things were just like, I just knew them. I don't know how I knew them, but just information was coming. And these Lyran beings, they hugged me and I knew that I was home. And and when they hugged me, this level of love that I experienced, it just melted me. And it's it's a level of love that is so hard to come by here on this planet. But they hugged me for a little while and then they kind of let me go and they parted like a pathway. And one of them led me up the beach through a jungle to this building that was made of lights. I went into the building and there was this really ancient blue being. And it was like, it reminded me of meeting like a, an ancient chief from a native. And this was not a dream. This wasn't a dream. No, it was, it was as re- it, for me, it seemed as real as me sitting in this chair talking to you right now. So this being asked me to kneel down on the floor. I kneel down on the floor and this orange download of lights comes down into my crown full of all of this kind of fluid moving geometry. And I was kind of like paralyzed just downloading this, this geometry. And then after a while it stopped. I don't know whether it was a minute or whether it was six hours. I've got no recollection of time. But then two of these beings kind of picked me up underneath my armpits and frog marched me back to the space pod. Wow. They stuck me back inside. We flew back through the tunnel. I kind of went back into, into my meditation, into my body in the garden. And then nothing else happened. And I was sat there then like really wanting the next piece of the puzzle. And about two years went past. And then one day I woke up and I knew that we had to go back to England. So after talking to the missus and the kids who thought I was absolutely nuts and crazy because we just started a new life in New Zealand, yeah. we ended up going back to England. And then I started seeing fairies and having these kind of interactions with angels and different beings. And um, this being came down and said to me, you need to write a book called Into the Light. 
So I ran home, I wrote this book, and then when I published it, I started seeing all the geometrical code that got downloaded in the orange frequency when I was on Alpha Centauri. And I was saying to my guides, what am I supposed to do with this stuff? They said, well, you need to meditate more. So I started getting up every day with my son, Josh. We were going to these ancient mystery schools every single morning for two hours for nine months. That's intense, Jerry. It, it was amazing. And they were showing us these scrolls. And on the scrolls were the same codes that I was seeing in the empty space, the same codes that came in the orange download. So all of this, this happens. Now, the other thing that happened when I moved back from New Zealand, I got arrested for conspiracy to defraud the Bank of Scotland. They caught you. They caught me and also holding a false travel document. And I was looking at a long, long prison sentence. So I was on bail for two years, going from the city of London back to where I live. They took my passport. I wasn't allowed to travel. So I said to the universe, like, listen, if you get me off this court case, I promise you I'm going to do this healing stuff. Because all the time they're giving me all this knowledge, all this information, sure. but I kept resisting it. All of my friends were criminals. So they looked at me like I was crazy. My family thought I was nuts. So I kept kind of resisting it. And I was getting the temptation for, through, through large amounts of money to go back to my criminal activities. So to cut a long story short, I went to court and I'm stood in this kind of bulletproof dock and uh, the judge walks out and he's got his two accomplices. They're both females. The one to his right and my left, she had wings on her back. I could see them. Wow. She looked at me, she smiled and she winked. And I was like, no way. Like in my mind. Like you I'm had gonna, an insider there. Yeah, I'm going to get off this. But my ego was still like, no, 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 no way. But there was this kind of feeling in my heart. Yeah. So the prosecution gave their side of the story. My solicitor gave my side of the story. And then the judge went out and deliberated with, with the two ladies. They came back in like 30 minutes later and he looked at me. Well, she looked at me and she winked and smiled again. And the judge turned to me and said, we can see you're a changed man, Mr. Sergeant. We're going to give you a one year conditional discharge Amazing. and an 80 pound court fee. You're free to go. And I was like, yes, that's it. Star magic healing. I've, I've got no God. choice now. Yeah. So that was it. What then happened is the blue being that took me in the spacecraft came to see me again and told me that I needed to, to, to build these healing centers. And I said, well, if I build them, who's going to run them? He said, you need to train people. So I ran home. I designed this training program. I put it up online. And that this was like 2017. The class just filled up straight away. Good for you. And since then, we've trained thousands of people in more than 55 countries. We're in the process of, of creating our first healing center in Transylvania at the moment and in Romania. And, and everything's just kind of... Uh, just kind of flowing, and it feels like I'm just kind of following the breadcrumbs. Just keep following. You know? Well, people who attend your events have a, this profound physical healing situation. So let's watch these healings, and Jerry describes on tape what's going on. With the healings, at the back of the neck, you've got something called God's mouth. And what we do is we run frequency in through God's mouth that goes up into the pineal gland. What's happening to her right there, Jerry? She, she's having a biological upgrade. Okay, what once the frequency hits the pineal gland, it downloads energy codes into every single cell in the body and it wipes out old programming and people start to cry. They bend, they twist, they shake and their bodies just have these crazy experiences and people just take their hearing aids out. People just get up from wheelchairs and walk. People's eyesight's come back. They start to manifest beautiful relationships you know, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual things just take place. 
It's very fast. It's very effective. And it's something we train people in. Like anyone can do this stuff. People sometimes look at me and think, oh, you bought this special gift. But actually, I mean, look, look at me. I've come from a life of crime to be after doing this. Anyone can do it. Their bodies are shaking and the old program is. Is that energy coming from you to them? Is that why they're shaking? The energy's not coming from me. So if you look at, like, you're a physical being. I'm a physical being. This floor is physical. But your physical being is actually computer code. This floor is computer code. The pair of shoes on my feet are computer code. Trees are computer code. And when you're able to tap into the code that is operating the physical vessel, whether it's a tree or a human, you can change the code in the back end of someone's biological computer. So if someone has liver cancer, for example, that's because they're experiencing guilt or they're experiencing anger somewhere in the quantum field. You know, we're souls having this human experience. And right now we're having multiple experiences. So we're able to find those experiences where the soul has experienced guilt or anger that's creating the, the cancer in the in the liver, for example. And we can change the code in the back end of someone's computer. Once we change the code in the back end of someone's computer, the frequency runs and it doesn't come from us. It comes from the code in the empty space. Does that cause them to be spastic and things like that? Well, it's not like spastic. Like everybody knows what's going on. They're not hypnotized. They're fully aware of their experience. Now, those people were aware of what was going Fully on. aware of their experience. Why was the guy crying? Because he's having such a, a deep emotional release. I mean, last week, not last week, the week before, we were in New York. And it was the second day of our group healing. And we'd just done this really powerful breath work. And I just burst out crying for about 40 minutes. The love you that did. I felt, I did, yeah. The love that I felt in my body was unbelievable. It was the love that I felt when I went to Alpha Centauri and hugged these Lyrans. I was just so emotional, so full of love. And it was the most beautiful experience. And when people having these, these, these biological upgrades, sometimes they scream, sometimes they cry, sometimes they laugh. The body is just releasing what it needs to release. So the old programming can dissolve and the new programming can come in. And then the physical symptoms start to either disappear or new physical things manifest, whether it's abundance, whether it's beautiful relationships, business opportunities. Jerry, what is Derekwai? Derekwai is the blue being that came to to pick me up in that the spacecraft. That's his name, Derekwai. For those of you that are watching this that can see, you'll see him here to my right-hand side. To my left-hand side is Deron. Deron and Derekwai are always with me. Deron is actually me. It's a, it's a Lyran version of me that's always with me 24-7, and Derekwai is always there. They guide me all the time. Can you see them now? Absolutely. What do they look like? Well, Derekwai is taller than Deron. Derekwai is about almost seven foot tall. Seven foot? About seven foot, yeah. They're, they're on smaller. He's about just under six and a half foot tall. They're both blue. They're androgynous beings. They've got no sexual organs. They don't really wear any kind of um, clothes. It looks like they're kind of naked, but they have this kind of like powerful kind of energetic template around their body, which is a kind of a diamondy, platinum-y, crystal white color. Why are they with you so often? They've been with me since 2012, all the time, just looking after me, guiding me, you know, advising me. I always ask them questions about everything that I'm doing. Do they help you? All the time. So what is the significance of the orange and blue dots and what are they to you? 
So the orange and blue dots were what Derek White showed me when he told me that I had to build healing centers. I was sat meditating on a hill, looking out over the town that I live on, and the whole town just disappeared. And I saw the Christ consciousness grid of the planet, this huge icosahedron, which is like a 20-sided shape made out of equilateral triangles. And around this grid structure were these orange and blue dots. Interesting. And these orange and blue dots were the healing centers. They were showing me where I needed to build them, etc. Speaking of healing centers, let's take a look at them and then describe for us, Jerry, what we're looking at here. So this is the healing center that we're going to be building in Transylvania, a place called Hagita in Romania. It's beautiful. It's on 15 acres. It's going to have accommodation for 100 people, um, plus another 13 houses. Uh, there's restaurants, horse healing, healing chambers. There's going to be gym facilities, um, everything that you need to go and kind of submerge in the forest. That's a restaurant. Um, built out of sacred geometry. They're like little cities. Yeah, I mean, the, the architects that we're working with, they actually downloaded the these buildings. And they're actually, the reason that was, it was so amazing for me because the frequency in these buildings is the same frequency that we use in our healing in Star Magic. And that little white kind of sphere, yeah. that's like an extraterrestrial meeting hub. It, it's it's going to carry the right frequency for extraterrestrials to be here on Earth. And for us to actually have meetings with them. Now, what happens for the people who come to these centers? So people are going to come to these centers. They can partake in our in, in our trainings. We do five and seven day trainings. We've got three levels of training. They can stay there? Yeah, they can stay there. Uh, they can do the trainings. They can do plant medicine, ayahuasca, psilocybin. They can just come for horse healing. They can come for, for, for like one-on-one individual healing. You name it, like... People can come and do workshops. We've got so many different workshops that we run. How many centers do you have now and what's the plan? So the plan is to build 13. This is going to be the first one that we just showed. All over the planet, yeah. We've been buying up the land. And this first one in Transylvania and Romania is going to be the first kind of flagship. That's the home of Dracula. The home of Dracula. It's it's literally maybe 10 to 15 miles from, from Dracula's castle, which is pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah, we're we're in the process of getting the last bit of planning permission at the moment. And as soon as that growth goes through, we'll break ground and we'll start building. How many people can these centers hold at any one time? So it will be accommodation for 100 people, this first one. Yeah, the, the, the land that we've built, that we've bought in Madeira, which is the next one, it's an island, um, part of Portugal, that's going to have accommodation for a lot more. The one that we've got, the land we bought in Wales is going to be smaller. They're all going to be different. It just depends. Yeah, Are we're going to have different people run these for absolutely. you? Absolutely. We've trained thousands of people in preparation for this. And what's the goal, Jerry? What's the goal for the people who attend these events? So the, the, the goal for us is to expand consciousness on planet Earth, to raise the frequency, to help humanity remember who they truly are, that they're these powerful divine sovereign beings that are galactic in nature here in these human bodies and ultimately we're connected by love and when people come to our our group healings or our workshops or our trainings we are empowering them to the nth degree they leave our trainings and our workshops physically emotionally mentally healed and they step into their power and they can walk out into this reality field like lions and lionesses. What kind of conditions do you heal, Jer? 
Well, I mean, we've had people if you, last week in our uh, Calgary workshop, we had a lady that had not walked for 10 years. Oh. She got up out of her wheelchair and she walked on the first day of the group healing. That's amazing. The second day of the group healing, she walked from the car a hundred meters uh, into the hotel, up the lift, all the way down the corridor. What do they, what are they say? Are they in shock? Well, I mean, we, all these video testimonials are on our website on starmagichealing.com for people to go and look at. People are just crying. They're happy. The emotion, emotional response is different for different people. For me, this is why we get up every morning and do it. We've had people take their hearing aids out. We've had all sorts of, you name it, brain tumors that have been in people's heads. The doctors said, you'll be dead in eight weeks. And they're still alive and breathing four years later with no brain tumor. I mean, how is this possible? And the tumor probably shrinks to nothing, right? Well, it's, it shrinks and disappears, and it's not there at all. And we've got compute, we've got doctor's scans to prove this. But who's doing it? Are you doing it to them, or are they doing it to themselves? So one thing I want to say, this is what I share with everybody on our trainings. I've never healed anyone in my life. But what I do is create an environment so they can self-heal. Anyone that says they're a healer and that they can heal you is full of absolute you-know-what. But... What you can do with the right frequency, under the right conditions, if you play with the code in the back end of someone's biological computer correctly, tap the body it. can self-heal. So what we do is create an environment so these human beings can self-heal. It's all mathematics. It's all geometrical code. And, and, and like you've got a lot of like healing modalities like Reiki and quantum healing and bioenergy healing. They're old school. Star magic is the new school. We're showing fast, rapid, effective healing that lasts. And it's all done by acting like a computer programmer. The feedback you get from these events must be astounding. Amazing. Absolutely phenomenal. It's why we get up every morning and go again. Like for me, when I wake up in the morning, I'm like a, a rocket ship waiting to leave a NASA space, space station for the moon because I'm so pumped and excited uh, about life. Some of your clients have talked about how you and Star Magic have helped them change their life and heal. It came with a 36-degree curve in my spine that I've had since I was about 13, so that's 25 years. That curve has caused intense pain. I've had multiple hip surgeries because my entire body has been out of balance. And I don't know if it's just the physical or if it's the metaphysical, but both healings that took place were so profound. Now it is completely straight. I can actually breathe and fill my lungs so full with air that it's, I mean, parts of my lungs that never filled with air are getting oxygen. Look what happened yesterday. I walked. I got up. I've been not able to walk properly for about 10 or 12 years and not be able to ever get off the ground for 20 years. And when I came, I was wearing a hearing aid for my hearing. My, after I've gone through the, uh, the training, I don't need a hearing aid anymore. I came to Jerry's group healing session yesterday. First thing I experienced during the workshop and before it even ended, my eyesight improved. I normally have blurry vision and sometimes I couldn't see items or people who are very far. But yesterday I could sharply see the, the, the smallest detail at the, at, the, at the furthest distance. I have taken sleeping medication for eight plus years consistently. And after the group healing, 
I had the best night's sleep. The um, right half of my face, it was really tense. So the muscles were really tense and it did hurt me so much. I've experienced uh, quite intense headaches and Jerry actually did fix it. He healed it somehow, <laughs> um, literally in 20 seconds, which was absolutely unbelievable. Hello, my name is Sala. I've been walk for five years without help. I, I can't even describe it. I was shaking all the time because I didn't expect that. But all of a sudden, when I started walking again, um, very exciting experience. Jerry, what does mainstream medicine say after the fact? Well, it's interesting. I mean, uh, back in 2018, I was arrested for healing people with cancer. I had to go through another court case. Oh, they don't leave you alone. Do they? they don't leave me alone, brother. Fuck. Yeah, but it was interesting. You know, I um, I hired a sort of a, a private detective to find out who funded the case. And it was a cancer charity that funded the case. And they t when I went to court, my kids, they came with me. I was in New York at the time. I was in New York. I was at the Conscious Life Expo speaking. I flew back to London Landed at five in the morning with my two children, went straight to court and my kids had to wait outside because they were under 16. Yeah. Anyway, I went in and the judge, I had over a hundred testimonials of people that had, you know, written that, 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 that they, they, they'd been yeah, healed through, through sure. my work. And the judge looked at me and she said, there's nothing more than I'd love, Mr. Sergeant, to lock you up and throw away the key, but my hands are tied. So. Because you've got two children, I can't. I'm going to let you go, but I'm going to fine you £6,000. So they fined me £6,000. They didn't lock me up because of the children. I had to look after them. But, yeah, they don't like this stuff that we're doing. But I, I saw it as a positive. I thought, if they're coming after me for this, I must be doing something right. So this inspired me to do more, just to get out there and help more people. I mean, clearly that woman's spine straightened out. We've had so many of those spines. I mean, to, to, to have someone with a, like, we've had people with kyphoscoliosis, which is a twisted spine and a bent like spine. Spinosis. And they straighten back up in like 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. What are you feeling when you're there with the individual? Anything? I just feel so plugged in. One thing that the Lyrans have taught me is to stay plugged into to, to the electrical energy of the stars and the magnetic frequency of the earth. So I'm running those frequencies through my body all the time. And when you're plugged in and you're in the zone, everything is just so fluid and natural. And I just know everything that's happening in the space. If someone's got a problem, I'm there and I know where to touch on their body. I know which piece of code to rearrange. And it's it's like you're plugged into the universe. It's like you're you're part of the universe. You're part of the mathematics. Of ten people who may attend one of these sessions, ten people, how many walk away feeling better? Most of them. Really? Yeah, pretty much all of them. Everyone's going to have an amazing experience coming to to, to our, our group healing sessions. They're amazing. The frequency is so high. When you walk in through the door and you do the work and you walk out, you're never going to be the same. Like I say to everybody that comes into our healing session, are you prepared to die? Because they, we take them so far, so deep into a whole different frequency band that everything rearranges. And when they come out the other side, they're transformed. Is that why they're so emotional? Partly. Yeah, it's because of the release. The release. They've like, been sick for probably half their life. 
Just, and all of a sudden they're better. Yeah, just imagine like that, that the last lady, Ella, this was in Miami like three or four weeks ago. The doc, she had multiple sclerosis and the doctors had said to her, you're never going to walk again. It's a downhill slide from now on. Everything's going to deteriorate. And then the second day of the group healing, she stands up from her wheelchair. She actually walked 40 meters to the toilet. Unheard of. Took her knickers down and her trousers, went to the toilet, pulled them back up and walked back in again, all on her own. Was she in shock? She was just elated. She was absolutely elated. She was smiling from like ear to ear, like one side of the universe. Once the they leave the sessions, are they permanently fixed or do they have to tune themselves up? Well, I always say to everybody, this is a lifestyle. You know, you have to live the lifestyle. So if you want to remain a high vibrational being, you've got to keep doing the work. So, you know, keep doing your meditation, keep doing your your exercise, your intermittent fasting, your cold showers. Like there's a whole recipe to staying on a high frequency. And, And through the Star Magic Tribe, we share this with everybody. Jerry, you mentioned that you have a lot of employees that you work at and train. How do you train them? Well, We've got employees. There's about 35 people in the team that are kind of working, making this whole spaceship fly. But we've trained thousands of people to be facilitators. So they're kind of two different things. But the facilitators, we have a five-day level one training. We've got one coming up in Sedona soon where they come and they learn everything they need to know to heal another human being, to heal themselves and to heal groups of people. Then we've got level two training, which is about light body work, it's about planetary grid work. It's about the stargates and the, the multidimensional architecture around everybody's physical body. And then level three training is how to take groups of people on galactic journeys through portals and vortexes safely and bring them back home. Who is helping the individual? Are they doing it themselves or are they tapping into something out there? So we teach them how to play with the code. But actually, the word teach is the wrong word. What we do is we help them remember how to play with the code. Because what I say to everybody, I can't teach you anything. You know, because everybody knows everything. They've just simply forgotten it. So what we're doing is help, helping human beings wake up those innate abilities that are inside their DNA, DNA code. And all of the information rises to the surface and they remember this information. So you're helping the individual to heal themselves. Absolutely. But do they have to believe in this? I say to everybody to believe in nothing. Believing's dangerous. Belief belief systems are based on thought processes. They don't exist. If you look at a thought and you trace that thought back to its origin, it, it comes from another thought and then another thought. But ultimately, it comes back to time, distance or measurement. Time, distance and measurement in the quantum field don't exist. Therefore, all belief systems are a load of BS. So what we do is we show people how to remember that internal knowing so they know themselves. Knowing trumps believing every single time. So we help people know who they are, which is powerful, supersonic superhumans, galactic titans here on this earth plane to recode humanity and wake up their angelic superhuman DNA template. What is our existence on good old planet Earth? What are we here for? We're here for many different reasons. It depends which perspective you look at. I mean, ultimately, we're we're guardians of the stargates. There's 12 primary stargates on planet Earth. You've got 12 secondary stargates, and there's other stargates too. And and what we do as a humanity is we control the stargates. We've got crystal keys and codes in our energetic template, which enables the stargates to stay open and for us to travel backwards and forwards, forwards through them. Explain these codes that you talk about, Jerry. What are they? So these codes 
they're mathematical equations. So if you want to travel through a stargate, then you have to be tuned in, tuned in to that stargate through the the, the, the inner keys and codes. Is it like a frequency? They're like a frequency. They're geometry. They're, they're geometrical patterns, and they have to all align to be able to to travel backwards and forwards. It's the same thing when we're doing our healing, that the mathematical code in someone's physical body or the back end of their physical body, their biological computer has to be in alignment. Otherwise, they're going to suffer from cancer or eyesight issues or fibromyalgia or trigeminal neuralgia. But you change the coding in the fabric, everything just heals. Can you change your DNA? Absolutely. You know, most people are operating at a very limited DNA blueprints like originally if you go back sort of 560 plus million years ago we were angelic humanoids with six digits on each hand we were living on a planet called tara in the andromedan galaxy now we're living on a planet called earth very limited beings with a two three maybe four strand template but we have the capacity to go to 12 and through frequency light vibration codes we can activate more of our superhuman potential, which is encoded in our DNA, in our original blueprint, and it's inside every single human being. So whenever people are coming into our healing sessions, they come into our trainings, they're listening to our meditation library on our website, they're being activated left, right, and center. Don't you feel better about yourself doing what you're doing now as opposed to what you used to do? Absolutely. I love what I'm doing now. I get to meet cool people like you. I get to travel the world and I get to see the transformation in every, in other people. Did you ever think you'd be doing this? Never. If you'd have told me, like going back 15 years ago, that I'd be sat here having a conversation about this kind of stuff. On a television. You're crazy. I'd have thought, where's the guy in the straight jacket coming to, you know, where was the guy? How did you change your life? It's not been easy. Like, you know. Has it been tempting to go back to the old one? Every single human being has dark and light in them. The devil and God are inside every single human being. On our shoulders. On our shoulders, inside of us. And what we have to do is balance both of them. People that are running into the light, they're never going to be powerful. People that are playing in the darkness are never going to be powerful. If you really want to be powerful, you've got to get all of the darkness and all of the light, bring it into wholeness and zero point it in your heart. Mm. And that is where the balance is. The balance and the equilibrium gives you your power. And so for me, it's about when the devil is speaking, you know, reining that back in and, and, and bringing it back into the zero point. And every now and again, you kind of sway and you yo-yo, but you just make choices to come back to the center. Everybody's tempted. What would you say today to those who you may have hurt in your life and your career who are watching you right now? I would say I love you. We're sisters. We're brothers. We've all got innate potential inside of us. And take that step. Be brave and journey into into your heart your heart is your life compass it will always lead you in the direction of your dreams but you've got to be brave enough to dive in because your heart will lead you on a crazy journey but if you follow it and you're brave enough to follow it and you overcome the challenges along the way i guarantee you're just going to step into a more formidable powerful upgraded superhuman version of yourself and life's going to be amazing Some people on this planet are in a mess. Some people on this planet are in an amazing place. Sure. You know, there's different frequency bands playing out and we get to choose. Has star magic changed your life? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. In ways that I could just, I'm just so grateful, George. Where would you like to see a jury in the next 10 years? I just want to build out these healing centers. The reason that I want to build out these healing centers is because, number one, they're going to be a place for people to come and heal. But the main reason for me is the children. There are so many incredible children coming down from the stars right now. And they have amazing abilities. But they haven't got a safe playground. They haven't got a place where they can express these abilities. For example, in the UK, if you get children that express these kind of abilities in school, they get taken from school. They get put into these special programs. They get demonized, sent back to their parents, a shadow of their former self. We can take these children into these healing centers and they can have a beautiful playground to express their multidimensional faculties, telekinesis, teleportation, uh, telepathy, uh, all of these abilities that are inside every single one of us. What I truly feel is that in a few years, the children are going to be running this planet. And we as adults are going to be sat in the classrooms taking advice from the children because they're the ones that truly know. They're the gifted ones that are coming down to help us remember. There are fully. Absolutely. What do you say to a child who seems lost? That depends on, on how the child is lost. I mean, before I can say anything, I'm just going to try and connect with them. I'm going to try and connect with them and allow them to feel my love. And hopefully by allowing them to feel my love, there can be some level of trust. And once we get to a level where there's trust, then hopefully I can guide them in a in a certain direction. And whether they're a child or an adult, I'm going to say the same thing, that you're powerful. Don't let anyone ever tell you that you're, you know, that you're, that you're strange or you're weird or that you're useless. You know that you have innate abilities inside of you. Know that you have the ability to, to roam these earthly planes, to blaze a new trail, to carve your own path, to play the game of life by your own rules and to not buy down to society's rules and regulations. You came here to have fun. You came here to be playful. You came here to enjoy this human experience. So get out there, enjoy it. Be crazy. Do what you want. Let your light shine. Don't let anyone stamp on your your sparkle. Jerry, when's the last time you cried? About a week ago in in New York. (laughs) What happened? Two weeks ago. We were doing breath work on the second day of our group healing. And then I put this music track on afterwards and everyone was just there with their hearts open and the level of the love in the room, my heart just went and I just cried like just a little came. baby. I don't know where sobbing. the tears came. I was sobbing. I was walking around, working on people. I was on my knees, just like I had so much love flowing out of me, into me, through me. It was indescribable, George. I didn't want it to end. I felt so full, so full of love that I didn't need food. I didn't need people. I didn't need anything. I could have lived off this love for forever and just been so content. Would the jury sergeant 10 years ago have cried? No. He bottled it all up. He bottled it all up and he contained it all and... He just put on a brave face and he was uh, a false human being. He was completely different from the Jerry in there. If you help just one person, is it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm here to help a lot more than one. God is following you, isn't he? Somebody's helping you along the way. I, I, I truly know that we're all gods. We're all gods. We're all goddesses. God is a frequency. 
God is love. Love is God. God is inside you. God is inside me. God is inside everything. It's all energy. And if we listen to our hearts and just follow our life compass, God, infinite intelligence, universal intelligence, source, whatever label you decide to stick on it is going to lead us in the direction of our dreams. It's going to unify humanity, expand consciousness and create a much better playground on this world for us to be free and sovereign and just be the alchemists and the witches and the wizards and the quantum architects that we are. Tell us about the Star Magic website. So Star Magic website is starmagichealing.com. When you go to the website, you can access information on Infinity, which is our monthly membership. Inside that, you're going to be able to experience light language transmissions, cosmic yoga videos, meditations, masterclasses, weekly meditations. There's a whole heap of different tools. You've got all of our trainings, global meditations. There's loads of free contents. Yeah, go and check it out and connect with us. Keep doing what you're doing, Jerry. Thank you so much, George. It's been a pleasure, brother. Give me a knuckle punch. Thank you. Feel that energy? Absolutely. Me too. Jerry, thanks for being on Beyond Belief. Thank you so much for having me, George. It's an absolute pleasure and an honor to be here, brother. I don't want to say what he does is pure magic, but he helps so many people. It's almost as if the angels have given him this power. Thanks for watching Beyond Belief. Okay, everybody. Wow. It keeps getting better. Yeah. It keeps getting better. All right. So we'll take a break here and uh, we'll be back 10 minutes or so, maybe a little bit more. Uh, and we'll be back with our brother Richard and a look at the stars and Tanya Gabrielle, Kay Pacha. And first of all, music. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, everyone. When we get to do these things together, it increases the vibration exponentially. What a beautiful soul this last being was. All right. So, Satnam for now. See you in a little bit. <laughs> okay, Dan. It's uh, January 20th. Sun went into Aquarius today. Yeah, Sun went into Aquarius, and Venus still rises first in the morning. It's at uh, twenty twenty-eight. Sag. Yeah. Richard, the Pluto went into Aquarius at the same time as well as the Sun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is true. Now, as of 9 o'clock Eastern, Pluto is like at five seconds of arc. Yes. And the moon is a half, the sun is a half a degree into, so the sun went into Aquarius around noon, for what that's worth. Uh, but then you got, you know, Mercury and Mercury and Mars are still conjunct in Capricorn. Yeah. Yeah, Mercury's at nine Capricorn, so it return it returned to where it was when it went retrograde. And Mars is at thirteen Capricorn. 
So all the planets are, according to this, Uranus is uh, still moving backward, but it'll be direct by tomorrow. 19 seconds in a day, that's nothing. It's like standing still. So everything else pretty much the same. Um, Saturn is getting up there into, uh, into Pisces. That's six Pisces. Ooh. That's my 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 north node is at seven Pisces. <laughs> I, I'm, I I don't know what that what that's gonna do. It's either about timing or about delay, but it's definitely a, something like that. Saturn. You know, if you got if you got something over there in Virgo, you could get you could get delays. You know, or Gemini or Sag, you get the squares and the oppositions. They do they do most of the uh, mixing and matching. Now Jupiter is still square Pluto, and with Sun conjunct Pluto today, yeah, and. Jupiter being as close to Uranus as it is, right? Jupiter's at seven Taurus, Uranus is at twenty. So we still got that condition. Everything else is pretty much the same. So we'll just let it go with that. Moon's in early Gemini tonight. That would be uh, seven Gemini. So you got Moon squares Saturn and Venus square Neptune. That's just about exact right now. All right, Venus Venus at twenty eight and Neptune at twenty six. So we've been doing that this week. So pretty much here, that's that's the story, and uh, yeah, I I don't know what it means. I'm, I'm, you know, my my uh, I don't know what's going on here. My my uh, my feeling is is that this the the current astrology is unreliable as a guide. Wow. Yeah. Well, here, here's here's the thing, right? Take take one of the prime opposites, the one called chaos opposite order. Mm. <laughs> right. So yeah. it looks like, yeah. You know, as I as I listen to the news from various sources around the radio, uh, on one hand. It looks like things are just falling apart, and on the other hand, yeah, things look good to some people, right? Well, the big deal is that both the United States, meaning Biden, and Israel, meaning Netanyahu, are war criminals. They're collaboratively using United States money tax tail dollars uh, to get the bombs and 
Biden committed to crime twice. He went around Congress. You're supposed to vote in Congress to send anyone. He's spending money he's not supposed to be able to spend. That's right. That's a crime. And that makes him a bad person. That makes him... It makes him irresponsible and committing crime. Yes. Is dereliction of duty ring a bell? Anybody? Oh, there you go. That's good. I think we can leave it at dereliction of duty and because uh, I'm so tired of the, so many of these repetitive news stories. They're very tiring. Oh, they're, they're wearing everybody out. But the thing is, is that they're committing genocide. The two of them, Yahoo and Biden, are committing genocide. Yeah, well, I mean, war is like that. Yeah. Uh, not that's not the way they're doing it now. Netanyahu's uh, uh, yeah. intentionally, intentionally wanted to completely erase the entire Palestinian ethnicity sure. planet. Yeah. That's the logical thing to do from his position. Oh, well, I don't think there's any logic going on there at all. Well, it's called the logic of insanity. Yes. Okay, then I agree. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right, I'll, I'll shut up now and listen to Kaipacha and see, see if there's anything in here that makes any sense. <laughs> okay, here we here go. Here we go. Now the moon is in Aries, charge, go forward, initiate, goes into uh, Taurus tomorrow, Thursday, and uh, Saturday, moves into Gemini, until Monday it is in Cancer, and we're just kind of bumping up this mountain, the main thing I want to be talking about to you today is the sun coming into conjunct Pluto, and together they will go hand in hand into Aquarius. So Saturday they conjunct, and then the Sun first, and then Pluto shortly thereafter goes right into Aquarius together on the same day. Very, very, very magical. Mercury is in trine to Jupiter on Friday, same day that Venus is in square to Neptune. So, these are the major aspects. Venus is like moving through Sagittarius, getting later and later and later. She's uh, squaring Neptune just before she goes into Capricorn. That's Lion's Head right down there. Check it out. And we are going up, 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 and away. All right, everybody. That is water back there. I do have some water in the Pele report. 
but it's pretty dry. Mountain goat Capricorn climbing the rocks to the top of the mountain. When I'm done here, I'll, g- I'll give you a, a, a shot of the whole vista. But <clears throat> there's just nothing like rock and mountains for the solid sense of time and the wind and erosion and the rain and the years and years and years of weather and they just stand. This is power. This week's song is The Power of Love. (laughs) There's all kinds of different power. Pluto symbolizes power. Kundalini power. It is the power of death, of transformation, of metamorphosis, of death and resurrection. It is the underworld and the seed goes down into the underworld in fall and lays underneath the blanket of snow only to rise again in spring. And every year there is an alignment with the sun, the earth, and Pluto. And it is almost like, it's almost like an Easter, okay, where the sun goes down into the underworld, like Persephone, right? Like down. And and it's almost three days. And on the third day, that sun rises out of Pluto. So there is this kind of stripping down, this stripping away, the peeling of the banana, the the snake shedding its skin. This is the time of year for that. As the sun passes by Pluto. And there's a couple of different images. There's a couple of different things involved. It's amazing. Again, the Sabian symbols, the symbol for the the square moon in Aries today is very appropriate and has so much to do again with this. It's a really breaking away so I, 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 now it's, it's interesting. These last couple of reports, the sun moving into Capricorn and Mars moving into Capricorn, it's been about the king and the queen and responsibility and, you know, stepping up and, you know, doing our duty and drawing our boundaries and bringing order. And I mean, this is, this is what it has been all about. And. Now, Pluto and Sun hold hands and move into Aquarius. It's a cusp. It's an evolutionary gate. It's a doorway. It is a liberation. And at the same time, we have Venus coming into a third quarter square. And that third quarter square, 270 degrees, she's, she's doing it with, uh, with, with Neptune, right? And then she's going into Capricorn. 
And, and so this Capricorn Aquarius phase, we're talking about the 10th sign. Aquarius is the 11th sign. Pisces is the 12th sign. We're closing the cycle. This is not about expression, getting bigger and stronger, uh, you know, strutting my stuff, gathering my forces, me being seen. Now we've come through Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius is, you know, the evolutionary intention, okay, is spread out through society, through our relationships, through other people, through Libra, Scorpio. So this is kind of a peak that 270 where I, I, I've, I've done, I've kind of met my social obligations and I've done my responsibility. And now it's time to step off that cliff. <laughs> now it's time for, I think, the sun and Pluto to just sail and fly like the phoenix, like the starlings. There's a couple of starlings that I just saw up here. They, they, they always mate and they, they fly together. And the one had a cracker and, and she cracked the cracker on the rock so that the other one could, uh, could get half of the cracker. And they were feeding each other. Just so beautiful. But it takes me a little bit off point. <laughs> But what I'm getting at is I'm getting at this sense of, and I think of Siddhartha. I think of Buddha. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the story of Siddhartha, how he was a prince and his father was the king and he was spoiled rotten and he had everything and maids and servants and he was carried around and every wish that he had was fulfilled. And I, and, and, you know, his, his father kept him away from any kind of sickness or death, people dying or, you know, he kept his life as a youth. Full of everything, wonderful, blissful, beautiful, la da 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 da. Uh, you know the courtyards and the flowers, and he was protected. But when he matured, he walked away. He stepped out and he went into town and he saw poor people and he saw sick people and he saw somebody dying, and this awakened the Buddha within. This is stepping away from what we have built, from what has provided us security, from what has supported us, okay, you know, from what has lifted us, from where we get our applause and our adoration and our sense of being important and living a meaningful, purposeful life. And this is going off into the unknown. Aquarius is the unknown. Aquarius is the future. Aquarius is enlightenment. And it's outside of the norm. It's outside of the convention. It's outside of society. It's outside of the institutions. It's, it's out, it's off stage. And so there, there comes this, this, and the sun coming to Pluto. It's almost like it's a death of our reputation or a death of who we 
you know, are in the eyes of other people. And it's the next stage, the next step is to let go of public opinion, to let go of the opinions of other people, to let go of the judgments, to let go of trying to people please and meet all the duties and responsibilities because I have a duty and responsibility to source, to great spirit, to love itself. And that involves you know, a, a true surrender. It's a, it's a higher calling. So Aquarius's friends, groups, and associations, you know, Pluto moving into Aquarius, it's in Aquarius until September 1st, goes up to two degrees, six minutes. Then it goes retrograde and it goes back into Capricorn until like November 16th. And then it comes back into Aquarius and is there for 20 years. We are on the cusp. We are on the threshold. We are making a transition. It's time to let go of the past, old forms of security, old relationships that maybe used to support us, used to compliment us, people who used to understand us. But it's time for new friends. It's time for new like-minded souls, new associations. It's, it's, it's embracing the future. And this is not always like, like I, I like to say, the, the flock of birds doesn't like Jonathan Livingston Siegel flying away. Okay, the flock of sheep you know, don't like a, a sheep running away. You know, the clan doesn't really like people. The family doesn't like, you know, uh, you know, uh, their their daughter eloping with some stranger, <laughs> or it, it's like you know what clans, groups, families, tribes they 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 like to hold on to us. <laughs> this process of individuation is a rebellion against all you know any form of constriction or contraction. That inhibits my process of individuation. So in some way, shape, or form, guess what? When it comes to this process of individuation, you are going to let people down. It's inevitable. (laughs) Because people don't want you to change. Because when you change... It's like, okay, well, then they need to like, wait a minute, who are, wait, I want you back the way you, don't go change in. Who's that? That's another song, but that's for another day. Aries, the 28th degree, the symbol for the moon square the sun. Today, that Sabian symbol is a large audience confronts the performer who disappointed its expectations. Dun, 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 dun. You ever try and fail? You know, the fear of failure is a huge fear for very many people. I know it is for me. The keynote, the necessity for mature preparation and self-criticism. 
We see here the tangible results of the situation evoked by the two preceding symbols. Great hopes, excited expectations cannot be sustained. The last symbol reveals the performer's state of consciousness. In this one, he is actually made fully aware of having promised to the many elements of his own personality, as well as perhaps to other human beings, more than he was able to deliver. Have, have you ever done that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jupiter coming up to Uranus uh, these next couple of months, we all have to watch out for that. Promising more than we can deliver. Ah! It's like you want to do it? You know, Venus square Neptune? It's like I imagined myself, I dreamed myself, I saw myself doing it, but guess what? You know, you're just not there. <laughs> oh, God. The issue is how to handle this situation. In one form or another, it is an often recurring situation in the life of an individual person. The manner in which it is met determines the individual's future possibilities of development and achievement. In this stage of the sequence, what's implied is the need to be more than obsessed by potentiality and subjectively involved in the use of new powers. The objective results, Capricorn, have to be considered what this use will do. The individual is not alone concerned. For in a sense, mankind as a whole will be affected. What is required, therefore, is an objective inclusiveness of the whole environment. Thus, a sense of, and he's got it in capital letters, responsibility for what one's actions will produce in people who have been made to expect significant results. <laughs> this is so perfect. <laughs> I have to give a personal example. I don't know if you signed up for the astrology of 2024, but last weekend I gave a three-hour uh, webinar on uh, doing the outer planets to your personal planets. And I ran out of time before I, I was going to do six planets and I only did four and the three hours was up. I disappointed my audience. I mean, this is, this is like such a perfect sapient symbol. <laughs> I just went through this. <laughs> There's nothing like, you know, uh, being exposed as, you know, inadequate or, you know, ill-prepared or unthoughtful or, yeah, it's just like ah, embarrassing and humbling. And ah, so the sun, you know, sun hits Pluto. 
I mean, Christ was crucified on the cross. How embarrassing and humbling is that? You know, to be like, you know, killed in front of other people or whatever. I mean, uh, you know, stoned, you know, in the Old Testament, you know, they would stone people. I mean, it was just like, whoa. It's still going on today. There's just, you know, these, you know, the, there's these points where what you're bringing, what you're offering, who you are, uh, the message that you have, uh, your set of values, uh, what you believe, uh, what is important to you is not going to meet the needs of everyone. You can please some of the people some of the time, but not all of the people all of the time. So I think this week, as the sun comes around, the moon is, you know, waxing, waxing, waxing. We're going to have this full moon, you know, coming up next week. I will be talking about that full moon. And, you know, that is going to be at five degrees of Leo, the lion. So this transition is one of breaking away from the norm, from the conventional, being eccentric, unusual, bizarre, following a higher calling, listening to the inner guidance, come hell or high water, come applause, tomatoes, rice, rebellion. No, 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 no. I'm... I am Siddhartha. I am going off. Yes, I'm letting go of the throne. I'm letting go of father's expectations. I'm, I'm letting go of, you know, the, the demands of, you know, of, you know, of what was expected of me. And, you know, and I'm off to find enlightenment. So this is what I came up with now for, you know, this week's mantra. And that is, as I step into my power, Transform and let go of my fear. I will be challenged, supported, or rejected by those I hold near and dear. This is a time... I suggest you state your truth, you expose your truth, you shine your light, you stand in your power, you shed your skin, you become vulnerable, you you share your authentic self, and you're going to find out who your friends are. <laughs> you're going to find out who really loves you. <laughs> and I'm not saying that those who love you will not challenge you. Yeah, yeah, we can be challenged. That's, you know, that's, that's one thing, right? They, sometimes they challenge us because they love us. They don't, but, but the rejection, <laughs> that's another one. So you get challenged, supported, or rejected. And we can change the order of that, right? Your friends and your true lovers and those like-minded souls that are part of your future and, and you're gonna, you know, create and manifest things together. They're going to support the new you. The snake without its skin. The naked banana. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to support that. 
others. Others are going to check you out. Are you serious? Is this truly your authentic self? Are you bullshitting me? Is this just a whim? Are you... Da, 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 you know, and, and even that can be done out of love. Then you'll get others. I get them on my Pele reports. <laughs> they just challenge, you know, ah, you're full of it. Ah, forget you. Ah, that doesn't make any sense. That's woo-woo. That's da-da-da-da. You're out of integrity, whatever, you know. <laughs> I mean, there's there's even different kinds of challenges. And you can kind of tell, you know, when someone challenges you, is it out of love and is it out of, respect and is it out of you know let's sharpen your sword so that that so that you shine even clearer and more precisely and succinctly i mean you know that's that's constructive criticism is you know is great for developing the theme <laughs> right negative destructive criticism is something that you just want to go okay guess what I see that you're from my past. <laughs> I'm going to put you in my past. <laughs> yeah. And then others will just reject you. You don't have to reject them. They reject you. They save you the time. What we, well, we're at this, in this stage of the evolutionary process, it's not about taking things personally. So if you are rejected, when you show your authentic truth, or where you want to go, or who you want to be, or what you want to bring, and you are rejected, you don't want to, like, you know, let that stop you. Let that, you know, uh, create a bunch of doubt, or fear, or self-questioning, or, no, oh, no, oh, no. It's like if, if someone rejects you, then, you know, basically you could in some ways say that that person is withdrawing their projection that they have projected onto you. See, people project their shadow stuff onto us. And when and, 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 and when they you know when they reject us, it's like, okay, you know, I'm gonna just, you know, I'm gonna project my shadow someplace else. <laughs> so sometimes rejection is really a, a lightening of your load. Not to say that you don't grieve and that there is not sorrow. Uh, you know, this, you know, Venus, Neptune, Neptune is, you know, compassion and, and love and, and Venus is love. And, you know, again, that 270 degree square is even breaking free, breaking out of old ways of love into new, higher frequency spiritually divine tantra where it's 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 union with more than just you know bodies and emotions but now it moves into the soul and we want soul connections with our brothers and sisters it's a, it's 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 a, it's a beautiful stepping off kind of ah and it's this kind of stepping off into the unknown right so speaking of the unknown and stepping off, let me just kind of, uh, if I can stand up a little bit on the edge of the cliff, let me turn this camera around and give you a shot. All right, baby. I, I was 
looking forward to the sunset up here. I don't know if I'm going to stay up here that long. But we found a day without wind. This is all the way down. That beach, I did a paleo report on that beach down there. You can see it. Two weeks ago, I was on that beach. Mm-hmm. We're very down. This is the very tip of Africa. And it keeps going. Let me stand up. Way over yonder is a place I have seen. It's a garden of wisdom from some long ago dream. Maybe tomorrow I'll find my way to the land where the honey runs. Rivers each day make you jump off the cliff of Capricorn into Aquarius. Mm. Namaste, aloha, so much love. the talking stick to you, Richard. Okay. We got a full moon this week, and it looks like it's going to be exact on Thursday, so the effects will certainly be showing up by Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Next Saturday, the moon will be at uh, 4 Virgo, and next Saturday, Mercury conjuncts Mars at 18 Capricorn. So if you've got something at 18 degrees, consider what Mars conjunct Jupiter and they're going to be uh, square Uranus, uh, tri- trine Uranus. Yeah, 18, 18 Capricorn to 20 Taurus is a trine. And Venus will be at 5 Capricorn. 
So that'll be trying Jupiter. So we're going to have a... It's all about the Earth plane this week. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what else? Well, the first part of Aquarius is about contribution. So you can think about your contributions to your family and to your society and maybe some other group or organization. So that's the Aquarius theme is contributions to others. Not the not the personal self. So it looks like a pretty a pretty okay week as far as your home and your uh, your town, as opposed to the global situation, which is much more chaotic. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because it, yeah, Capricorn is uh, all about government stuff and what the elites are doing and what the peon how the peons are getting beat up and you know, they don't they don't care about the peons. They don't care about the peasants. They don't care about the normal working guy, you know. They don't care about the family because they're the elites and they got so much money that they just think they can do whatever they want. They mm-hmm. think they're in charge. But they're mm-hmm. not. Mm. They think they're in charge, but they're not. Mm. And they'll find out the truth of that when their body dies. And then they'll, then they'll find out what the real story is. So, mm. anyway, I wish you all a good week. You try not to freeze. I've had uh, Near record lows over here in the North Georgia mountains. It was six this morning. Nah. It was yeah. six one day last week. And, you know, it's uh, like I went out to get some more firewood around three o'clock. And it was 20. You know, warmest part of the day, it was 20. So. <laughs> But we're and we're not even the midwinter. You know, midwinter isn't until fifteen degrees Aquarius, and we're only at one. So we got two more weeks until midwinter. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Valentine's Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Valentine's Day, midwinter. You know, get a sweetheart and get warm. All right. All right. Take care of yourselves, and let's see. Uh, let's see what Tanya is going to talk about. Maybe she's going to talk about this. Didn't she talk about the full moon last week? I forget. Yeah, she's going to talk about Pluto entering Aquarius along with the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a, that's important. Yes, a, let's it's do it. Give us a, it's going to give us a, a a change of energies. You know, all this. Concentration on the environment, which is an earth sign conversation. And when we go into Aquarius, we should get into better thinking, reasoning. You know, you uh, combine reasoning and logic 
rationality and drop the stuff that doesn't work, you know. Amen. Drop the lying. So much lying going on, it's just, ah, it's terrible. Ah, ah humbug. Ah, humbug. Good night, my friends. <laughs> Good night, Richard. Okay. Pass the talking stick to you, Rolla. Thank you, Richard. Until we meet again. Wealth Astrologist, welcome to Star Codes. This is the podcast where we look at an upcoming event in the celestial realms, the astrology and numerology code for the event in order to navigate it for our highest good. And today we're going to look at a very big event, really the first momentous change in 2024. And that is Pluto re-entering Aquarius, and this time for most of the year. Now, a few things to just remind you of. Pluto is the slowest moving planet because it's the furthest from the sun. It has an elliptical orbit, and it takes about 248 years to move around the zodiac. So when it changes signs... It's a big deal because it stays in every sign for a long time. So in November of this year, November 19th, to be precise, Pluto will be moving out of Capricorn and into Aquarius for 20 years without dipping back in due to the retrogrades. And this will be the final time that Pluto enters Aquarius before dipping back in on September 1st for two and a half months. So it is a really big deal because most of the year it will be in the sign that governs our new age, Aquarius. So it's, again, made even more important. Now, I want you to circle back to right at the start of 2020 when we had that big stellium in Capricorn, which is where Pluto is right now. And that stellium was a 500-year event, if you remember, on January 12, 2020. And it basically involved Pluto and Saturn in Capricorn. Saturn rules Capricorn. And they were joined by the Sun and Mercury, which made it a stellium. A stellium is when three or more light bodies or planets come together. The Sun is a star, so I call it a light body. So... The Sun, Mercury, Pluto, and Saturn were in Saturn's sign of Capricorn. And that hadn't happened in 500 years. And the last time it happened was 500 years prior when Martin Luther broke away from the Catholic Church and started Protestantism in, I think that's the right word, but it, it obviously was a movement away from what was felt as tyranny at the time. So this is an important moment because we started that at the beginning of the decade, that same kind of theme of breaking away. And now that slowest planet, Pluto, the planet of power and transformation, is now leaving that sign of Capricorn. So we'll really be feeling it this year. This is a big deal because Pluto represents 
the purging of the old. And Capricorn is the sign that governs long-standing traditions and structures like corporations and ways of doing things culturally, historically. These structures are being dismantled and Pluto is playing a huge role in doing so. And that process really was kicked into gear in a on a higher level at the beginning of 2020. And we all know what happened at that point. You know, life changed in a dramatic way. So now we're moving Pluto into Aquarius. And each time that Pluto circles around after 248 years and moves into this zodiac sign of Aquarius, the status quo and what is considered both real and established, which is Capricorn, the sign Pluto's leaving, are radically shifted. And the last time Pluto actually changed signs and moved into Aquarius from Capricorn was at the end of the 18th century. So 1778 to 1798, around that time. It takes Pluto some time because of the retrogrades. And that was a time in history when countries around the world were rising up and challenging the ruling authority. So a very similar theme to the Martin Luther event that I described with the stellium. That that was not a changing of the signs, but that was also involving Pluto in Capricorn with Saturn, Sun, and Mercury. Now, these rising up and challenging the ruling authority themes involved major political situations and social revolutions and Aquarius rules Revolutions. Aquarius is about moving into a new paradigm, the future. It actually governs the future. It governs innovation and breaking through into new inventions. And it also governs technology and the ability to use your intelligence to understand at a higher level what it is you need to know in order to move in a very inspired way into the future. So not to be stuck in past ways, but in new ways that you receive through inspiration. So when we look at the moment right now, let's set the stage. On January 11th, we had the Capricorn new moon. This is the sign Pluto is currently in, about to leave. That new moon happened at 20 degrees. Sun and moon next to each other at 20 degrees in Capricorn. Sun and moon, the light bodies, the luminaries, 2020 vision, lighting up what we're seeing, making it clear. We are curious now. We want to know more. We are being set free from not knowing certain things about our history, about how things actually happened or about our personal lives or about our past lives, whatever our our beliefs, whatever we carry with us that was unconscious is being made clear. It's a really big theme and you can look at it in many different levels and understand the importance of it, especially since we have five consecutive new moons at 20 degrees from November to December to January, Capricorn new moon right in the middle, and then two more in February and March. So it's like a big wake up call the 2020 vision seeing lighting the sun and moon the luminaries onto what's right in front of us now january 11th was a big day for this capricorn new moon because 11 is double new beginnings 
And that date in 2024 adds up to another 11, 11 universal dates. So we have the day, the 11th, and then an 11 universal date. That's the 1111 portal, which is all about being so divinely present in the here and now that you have no sense at all about worrying about the future or feeling somehow down or or reminiscent or attached to the past, right? So that's really important because it does show a birth in a big way. And remember that Pluto is changing signs into the very zodiac sign that is now starting a brand new 2000 year age, Aquarius. So it will take longer because it encompasses also a new age. When we look at when the last time was Pluto entered Aquarius, it was in 1778. And so Pluto was at the end of Capricorn in 1776 when the U.S. was created. The U.S. birthday is July 4th, 1776. Pluto was at 27 degrees Capricorn at the very end of Capricorn. And again, now same thing, very end of Capricorn for the first time since 1778. Now it's moving into Aquarius, right? 1778 is when it moved into from Capricorn into Aquarius. So this is the first U.S. Pluto return and that happened last year, 2023. And I'm just going to throw one other return in because this time is so big. The U.S. has another major return by Uranus in 2025, and it'll be the fourth return. And we're going to go into that at another time because the other three are hugely important. What happened in history at that time? So these returns of these slow moving planets happening at the same time will always impact us. And in fact, For the whole world in 2025, we are going to experience all slow moving planets, all six at zero degrees at a sign. They're all changing signs at the same time. Really incredible, huge change and shift. And so 2024, as I keep saying, is a major turning point year. It's really dynamic. So we have the 1111 Capricorn New Moon. That was the first lunation of 2024. So now we have Pluto moving into Aquarius and will be most of the year in that sign. And that will be January 20th in the Americas, January 21st, the rest of the world. And the good news is next year, 2025, Pluto and Uranus will be in an absolutely gorgeous trine which is the most harmonious connection in astrology. It's 120 degrees. They will both be in air signs. Aquarius for Pluto, of course. Uranus will be in Gemini. That will really facilitate the shifts that I was mentioning earlier. So we are now in the final push. We are now in 2024. And Pluto's shift is really signifying the end of a huge, long, epic segment of human history. We're in the Piscean age, moving into the Aquarian age at this time. We've been ruled by Neptune, which caused a lot of spiritual awakening, creativity, arts, all of that, but also a lot of illusion and delusion at the same time, and also victimization, which are the shadow side of of Pisces. Now we're moving into that Aquarian age, and Pluto, the 
the, the furthest out planet, right? The planet that takes the longest to go around the zodiac is saying, hi, Aquarius, I'm moving in just as you're changing. And I want to make sure that we're dismantling the old paradigms, beliefs, everything, you know, the, the hardest stuff to dismantle really is what, what you believe. And so Pluto's absolutely accomplishing that right now. Uh, it is a big deal. This is why with previous Plutos entering into Aquarius, belief systems were shifted, like the breakaway from the Catholic Church. That is a belief system that was radically shifted at that time. You can imagine there was no internet. There barely were even books that people read. It literally was a spiritual, deep movement that happened back then. So Pluto represents power, but the highest power is directly aligned with love. The inner empowerment that you feel from within is directly correlated to the compassion that you have for others. God is love, and the more compassion you have, the greater you feel in terms of your inner empowerment, your inner confidence, your ability to lead from the heart. And this is the shift that's happening now. The Piscean age is about unconditional love and we're coming to the end of it. And next year, Neptune actually leaves its own sign of Pisces. Neptune happens to be in Pisces right now as well, which is incredible. As Pluto enters Aquarius, the next age, Neptune is in Pisces, the age we're leaving. Neptune rules Pisces. This is huge stuff. It's like epic astrology here. So the highest expression of Pisces is unconditional love and compassion for others. And so, again, you feel empowered through compassion, and that is needed because we are in a battle now between the old and the new. I'm sure you feel it. It's like a frequency battle. So we want to step up, and the way we step up is through compassion and action. We're in an eight universal year in 2024 that does require action. Eight is the infinity number. It reminds you, you have infinite resources at your disposal. You're waking up to that and stepping up to do things brings change. And with compassion, that is accomplished in the most beautiful way. With aggression, it is incredibly difficult to move through the change. And so here is the biggest takeaway really in terms of how important this moment is with Pluto moving into Aquarius. Well, the sun, bringer of light, bringer of life, moves into Aquarius at the exact time that Pluto moves into Aquarius. The sun enters on January 20th, Aquarius at zero degrees. Pluto enters Aquarius at zero degrees at that same moment. No matter where you live on Earth, this is happening the same time. This is huge. This is a zero point moment. This is about life. And action, the sun is action, being filled with strength, being filled with confidence, knowing that it's a time that's been destined, right? How how else can you plan this? This is divinely planned for the sun and Pluto to be married to each other and join and move through into the Aquarian age, into Aquarius. So your greatest power, or you could call it a superpower, is to acknowledge what is going on in front of you without joining it. Being able to feel peace and to be able to transcend conflict by harmonizing it in yourself and others, 
this is how you free up energy to feel love, to feel oneness. So you are able to transcend fear, to transcend conflict, to transcend guilt by seeing it for what it is and remembering that you're far more than those lower vibrations. They create a sense of lack in you. They make you feel like you have limited resources. They make you feel separate. And so this is disempowerment, right? You don't want to feel that. So as the fear-based programming loses its impact on us, you will be able to compensate more than ever. And by doing that, by seeing it, you will alchemize it. You will alchemize it with joy and alchemize it with love. So elevate your thoughts by being and doing what is good, what is right, and be who you want to see in the world. Be neutral. Stay balanced in the midst of any polarization. And that is being true love. That is being true life, right? The sun rises and it sets no matter what. It You can count on the sun to bring light, to bring life. And for us, it's the same. No matter what is going on, we rise, we shine, and then we rest. And we do the same every day. We don't dim our light to match a lower frequency. We resonate with our heart no matter what frequency shows up. Never dim, never lower your frequency in order to fit in or fulfill someone else's expectations, right? That is being separate from your heart. That is truly what the separation means. That means also you feel a sense of lack, like you should be somehow accepted on a lower level when it truly is not what the situation needs. The situation always requires and needs you at your highest vibrational level. And that can mean keeping silent. That can mean not speaking. That can mean a very important spiritual practice, which is to keep quiet. Keeping silence, even if it's just for a few seconds or a few minutes, is a really time-honored practice in many spiritual realms. That's because when you use your voice to say anything, it actually reinforces what you're thinking about. So vocalizing your thoughts internalizes and assimilates them. And whenever you stop yourself from saying something, you, and these are things you would ordinarily respond with. So you don't actually do the ordinary, this is how I usually respond, but you actually are silent. You're literally making a choice consciously to extinguish a thought before you speak it. And over time, you're going to weaken that incessant thought stream and minimize its potency on you because you are keeping silent for a few seconds and then deciding, do I actually need to speak these words? In fact, keeping silence for a few seconds before you speak at all is usually recommended because it will allow you to make your interactions 
go even deeper. They are more meaningful when they are preceded by silence. If you listen to beautiful music, there are rests in that music. And those rests are just as meaningful, just as powerful, even more so, because they actually lay the foundation for what's to come. It's like when you hear noise or sound all the time, it's very hard to go within. You can't hear your inner voice due to the other interference. So sound is very powerful. And this year, you will find it to be even more important during this eight universal year. And remember the 1111 first lunation in Capricorn, the new moon. 1111 is double new beginnings, doubled up. New moon is also new beginnings. 11 is also about intuition, silence, psychic awareness, which requires you to not speak, to listen. So listening is a big theme as well. There's a lot that is happening, as you can see, and we are all equipped to move through this energy in a beautiful way. In fact, the opportunities are greater than ever when you stay true to your heart and listen and not interfere or lower your energy in order to fit in, right? When you know something doesn't feel right, it's very important to listen now. And then to investigate, if need be, to understand why you might be feeling something but don't have the context. So to support this awakening, which is ongoing and intensifying, I do have a free masterclass. And it's something that I really feel will help you because it is there to help you take your power back. And you can watch it at spiritualmasteryclass.com. Again, it's free and it covers the secret to spiritual mastery. So important right now. We go into the secrets of your rising sign and the difference between individuality and uniqueness, which is a huge theme for Aquarius. Major theme, especially with Pluto moving in now. We look at your natal sun and natal moon's profound impact on living in a, a life of abundance a life of leadership, a life of joy, of peace, big themes for 2024. And you will also discover how to instantly connect with source, with spirit, and a lot more secret tools. So enjoy that free masterclass at spiritualmasteryclass.com. Have a beautiful Pluto in Aquarius day. Know that All is well, all is good, goodness always shall prevail, and you are truly remarkable. I wish you all the best, and I'll see you in next week's Star Codes podcast. Lots of love. give us our our points of going to the next oh the phone number is 720-716-7301 
And the pin code is 353863-POUND. Okay, you want to say that one more time, honey. 720-716-7301. And the pin code is 353863-POUND. Okay. And so it is, and we will see you there. And then we'll be right back here at BBS Radio, best radio in the neighborhood, wherever you live, (laughs) Um, on the top of the next hour. And then we're going to do some more navigating of the the, uh, spiritually uh, enlightening energies. going to do something called childhood's pure potential what would it take to ensure that incoming generations follow mother nature's path i think that would be a very good idea and then we're going to cover the emmys there are some important statements and when you have millions of people watching something like that and they make important statements significant statements that's worth a lot. All right. So, all right. Uh, see you there, everybody. Namaste for now from here. That was a group from Mongolia. <laughs> okay. Welcome back. Did you wake up now? Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to say the name, like Rama mentioned it, we were talking about the Philadelphia Experiment. That was the name of that film, that the Montauk uh, yeah. situation, uh, and the ship not disappearing, and bringing the, pe- bringing the people on the ship back so they wouldn't uh, be gone forever in the ship, too. And the other one, Communion, was about something that happened in uh, in uh, actually a- Arizona. Whitley uh, Strieber. Whitley Strieber. Whitley Strieber. He right. was uh, uh, taken up by the Grays, and uh, they put a little implant in his inner ear. He actually went on George Nury, um Art Bell when he was. Uh, Still here, talked about this. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and the doctors tried to take the implant out, and it moved into his inner ear. They wouldn't. He they, wouldn't allow the doctors to get a hold of it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was. And sentient. they had to give it up. Yeah. But there was another thing we watched. Uh, it was a called the the. the it was about the Wizard of Oz, and oh. uh, they, uh, oh, Tin Man, Tin Man, yeah. Uh, or was that what it was? But they were up in South North Dakota, the the North, no, the South East corner of North Dakota, and all these people had implants. And they went to... Oh, the movie uh, Taken. Taken, that's what it was. Yeah. Taken, the movie. Steven Spielberg made that. Yeah, and all of these people's implants fell out of their noses. And yeah, this little it, girl. That little uh, girl, Ollie, them. helped them. Yeah, yeah. Allie. Allie. 
I mean, mm. now, I mean, the reason we're bringing all this stuff up, this is like abnormal stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, they're getting into it much, a lot more right now. But, yeah. uh, and I, uh, anyway, we live in very interesting times. We're going to take, take a little watch of this piece. It's a half an hour. Oh, I get it. And, yeah, I'll read it, Rama. Oh. It's time to get to the next thing, but... um. Okay. Childhood's pure potential. Let me get there with that one. Okay. And uh, this is called... Uh, this is the one I brought up a little. Superpower, ignite your intuitive intelligence. What would it take to ensure that incoming generations follow Mother Nature's path of least resistance. Hmm. What kind of a world might we be in now as we all listened to our intuition? As we reconsider how we raise our children, we change how we see them, respect them, and support them for their Hmm. souls to thrive. This is all these interesting BB people will be on there. Miranda Alcott, Bila Consulini, Dr. Jude Curavan, Brenda Dune, Nicola Farmer, Dr. Joe Gallenberger, Freya Joyner, Irvin Lazio. What's that noise? You don't hear it? Anyway, there you go. (laughs) Nikki Leggett, Claire Maloney, Evie Maloney, and David Suavich. Yeah, I'm getting there. Things are kind of hopping around. He's getting there, everybody. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll just read Kate's line one time. That's kind of weird. Where is it? (laughs) Where is it? (laughs) There it is. As I step into my power, transform and let go of my fear I will be challenged supported or rejected by those I hold near and dear want to know what's going on this year yeah go to uh, anyway yes um, I'm ready all right you're ready uh, all right, that's astrology for the soul. That, would you go to astrologyforthesoul.com? Uh, go to YouTube and type in astrologyforthesoul.com. All right. All right, so this is a half hour. Let's get childhood's pure potential.
have generation after generation who actually are being who their parents were. And it doesn't matter how much you make a pact not to be like your mother, not to be like your father. They're your primary teachers in life. If we allow the children to be guided by their hearts, which is the unity consciousness, they will guide the world. I suspect actually it's it's fairly common. It's just I think most kids, if they have my experiences, might have shared them with other people and been told, don't be silly. You know, it's just your imagination. It's nonsense. I had the great benefit of not sharing my experiences <laughs> with anybody else until I was an adult. And that wasn't because I was scared of what people might actually say. It was more I was having such a good time. <laughs> And those experiences were experiences of communication with um, beings from other realms, multidimensional experiences. So things like precognitive dreams, telepathy, clairaudience, uh, remote viewing, many synchronicities, and a lot of validation of, of insight and information that came through those experiences that really helped me keep on that path of exploration and curiosity that's continued to this day. When I was three years old, I was out in the garden, a little patio where my parents lived, and I was playing with ladybugs. I love the ladybugs because they would play with me and they would talk to me and they would just do simple things like they would come closer to me I found them very comforting. So one day I was out there and my mom came out and said, you need to come in the house and change your clothes. No, I'm playing with my ladybug friends. Why would I do that? I told the ladybugs, I'm not going in. I'm going to stay here. And the ladybugs said, you need to go in. (laughs) And I said, why? And they said, Because someone is coming that's important for you to meet. It's like it's an adult thing. And they said again, you need to go in. Sure enough, my great aunt and uncle showed up. I'd never met them before. And my great aunt was amazing. She was the first person who spoke to me as an adult. Miranda, it is so nice to meet you. And I brought you a present and tell me what your life is like. I mean, she just, she was right there. It was so healing for me because I was not used to someone talking to me level to level. And that, that changed my life because it gave me validity especially in an area of A, the ladybugs told me, and B, here's a person saying, yep, I'm here to see you at three years old. That was just important, so important. My parents, 
I would share these things with them and they'd go, honey, that's really great, but let's just keep it in the house. You know, now that was great because it let me know that the house was safe, but outside of the house, it was not. And that was something that served me for years, years to come. We're born with it. It's a part of us. It's been trained out of us from yay big. Uh, When we learn language, when we go to school, when we are told, oh, it was just a dream, don't worry about it. It's just an imaginary friend, you know. Hey, imaginary friends are very important. I used to set the table for my son's imaginary friend. My husband used to think I was out of my mind. And I said, hey, what difference does it make if there's an extra plate on the table? You know, come on. The way Western education and Western religion tended to raise most of us was to deny our own internal intuition and our own deep validity and say that they had the wisdom and the and the answers listened to us. So we learned in school mainly by rote and spitting back facts. In many churches I'm aware of, if you began to question, they might say that's a sin of pride, etc. You need to follow this book. So we were taught often to distrust our internal sense. We can also have trouble when the cultural itself has a false persona. So mommy and daddy are tense with each other, but they're not saying anything. They don't express anger in that family. And the kid comes and says, mommy, daddy, what's wrong? And they say nothing. Okay. You learn to distrust because you love your parents and uh, you learn to distrust your own inner vibe. Uh, with that first nothing. They think they're doing you a favor to keep you from adult conflicts that you don't need to know about, that there's financial problems or whatever. But what you learn is, I know there's something. That's my internal truth, and I've been told there's nothing. And we start to distrust that. School will sit there and go, oh, the best thing for me now is to get up and run. And they say, sit down and recess is an hour. We distrust our own bodies, sense that we would probably learn better right now if we were active for five minutes. We could come back and concentrate. But instead, we're taught we know best. And since we are beings that love to be loved and love to be accepted, and in fact, if we're ostracized from the tribe, we may die. You know, babies have failure to thrive when they're not touched and that we need to um, really pay attention to those signals. Are we in line with our tribe or not? And our tribe for many years has been teaching many things that uh, may cause us to distrust our intuition. The teachers, the educational authorities need to understand that these children are predominantly right brained. So they need to be nurtured through creativity through through every aspect of creativity. Yes, I understand that they need the basics of maths and English or whatever language they speak. But when they're nurtured and they're taught through creativity, then their, their right brains become more expanded and they will function better from that aspect than the left brain. Because the right brain is the creative, intuitive female side, where the left brain is the masculine, uh, logical, analytical side. The more the children are forced into the left brain, the quicker the ego begins to to um, come forward. 
And then they go into all the negative aspects of the ego and they're nurtured then through fear, doubt, worry and anxiety. Can you imagine if every child on this planet was nurtured through their right brain, creative and intuitive? There would be practically no illnesses. There would be um, uh, harmony. There would be equilibrium. And this planet would move back into the dimensions it needs to be in so quickly. So I see you as inspiring children universally. Right, come and have a seat. We take the children through 10 or 12 week um, sessions to enable them to connect with their outer consciousness and be able to function in a, in a different way where they can see, um, write, play, read, draw, um, all sorts of things without the use of their physical eyes. Blindfolds on then. That's it, good girls. We blindfold the children and we get them to see with uh, a whole different aspect of themselves. Okay, so you've got some copper wire and you're going to make um, a headband. All right, so here are all your beads. So you can reach into the centre, hopefully. We normally see them after a school day, unless they're homeschooled. So they would come for an hour after school. And we take them through the what we call the opening process to align them with their outer consciousness. And we take them through the process to see. So we encourage them to use the light within them, which effectively is their outer consciousness, but we're bringing it from inside out. This is getting a bit easier. That's good. Let me make one thing perfectly clear. These children are not using their third eye. When you block out all light to the eyes, the pineal gland, which is the third eye, temporarily closes down. So we're not using the third eye in any shape or form. When they align with their outer energy, if we liken it to their spirit standing over their shoulder and then transmits that information via the brain, that's the simplest form of helping people to understand what is happening. That's it. Got enough to do it. I see you're doing well. Bring it round to the middle. The brain has to go through some form of recalibration, almost as though the neuro pathways have to be realigned because the eyes aren't functioning and yet the child is doing something that the eyes would normally be partaking in. When those neuro pathways are formed, that is the beginning of the balance between the left and the right brain. Some children say it's like looking through a tiny pinhole. Some people, some children say it's like looking through a tunnel. Some children can see from both sides. Some children can see behind them. But what we, we do know is that they have the potential to see out of any cell in their body. Freya, that's really clever. You right there, Bella? Yep. A couple of the, the basics that we do throughout the session is we never, ever say no to the children in a session. Because the minute you say no, they're going to be triggered by their left brain. Yeah, they're nice. Purple one. When we're working with them, we work very fast so that their left brain doesn't have time to be a part of the process. And when we work fast with them, we get really good results. Trust me, doing an hour session with a child as a teacher, you feel like you need to lay down for three hours afterwards. <laughs> because you have to be on high alert on every level of your consciousness while you're working with them. Because actually when they're working in, in that level, 
they could outwit you easily. They have this pure energy because they're younger. They haven't been conditioned or programmed in certain ways. So as a teacher, you have to have your wits about you. You have to be sharp. You have to be alert. Um, you have to have eyes in every cell of your body while you're watching them so that they um, don't wrap you up in tape. <laughs> now, we're going to choose a book and we're going to pass it around the table and we're going to read a page each. So let's choose this one. Okay, Freya, tell us the name of the book. Listening with my heart good girl okay so open it to the first part of the story today was the glass play yeah waiting for mama to walk with her to school yes she paced back and forth when she spotted a heart-shaped rock excellent okay bella your turn Spirizana picked it up and showed it to her mama as soon as she stepped outside i see you found a little treasure said mama yeah good girl Spirizana rubbed its rough surface and felt a twinkle of joy maybe it's a sign for what asked mama she thought about the class play later that afternoon wondering what it would finally be like in the spotlight to put my heart into everything I do, she answered. Good girl. At that moment, they heard scratching and a soft cry. Good girl. Experiencer peeked under the stairs and spotted a kitty shaking and shivering. Her mama in sight. She scooped the kitten onto her lap and cuddled her. She's all alone. I think she's hungry. Esperza reached for her lunch bag pinched off a piece of chicken and offered it to the kitty who gobbled it up good girl well done even when they come for their first session and we ask them to put a blindfold on they don't ask why if i had an adult here and i said right we're going to put this blindfold on and they look at it and they see two little white pads inside the blindfold they'd want to know what the white pads are for so the children don't ask questions and that's the other thing we never, ever do in a session. We never ask them a question. Because the minute you have a question mark at the end of a, of a sentence, they have to answer it with their left brain. So we avoid the left brain at all costs. So instead of saying, um, what do you see on the page? We would say to them, tell me what you see on the page. So we command them with love rather than ask them a question. Tell us what you see on the page as well this time. Um, um kitten a lady with a star good girl can we keep cleo catra yes please i've always had a really strong intuition it's always been there it's helped me throughout life esperanza yeah good girl there was something inside me that knew that um my girls had to do this there was just a voice inside me it was like you know, take the blinkers off, you know, not all is what it seems. Um, go for it, go for it. What what harm could it do? Um, and that was stronger than the, the sceptical part of me. And on the other side? A boy. Yeah. With a soccer ball. Yeah. Some trees. Good girl. Um, bushes. Yes. Bench. Yeah. Bin. Wonderful. Let's have a read then. At school, Esperanza was more focused on the play. It's not about the seeing with the blindfold. That's kind of like the icing on the cake. Awaited her cue. Good girl. Well done. Pass it on to Evie. My twins did it first. They're now 15. 
and I have another daughter who's here today uh, doing ICU, Evie. She's 10 and she started about two years ago. Is that a bush or a tree? Yes, it looks like it. Oh, a tree? Yes. Flowers? Yes. A girl? That's right. A star? Tell me the colour of the, the rainbows. Point to the colours and tell me. Red? Yes. Orange? Yes. Yellow? Good. Green? Yes. Blue? Good girl, well done. Let's read then. Esperanza walked on stage, tripped as she was about to say her first line, and splattered across the stage. Oh my goodness. It can boost their self-confidence, it's very, very healing, their self-worth. I mean, they grew so much when they when they was doing this, and they're still growing now. All eyes were glued to her. She wished, she wished as... She wished she, she, she could disappear. Good girl, well done. Excellent. Good girls. My daughter was struck down with a, an illness. They told us that she had ME, which I think is also, they call it chronic fatigue syndrome as well. So it, they, it has the two different names. They said that they had no cure for her and that there was nothing they could do for her. So obviously as a mother, like this motherly instinct was like, well, hang on a minute. She's 10 years old. Like you can't say this to me. This is not, this can't be true. We went for about a year and a half to two years with the Jess. Just she just got worse and worse. Her illness progressed and she, in the end, we, she was pretty much wheelchair bound. She couldn't get out of bed. We used to carry her backwards and forwards to the bathroom and, you know, just, um, a mother's worst nightmare or any parent's worst nightmare for their child and um, I used to run a group at home and this particular day a new lady came into this group and she her name was Karen and she came became good friends with Jess because Jess couldn't go to school she didn't go to school for two years Karen was the one who taught ICU and she said one day out of the blue I teach this program called ICU. I don't, you, I don't know if you've heard of it, but I hadn't. Um, she said, I think that this might help Jess. And Jess instantly said, yes, please, I'd love to try it. And um, that was where the ICU started to be born, like in our home. At that time, if ever we went out, she was in a wheelchair. And within probably four months, I can remember throwing the wheelchair in the rubbish. I was like, oh, my, I never thought I'd see this day. So... I would stay from the start of the ICU where it felt impossible. It was just like I had to give up all work and everything I was doing. My life became around just supporting Jess through this illness to six months later, our little one just being full of life and, and, and back to, to normality, whatever that might be. It was life changing, life changing for Jess, life changing for our family, life changing for for me, for all of the people around us, because the ICU saved her, basically. Okay, so girls, I'm going to hold a card up, and I'll hold it up for you, and what you're going to do is draw what you see on the card. Okay. Ready? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. let's go. If we look at an abused child and we look at an angry child because they're out of alignment, the reactions are very much the same. The child that has been forced to contract its energy through possibly abuse or the child that doesn't feel like it belongs, even though it's in a family, a very loving family, 
the, the fundamental things that are the same is the contracted energy field and the frustration that builds up inside of them. If they can't express the energy that builds up inside of them, then it's like a little time bomb waiting to go off. I work with autistic children and, oh boy, they are so high vibrational. If you have a lamp that can only take a 30 watt light bulb, if you try to put a 120 watt light bulb into that lamp, it's going to blow. Well, we're looking at these children being a 120 watt light bulb being fitted into a body that can only take a 30. So they're hyper. They're, they're, they express themselves in certain ways. And then they're given medication to numb them down. So all of the energy that they are is building up inside of them. And then they just need to explode. When they become that frustrated, that angry, the energy field gets closer and closer to them. So they can barely breathe. Nice picture, Evie. I should have probably done the yellow first before That's I That's okay. That. You're doing really well. Once the children start school and go through the education system, then we're looking at a numbing of their vibration. The education system just doesn't suit them anymore. Um, it's, it's antiquated in, in every aspect. Good girl. That's it. going to colour it in, Bella. When Jess was ill, she didn't go to school at all. And then when she recovered, we put her back into the school. And I think she was in there for about a month. And she just did not fit into this this almost she would come home and say, my God, mom, the school, it's like a prison. Like, uh, because she's found this freedom inside. She's found the truth of who she is. And she knows that that isn't going to be found there. The school comes from many years of conditioning and it, we're teaching children to fit into a society that isn't and it, and it isn't of its natural state. We're teaching children to be something that they're not supposed to be. Children are open. Children live in a miraculous world. But this is a miraculous world, and we've got to learn in it. Just like artists do, continue to live. I think a great artist remains a child in that sense. You don't lose that sense of wonder. Just to quote Einstein, who said so many wonderful things. He said, there are two ways to live your life. Either as if everything is a miracle, or as if nothing is. Fantastic. What makes us dismiss our own superpowers is the feeling that they're not real unless they are validated in the eyes of somebody who represents the power structure, who will say, what is the value of that? Prove that to me. Explain it to me. We don't realize that by entering into that dialogue, we've already given the power away. We have no way to win that conversation. The correct response to that conversation is the tone in which you're approaching me makes it impossible for me to develop. So unless you can approach me more sensitively, then I can't engage with you. Next card. Oh, oh, that's just a smile. I think it was their fifth session and Amber, the first twin, she started to see, which was amazing, absolutely amazing. I remember driving her home um, and she was showing me all the numbers on the doors um, from the car window and it was just such an excitement. And in her excitement, um, Abby, uh, she began to see as well, which was absolutely amazing. And you can imagine identical twins together with the with the blindfolds on. It was fantastic. It takes forever just to colour on these pointy bits. They were seen for a couple of days and then a sceptic who they were very close to, she started questioning. She um, shut down one twin. She, she 
the first twin, she um, she started to question it and it kind of shut down her energy. And when her energy shut down, um, the other twin's energy shut down. Um, and then they both didn't see after that. We had a little girl that was reading, but her father was a complete sceptic. So this particular day, he bought his daughter for her session. And this was with another one of the ICU teachers. And she was sitting at the table reading. And her father was sitting in the chair behind her quite a way back. And I think his curiosity must have got the better of him because he started to walk towards her to see what she was actually doing. And the little girl said to the teacher, my vision's gone. So the teacher... um beckoned the father to move away and as he moved away her reading vision came back so we know that the energy of a negative person can shut the children down and we also know that it has the potential for them never to be aligned with that level of consciousness again you kind of think oh what a disappointment but it really wasn't it really wasn't a disappointment for instance amber she's the top in her school for history she's um she's got a real talent for history um and and abby she she loves um art she gets lost in her art amber she she says you know oh, we we we're going to see this person today and, and there's this person like we see this person without her even knowing or this song's going to come on the radio it comes on the radio you know it's amazing <laughs> We are aligning them with their true aspect. We're aligning them with their consciousness. And and they're keeping that. They're moving through education with so much grace and ease. They're, they're moving through life. They're expanding even more. And what we're finding is that they're not just going through changes in their own lives. They're facilitating changes in their families' lives, in the community. The society and the way things are is that they're teaching the children that for your happiness and for your, your peace and your joy, you have to go outside. Like you have to, you have to look out there because it's out there. It's out there in the bags. It's out there in the, the Louis Vuitton fake bag. It's out there in the, the lipsticks and the makeup and the hair and what you look like and this, that and the other. And for Jess, the profoundness of Jessie, she found it in here. And so none of that makes any sense. She can still enjoy these things on the outside, but when it comes from a different place, when it isn't coming from a fit, from fear or from a need to fit in or from a low self-esteem. I need the black. Find the black. Yeah. It seems we're taking them back to their energy when they were born, but they're now five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's amazing to watch. It's amazing to take them through such a program that, they keep their true essence. Wait, how? So I'm shadowing Freya's picture because although she's got a blindfold on, the sun's shining on the page and it's too bright. So her vision is super sharp at the moment with the brightness. It just amazes me. With Evie, she's into making these like cartoon videos. been a character in a dark room and she's she's turned the room into light I mean 
this is amazing. Their consciousness opens up so much. All our children need is to be nurtured in such a way that they can stay in an expanded field through love. I feel very strongly that the parents need to understand who their child is energetically rather than just as a boy or a girl, a son or a daughter. Evie. Because they're not just a human being, they're a spirit, they're a soul, they're a light. Put yourself in your daughter's shoes. When you tell her that she's doing something wrong, how often do you tell her why? (laughs) Do you educate her in those ways? There's a very fine line as a parent as to how much you protect your child and how much you set them free. (laughs) Everybody's individual, every personality is individual. It's an art in itself as a parent to know how much you give and how much you protect. I asked Evie when she was doing this, wow, Evie, this is amazing. This is fantastic. I mean, how do you feel doing this? She said, mummy, any child can do this. Any child can do it. It's like riding a bike to them. (laughs) The truth is that we are all consciousness it's not just half of us were that and half of us were not like every single one is so if it's cultivated in the right way we have a planet of awakened beings honor them understand them listen to them and be at one with them I will just take us now to the uh, 75th Primetime Emmy Awards. They were aired on the 15th, which was last Monday. Uh huh. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting, and a uh, number of people had some important things to say. So uh, we will do that. We'll skip over the uh, commercials, and then when we get to the end, we'll see what time there is left. So here we go.
for MLK Day. You know? I love television. And tonight we celebrate 75 years of Emmys. We're going to commemorate the greatest shows of today while paying tribute to some of the iconic series that mean so much to us. Simply put, television has shaped the world, and more importantly, it shaped me. Now, I have learned a great deal about life from my mother. She taught me everything I know. But I also learned a lot from the television shows that I watched growing up. I watched in my living room. It was just me, my TV, my piano, and a small, local, diverse, and inclusive choir from Compton. <laughs> yeah, you're probably wondering why I have the white dude in the choir. <laughs> Fun fact, Kevin Costner is from Compton. I wonder if he was a prick or blood. <laughs> Who knows? Yellowstone! All right. Anyway, from this great series brought to television by Mike Evans, Eric Monty, and Norman Lear, I learned about the importance of family, a dynamite catchphrase, and spinoff money. <laughs> no good times, no blackish, no grownish, no mixedish, none of that ish. to the cookout. All right, now, TV gave me my first crush. I was watching The Facts of Life when a, a beautiful girl with pigtails skated across my TV and stole my heart. I love you, Tootie. <laughs> but then, <laughs> I realized that Tootie wouldn't really understand me. I needed someone grown and more refined. And there she was. Mrs. Gap. Mm -hmm. Now she could teach me the facts of life.
kidding, man. Uh, you missed the first one, the second one. All right. But let's get into it, everybody. Tonight is a celebration that we're all honoring. The best of the actors, the best of the writers, and the best of directors, and the shows that kept us glued to the two. Tonight, we're giving out 27 awards. That means 27 acceptance speeches. So, I'd like to ask you all to keep those speeches tight. Now, normally on award shows, we do what's called playoff music, which everyone tends to ignore. Well, this year, I've got something that nobody can ignore. My mama. Now, tonight, my mama... to be the Emmy's playoff mama. Now, when you see my mama coming, just thank Jesus and your family and wrap it up. And I don't want nobody to get disrespectful with my mama because my mama is from the west side of Chicago and she can't throw them hands. See what I mean? See what I mean? My mama don't play. Well, you've all been warned. Now, our first presenter made her television debut at the age of one. Now, think about it. While I grew up watching TV, she grew up on TV. She's an Emmy winner and a nominee again tonight. It is my honor to introduce Christina Applegate. from Married with Children. Um, we, don't, we don't have to applaud every time I do something. Um, or Samantha from Samantha Who, or probably maybe my last job from Jen Harding from Dead to Me. Thank you. But very few of you probably know me from that debut. I'm going to cry more than I've been crying. Baby Bert Grizzle on Days of Our Lives. It was really a breakup role. Is there a picture? Oh, look at that. Look at that. I, I, I think I've been canceled. Um, anyway, it's been an honor to play funny, flawed, complex characters like the women nominated for supporting actress in a comedy series. Alex Morstein, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Ohio Adebri, the band, Janelle James, Abbott Elementary, Cheryl Lee Rowe, Abbott Elementary, Juno Temple, Ted Yes, 
Coração, Anna Waddingham, Ted Lasso, Jessica Williams, Shrinking. And the Emmy goes to Io, get your ass up here. that have withstood the test of time. And now, oh, come on. Please welcome the legend who not only blazed a trail for me, but for all of us, for so many other women on television, a seven-time Emmy winner who brought home her latest Emmy for a week ago for Outstanding Variety Special. Here is the legendary Carol Burnett. enough to be the first female host of a comedy variety show from 1967 to 1978, 11 years, and that was a long time ago. And I, I just want to say that a lot has changed in the last 46 years for the better. Progress has been made, and it, oh, it truly warms my heart to see how well men are doing in comedy now. <laughs> Good. And now, here are the nominees for a lead actress in a comedy series. Christina Applegate, Deadly, Rachel Brosnahan, The Marvelous Women. 
Jennifer Coolidge, the White Lotus, Elizabeth Debicki, the Crown, Nathan Sagey, the White Lotus, Sabrina Ibachitone, the White Lotus, Aubrey Plaza, the White Lotus, Ray Seahorn, Benadol Song, Jay Smith Cameron, Succession, Simona Tabasco, the White Lotus. Jennifer Coolidge.
Avengers Skarsgård. And the Emmy goes to Matthew McFadyen for Succession. Succession family, um, directors, writers, producers, cast and crew, our peerless crew, uh, every department, often unsung, always brilliant. Um, I must, our stellar cast, I must make special mention to um, my on-screen wife, Sarah Snook, uh, and my other on-screen wife, Nicholas Braun. Um, Acting with you has been one of the most wonderful things in my career. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Sarah. It's been a joy. Thank you to my actual wife, Keely, and my love and my best friends for being here. Maggie Miles and Ralph, I love you. I'll see you soon. Thank you very much. It's a great honor. Thank you. Outstanding supporting and lead actor in a comedy series are next. Plus, the casts of Cheers and Martin reunite. Keep watching the Emmys on Fox. Please welcome Emmy winners John Cryer and Holland Taylor. Like a good bra, a supporting actor makes things look effortless while secretly holding up the whole show. Uh, you know, Mom, I, uh, I actually won this award, uh, so you could say, you know, I'm a, I'm a good bra. Well, Alan, darling, I don't think I would ever say that. And I certainly hope none of our nominees for supporting actor in a comedy series would either. Anthony Carrigan, Barry, Bill Dunster, Ted Lasso, Brett Goldstein, Ted Lasso, James Marsden, Jerry Dewey, Evan Moss Bagrat, The Bear, Tyler James Williams, Abbott Elementary, Henry Winkler, Barry. And the Emmy goes to Evan Moss Bagrat. Television Academy. Um, I don't know. This is this this job is, is such a gift. It's such a privilege to work with these wonderful actors. 
Um, we have the best crew. We have this incredible Chicago crew, led by our amazing first AD, Duccio Fabri. Uh, um, thank you, Chris Dorr, for trusting me with this part. Thank you, Jeannie Backrack, for making this beautiful group that I get to play with all the time. Um, thank you, Sue Leibman, Chloe Walsh, Stephanie Ritz. Thank you, Brian Nasikoff. I probably would have forgotten to read this if it wasn't for you. Um, Jody Peacock, Michael Mahan. Thank you, Elena. I love you so much. Thank you, Sasha, Miri. All right. See you guys. Thanks. <laughs> With one knucklehead. Okay, no, wait, wait, wait. Paul is it all the way wrong, you guys? I mean, we should have won an Emmy during our run. Just- Bro. Bro. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Right, that would be right. That would be right. Why are they even nominated despite our 132 episodes? What? Wow. Um, um, uh, just our huge ratings and being in syndicated so much that it's a little hard for me to see the 90s spankless version of myself every night. You know what I'm saying, right, Tashina? <laughs> no, I still look good. Wow. That's what we all Hey, 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 hold on. You know, I, I want to thank you guys for your contribution to television. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but, uh, unlike me, or like me, uh, for the last 11 times, you're not going to get an Emmy. What you mean? You're not. Why? Mm. That kind of sucks. Yeah. No, no, he tricking us. He tricking us. He tricking us. Go ahead. Keep, keep going. Keep going. Okay. Well, you know what? It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> you know, I'm just excited to be here on the Emmy stage. With this tremendous cast of the Martin Show. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to present the next next award are the nominees for lead actor in a comedy series. Here we go. Bill Hader, Barry, Jason Segel, Shooting, Martin Short, Only Murders in the Building, Jason Segel. Hey yo, what? I'm saying they forgot to say our names, man. <laughs> and the Emmy goes to Jeremy Allen Wright.
thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm so uh, proud. Um, I, I'm so full of gratitude to be standing in front of you all. Um, I love this show so much. Um, it filled me up. It, it gave me a passion and set a fire in me to match the beautiful work done by Christopher Storer and Joanna Caolo. Um, I love you guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, the beautiful cast and beautiful crew I get to share uh, space and, and stage with. Um, my parents, I love you. Thank you for your support. Dad, you're right there. I love you so much. Thank you so much. Um, um, Thank you, uh, thank you to all those who stayed close to me, uh, especially in this past year. You know who you are. I love you. I love you. Thank you uh, uh, for believing in me when I had trouble, uh, believing in myself. I love you. And Ezra and Dolores, I love you so much. This is for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, guys. When we return, Marla Gibbs and Spencer Brunson, and an Emmy edition of SNL's Weekend Update with Tina Fey and Amy Bowler. Here are the Emmys on Fox. We'll be fine. Right. Whatever you want. Hold on. That's such a commercial. Can a celebrity twist? No one saw coming. All new New York family, Wednesday at 9, 8 central on Fox. Welcome back to the 75th Emmy Awards. Please welcome Taylor Tomlinson and 10-time Emmy winner, Stephen Colbert. So, uh, Taylor, your, your show after midnight premieres tomorrow night right after my show, and this is your first, this is your first Emmys. How, I gotta ask, how are you feeling? Oh, amazing. I love knowing that Gen Z is absolutely destroying me online right now. No, they're not. Come on, you're young and you're cool. No, I'm 30, Stephen. In Gen Z's eyes, I'm basically mummy dust. Seriously, someone said that. Wait, if, if you're mummy dust, then what am I? A pyramid. <laughs> because a lot of people died to build you. I told you not to read the comments. You're not my dad. Taylor, at least we'll talk about this later. And here are the nominees for Outstanding Scripted Variety Series. A Black Lady Sketch Show. Last week tonight with John Oliver. Saturday Night Live. And the Emmy goes to... Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. This year, and the total overall of 61. This year's nominations are in production design, writing, directing, and scripted variety series. Except the Emmy is John Oliver. Thank you, thank you so much, thanks so much to my staff, uh, many of them are here tonight, uh, Miss Stanton, Tim Carvel is not here, he's back in New York with some of our other staff, we're burning down a bar there somewhere, uh, thank you, they all worked so hard, um, uh, thank you to HBO, Casey Nina and our lawyers who are angry with us all the time, uh, thanks to my wife Kate who is here tonight, I love you very much, I'll... Our kids, Hudson and Marcy, are not here and they are so mad that I left this morning, I promised them Pokemon cards. And I don't know where to get Pokemon cards in L.A. So if anyone knows where to get Pokemon cards between here and LAX, 
it's a significant problem that I've worked myself into. Uh, I, I'm not leaving without getting played off by Anthony Anderson's mom, so I'm going to start reading off the names of the Liverpool football team in goal. Alison Becker. Then you've got Trent Alexander-Arnold. Then you've got Virgil van Dijk, obviously. Oh, she's not here. I can get through the whole team, then. Baby. Oh, I, I'd like to thank Jesus and my family. Thank okay. You. <laughs> Brown. 
It's important to hold people accountable. And it's beginning to happen now. There have been a lot of brilliant sitcoms in the 75 years of the Emmys. Some set in the workplace and others in the home. Some in restaurants, but one of the greatest sitcoms of all time, winner of 28 Emmys, was set here in the most iconic bar in television history. Cheers! Anthony, thank you for getting us all here. Ah, this feels nice to be here in front of all of you. Thank you. Uh, Ted, you just think of it as a long overdue class reunion. Yeah. Being together brings back some great memories of a show we're all very proud of. Yeah, and if somebody has the envelope, we can present the award. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, we are honored to present the Emmy for Outstanding Directing in a Comedy Series. Here are the nominees. Barry, Christopher Storer, The Bear, Amy Sherman Palladino, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Mary Lou Belli, The Miss Pat Show, Declan Lowney, Ted Lasso, Tim Burton, Wednesday. And the Emmy goes to Christopher Storer, The Bear. tonight, so we accept this award on his behalf. And now, here are the nominated teams for writing for a comedy series, an award won by two of Cheers creators, Les and Glenn Charles. Bill Hader, Barry, Christopher Storer, The Bear, Becky Hooper, Jerry Judy, John Hoffman, Matteo Borghese, Bob Tabowski, Only Murders in the Building, Chris Kelly, Sarah Schneider, The Other Two, Brandon Hunt, Joe Kelly, Jason Sudeikis, Ted Lasso. And there he goes to Christopher Storer, The Bear. Well, Christopher is unable to be here tonight. We accept this award on his behalf. Coming up, Joel McHale and Ken Jones, an Emmy edition of SNL's Weekend Update with Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, Arsenio Hall, and the cast of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, plus a Grey's Anatomy reunion. Some days I cover up. Hold on, hold on, just a moment.
expose people in television and movies. Give it up for Joe McHale and Ken Jeong. Anthony Anderson, why don't you call us on your T-Mobile phone? We'll go on your smear knife ice party, okay? Ah, <laughs> zing! Let's do it, man. Oh, sorry, man. Sorry. Okay. Uh, we are here to honor the outstanding reality competition programs. Um, we know a thing or two about reality competition shows. Because Ken is finally over the hype requirement to participate in the profit sharing, so... Reality competition programs are better than they've ever been. In fact, reality is the most noble of callings, even more than medicine. I should know. Here we go. You were thrown out of medicine, okay? He killed the guy. He killed the guy. You can't say that. He's not in the process of him. You cannot say that. I was a big doctor for the last 12 years. You can't say that. The instruments that almost killed that dude were the ones the nurses left in, okay? The ones that saved his life, I left in. And besides, I only had the gig for 10 days at that point. Give me all right back. Okay. <laughs> and that is the end of our comedy bit. It never started. <laughs> it never did. Here are the nominees for Outstanding Reality Competition Program Not Involving Ken Jeong. It's a career round. The Amazing Race. RuPaul's Drag Race. And the Emmy goes to RuPaul's Drag Race. RuPaul's Drag Race has earned a total of 63 Emmy nominations. This is the show's fifth win in this category. Accepting the Emmy on behalf of the team is RuPaul. This year marks the eighth consecutive win for RuPaul as host of the show. RuPaul continues to reign as the most awarded host in any history and holds the record for most wins by a person of color. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, you lovely, lovely people. We are so honored to have this award. Listen, you guys are just pure lovely for honoring our show and recognizing all these queens. We have... We have released into the wild hundreds of drag queens. And they're beautiful. And they're beautiful. On behalf of all of them, we thank you. And listen, if a drag queen wants to read you a story at a library, listen to her. Because knowledge is power. And if someone tries to restrict your access to power they are trying to scare you so listen to a drag queen we love you thank you thank you, thank you. from the peacock theater in the heart of downtown los angeles it's on video
idolized Johnny Carson. When most kids in Cleveland wanted to be football stars like Jim Brown, I wanted to be an old white man with a talk show. <laughs> I was a very weird 10-year-old. I even was a magician like Johnny. Check this out. Yes. Yes, there I am in, in a black suit and tie doing magic in the ghetto of Cleveland. Yes, I'm still alive. <laughs> but I got my ass beat about it. I love Johnny so much, I used to do The Tonight Show in my basement with my friends as guests. Eventually, I became a stand-up comic. I got my big break on Late Night with David Letterman. And then on January 3rd, 1989, I debuted the Arsenio Hall Show. I was host. show that I used to do in my basement, and I got to go head to head with the king, Johnny Carson, and his heirs to the throne, Dave and Jay. It was an honor to face off against the talented trio, but to be honest with you, I wish they had a sucked, <laughs> but they didn't, and now here's some other folks who absolutely do not suck. The nominated teams for Outstanding Writer in a variety series. Last week tonight with John Oliver. Late night with Seth Myers. Saturday Night Live. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. The Late Show with Stephen Cabell. And the Emmy goes to. I'm as nervous as John Oliver will be. The team from last week tonight with John Oliver. Thank you to our shy but hardworking intern, John Oliver. Thank you um, to Kat Owens, who is a constant lifesaver. Thank you to every department at Last Week Tonight. They're all incredible at what they do. They make the whole thing happen. Um, I especially want to thank everyone at the show and John, Tim, and Liz for just how much they backed us up during the writer's strike. Um, they... Um, they wholeheartedly supported all of us, even though a third of us are annoying, and they just, it was wonderful. We also want to thank our union, the WGA, and all the other unions that backed with so much solidarity. Um, the strike felt long, it did not feel lonely, so thank you so much. <laughs>
Emmy Awards. Yes, it truly. Wait, what? what? Yes. What? Seventy-five years? Yeah. The show's been on for seventy-five. We've been on the air since two thousand five. I've never even been here. Yeah. yeah. Hang on. Have you guys been doing this every single year without us? Yeah. <laughs> they do. They get dressed up. They give each other awards. Yeah. And sixteen seasons. We've never even been. We've never presented before. No. Oh. oh I feel like we're getting this whole Martin treatment over here. Yeah. <laughs> They built them a set. Where's Patty's pub? Yeah, we should have a set, and they, they gave us the same bit. Well, well, Danny, I mean, surely the Emmys must have given you an award. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. They did? Yeah, 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 I got one. First sight? No, for taxi. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> how long was how long was taxi on the air? Five years. Only five years, and I got nominated. Yeah, we got we 34 nominations and 18 wins. That's why I got one. Yeah, yeah. thank you. All right, mate. Okay, 34 nominations in five years versus zero nominations in 16 years. That math is bad. The math's bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The real one, four. Okay. The cheers. All right, don't rub it in. Okay. No, I won some last week. I, we got five for Welcome to Rexham. Oh. And I went, yeah, thank you. And I went backstage and, and I looked for the Martin ones and I looked for the Sunny ones and they didn't have them. Nothing, huh? No. Sure. All right, I'm still going to poke around there. Yeah, I'll rifle around back there. Yeah, I'll probably find something back there to grab. Um, so speaking of guys with uh, far too many nominations, here are the nominees for Outstanding Talk Series. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Late Night with Seth Meyers, The Late Show with Stephen Covella, The Problem with John Stewart. Okay, and the Emmy goes to The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah received three nominations this year. Accepting the Emmy on behalf of the team is Trevor Noah. Oh, wow. I told you. I told you we would beat John Oliver if he wasn't in our category. We did it. We got rid of John Oliver. Yo, um, really quick, I'm, I'm so glad everybody's coming up here. Can, can I just say, this this story has been so long, it's been so crazy, it's been so wonderful. I start by thanking the crazy Africans who followed me to this country. Uh, David Kibuka, Joseph Opio, thank you so much. David Meyer, my partner in crime, and then the writers and the team, Roy Wood Jr. from the very beginning. Uh, Jordan Klepo's flight got canceled. The showrunner of Jen Flans. This woman rode with me through the trenches. Thank you so much to the team, to everyone who gave us an opportunity. And, and honestly, the person I always thank, because he, he's just a crazy genius to think of it. Hey, John Stewart, where, 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 wherever you are, my friend. Thank you for calling me up. Thank you for asking me to come and join you on this crazy journey. And thank you to everybody else in this category. Thank you to these people. We did it, baby. We did it. Tracy Ellis Ross and Natasha Leone's I Love Lucy tribute. Okay, Bobacito. 
Divas Night. The Whitney's, the Aretha, and the Ken's. <laughs> requires a diverse skill set that goes well beyond the camera. Perhaps the hardest task a director has is walking up to an actor after a take and saying, oh, really, really bad. Which is why brilliant directors find other ways to say it. Things like, that was really great, but let's get another one just for safety. Or, let's try one where you just throw it away. Just throw it away. Don't act. Please don't act. For the love of God, please stop acting. And then my personal favorite, let's go again, exactly the same, but different. Here are the nominees for Outstanding Directing for a Limited or Anthology Series or Movie. Lee Sung Jin, B. Jake Schreier, B. Carl Franklin, Dahmer Monster, The Jeffrey Dahmer Story. Harris Barclay, Dahmer Monster, The Jeffrey Dahmer Story. Valerie Ferris and Jonathan Dayton. Fleischman is in trouble. They attracted her. Pray. And the Emmy goes to... Lee Sung Jin for Thank you to the Academy. Um, you know, uh, when I first moved to LA, my uh, bank account went to the negative by 63 cents. Uh, so I had to deposit a dollar bill into my account to avoid the overdraft fee. And the ATM screen said, are you sure you want to deposit one dollar? And I was like, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, I wasn't sure of anything back then. Um, I certainly wasn't sure of holding something like this. Uh, it's really a testament to the amazing people uh, that I've been so blessed to be around. Uh, thank you to Steve and Allie, uh, young Joseph Maria, the amazing cast, uh, Jay Clark and Grace, our incredible crew, um, Ravi Ali, 24, uh, Jeannie Irene, Peter Bella, Ted, and everyone at Netflix, uh, my mom, my dad, my sister, uh, Katie, I love you so much. Uh, this really means a lot. Thank you so much. procedurals from Hill Street Blues to Law and Order SVU, which is celebrating 25 years on air. Huh? But my mama's favorite dramas are medical ones, like St. Elsewhere and, and ER. But my mama watched so many medical shows that she tried to remove my appendix with a butter knife. Now, that's what these shows do to you. Now, at one point, we could be a whole good family just sitting here watching a show and everybody's doing fine. And then the next, it's 30 cc's of propofol. And during the whole episode, my mama is sitting there yelling at the doctors on TV, talking about, Code Blue! 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 Code Bl
What up, Isaac? Lead company, artist first, CAA, Danny, Joe, Neil, and Esther dealing with my day-to-day. Thank you, God, for this life. You help me suck out the marrow. Thank you, Shy and Sean. Help me find the straight and the narrow. To my wife, Amy, you make my heart strong and knees weak. Jonah Maverick is flirty. Harris is starting to speak. Can't wait to spend the rest of my life with that wolf back. Casting out demons in the name of Yeshua Hamashak. That's a one-up to Jesus. He's the sole owner. I own the body. I'm about to beat Matt Cardona. Yoabushi. Yoga and sushi on me if you're able. Do things a little bit different. Brian Walsh, get the tables. We will return with John Hamm, Jenna Ortega, Cheryl Lee Ralph, and Peter Dinklage. Plus, a stirring performance from Charlie Cooper and the Warren Treaty. And we find out who wins for outstanding drama and comedy series. It's the Andes on Fox. Every day. More dog people and more vets are deciding it's time for a fresh approach to pet food. Sorry, everybody. It is, I guess. <laughs> okay, mom. We just saw some commercials, and they were good. And I'm sure they were created by some really good ad agencies. But to me, the greatest ad firm of them all was Stevens and Lido on my hit television show, Blackish. But another great ad firm was the one that Don Draper worked at, Sterling Cooper. Please welcome Don Draper himself, Emmy winner, John Hamm. During its amazing run, seven seasons all in, Mad Men received 116 Emmy nominations. And 116, which means I was responsible for an incredible 116th of the total wins. So now if that doesn't give me the Governor's Award one day, well, I don't know. Three of those Emmys were in the category I'm presenting tonight. Outstanding writing for a drama series. Oh, in the month, Andor. Sherry Harvin, Dave Eagle, Art Fair, Bad Sisters, Gordon Smith, Better Call Saul, Peter Cruz, Better Call Saul, Craig Mason, The Last of Us, Jesse Armstrong, Succession, Mike White, The White Lotus. And the Emmy for Best Writing Ever for Dramas last year goes to Jesse Armstrong's Successor. Emmys for writing succession. Oh my goodness. Um, 
Thank you very much. Those are such great writers to be bracketed with. Um, I want to say um, thank you to HBO. I want to say thank you to my extraordinary writers' room um, who I work with. Um, I want to say thank you to the whole uh, cast and crew of Succession who um, who I love. Um, uh, uh, they're wonderful. Um, and I want to say um, thank you to the wider sort of creative community in the US. I come from the UK, and um, our show um, writes uh, is, is about some things that are you know close to. Um, the center of American um, life and politics, and we've always been met with um, uh, generosity and good faith, and that's um, part of uh, American America's tradition of being very welcoming to outsiders, and it's um, it's very nice. And for some reason, um, the name of um, uh, Australian-born um, media mogul Rupert Murdoch comes to mind. Um, uh, uh, I can't speak to him, for him, but I, I'm very grateful for the generosity I've been shown working in this country. It was it was a great sadness to end the show, but it's a great pleasure to do it. Thank you very much indeed. Good evening, everyone. It's wonderful to be here. You all look lovely. Hello, everyone. Uh, Tom Hiddleston wants all of you to know that he loves me very much. Right, Tom? <laughs> I love you, man. Uh, now, whether you're playing the god of mischief or a mere mortal, just trying to make it through the day, we don't get to play these parts without the writers who dream these worlds into being. Each journey begins with a script that grabs you and won't let go. Tonight, we honor a talented collection of writers who've created hilarious, terrifying, absorbing new worlds for us to discover. Here are the nominated teams for outstanding writing for a limited or anthology series or movie. Lee Sung Jin. Lee. Joel Kim Booster. Fire Island. Sir Ackner, Fleischman is in trouble, Patrick Aston and Dan Trachtenberg, Frank, Janine Neighbors and Donald Clover, Swarm, Alan Anthony and Eric Appel, Weird, the Alan Anthony story. And the Emmy goes to... Thank you to the writers. Um, we wrote this uh, over Zoom, which is the healthiest way to communicate. And uh, thank you for uh, powering through that. I want to say thank you to our other directors, uh, Jake Schreier and Hikari. Um, Jake is has been one of my closest friends for years. He's literally taught me everything I know about filmmaking. Uh, I gotta say thanks to Larkin and Grace again. They're, they're the DNA of the show and, uh, they really should have been nominated, but, uh, you know, I'm biased. Uh, <laughs> and, um, thank you to all our HODs, Helen, Dana, Nicole, or so many others. And, 
I got to do the uh, thanking my reps thing, but it's, honestly, they've been the best. Uh, Tom, Ryan, Miosh, Erica, Ben, Ken, thank you so much. Uh, this is crazy. Thank you. Coming up, Jason Bateman, Taraji P. Henson, and Dan Joan Collins. Plus, Tina Fey and Amy Polis, Emmy edition of SNL's Weekend Update. And we visit the American Horror Story Murder House. And hold on, everybody. I'm just gonna say, blaze the violet fire around that story. Um, um, I forgot his name, but from Saturday Night Live, he may be spending 18 years in prison. Alec Baldwin where there was a bullet in the gun that was supposed to be popped, just put for the highest good to come out of this for the right thing. All right, but here we go. and the lip fillers. <laughs> my, uh, my character was an orphan who suffered numerous hardships, including getting caught in a bear trap and being shot in a bank robbery. Without the direction from the great Michael Landon, there's no way I could have pulled off such a realistic and heartbreak, heartbreak, heart-rendering portrayal of a young, thin-lipped orphan with a bob. So all of my respect for the following nominees for directing for a drama series. Benjamin 
Benjamin Caron, Andor. Dirk Walsh, Bad Sisters. Peter Hoare, The Last of Us. Andre Parrin, Succession. Mark Millar, Succession. Lorraine Scafaria, Succession. Mike White, The White Lotus. All right, and the Emmy goes to Mark Mylod. Succession. This is the third Emmy win and his eighth nomination for Mark Mylod. His first two Emmys came from his producing of Succession. The show Succession has three wins tonight so far. Thank you. Thank you so much. What an incredible honor. Thank you. Um, a lot of thank yous. Um, I take this on behalf of all my fellow directors, my fellow nominees. Um, um, some other thank yous. HBO to, to Casey, to Franny, to Nora. Thank you. To, to Zach Drucker, my lovely agent at WME. Thank you. To Amy Westcott, my wife and inspiration. Thank you. Um, to all the cast and crew of Succession for the total joy of working with them for four seasons, an absolute life highlight, career highlight. I don't know if it'll ever happen again, but I'm so grateful for all of them and just that absolute incredible stimulation every time I walked on the set with them. And finally, Jesse Armstrong, thank you. Um, my thanks to you beyond even your brilliant words. Thank you so much, everybody. Cheers. where we'll only present awards sitting down. <laughs> Here are tonight's nominees for Outstanding Live Variety Special. The only show that's longer than when they air Titanic with commercials on TBS, The Oscars. <laughs> Chris Rock, Selective Outrage. Uh, Chris could be here tonight, but if he wins, we'll accept on his behalf because we miss getting Emmys. <laughs> Elton John live, farewell from Dodger Stadium. Now, I can't speak for Elton, but he got to be excited about that. <laughs> the concert's so good, it got us all pregnant. The Apple Music Super Bowl 57 halftime show starring Rihanna. <laughs> Celebrating the best in musicals that were based on movies, which will probably be movies again. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. <laughs> annual Tony Awards. And the Emmy goes to... And the Emmy goes to Elton John Live Farewell from Thank you. 
cemented his legacy on the road. In a full circle moment, he took the stage in his final North American show as part of his farewell yellow brick tour. Uh, thank you so much. I am not Elton John. I'm not. Uh, Savvy, he had a knee on. Uh, he's absolutely fine, uh, but he wanted to send his love and thanks to the Television Academy for this incredible award. I, I want to thank, on behalf of 473, I'm Gabe and myself, I want to thank David Furnish, who had the creative vision for this show, who has been just the most remarkable partner. I want to thank Luke Lloyd Davis and all the team at Rocket Entertainment. Um, I want to thank the incredible team at Disney Plus, IO, uh, Charlie, Nicole, Mark, Dana Craig. Um, I want to thank Paul Dubdell, who directed this special so incredibly brilliantly. I want to thank Sally and the team, Lou, Meredith, Lauren, uh, and everybody. Uh, we knew this show would be historic because it was going to be Elton's last ever show in North America on tour. We knew it would be historic because it was Disney's first ever live global stream. We didn't know it was just going to be historic because it was going to win a man who has uh, created the soundtrack to all of our lives, who's done so much great for society, who is all of our heroes. We didn't know that it was going to win him an ego. Thank you so much. We are so grateful. Thank you. people to think, a lot of people that looked out for me on my way 
um, to even get to be in this business. So um, I want to thank Sonny, Allie, Jake, our incredible cast and crew. Um, thank you to A24 Netflix. Thank you to Mike and Peter. Um, I want to, I want to thank Andrew Cooper for, um, talking to me one night, our incredible on-set photographer, a legend. And there were days when, um, it was difficult to live in Danny's skin. Um, sometimes I wanted to judge him, but sometimes I wanted to, uh, make fun of him. And he pulled me aside and he's like, never bail on Danny. And thanks. I want to say thank you to Danny for teaching me that judgment and um, and shame is a lonely place, but compassion grace is where we can all meet. And um, I'm grateful to my wife, Joe. Thank you always. Jude, Ruth, mom, dad, Brian, family, I love you. Thank you. Please welcome Emmy nominee Jenna Ortega and Emmy winner Cheryl Lee Ralph. Happy MLK Day, Jenna. Happy MLK Day to you too, Cheryl. Thank you. The divine Jessica Lange, the inspiring Regina King, the vivacious Helen Mirren, and the audacious Meryl Streep. The list of esteemed actresses whose inspired and unforgettable performances have earned them this award is second to none. And tonight, another exceptional talent joins those impressive ranks. Here are the nominees for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Limited or Anthology Series or Movie. Lizzie Kaplan, Fleischman is in trouble. Jessica Chastain, George O'Tanny, Dominique Fishback, Swan, Catherine Hahn, Tiny Beautiful Things, Riley Keough, Daisy Jones and the Six, Ali Wong, I love this part. And the Emmy goes to... Ha! Ali Wong. talented cast and crew of Beef. Um, I wouldn't be standing here without my parents, my amazing parents, my my mother um, and, and my father, who I so wish was alive to share this moment with me, my hilarious father, who loved me unconditionally and taught me the value of failure. And uh, to my beautiful daughters, Mari and Nikki, 
you are my everything and thank you for inspiring me and uh and this is this is for you thank you based on stuff that uh, 
uh, I, as some of the folks up here, um, have struggled with over the years. And uh, uh, so I'm really grateful and humbled by everyone who watched the show and uh, reached out about their own personal struggles. Uh, it's very life-affirming, so thank you. And um, I feel like we live in a world uh, designed to kind of keep us separate. Uh, you know, even here, some of us go home with trophies, other people don't. And uh, I think for some of us, uh, when we live in a world like this, uh, you begin to think that, there's no way anyone can ever understand you or like you, and much less uh, even, you know, no potential at being loved. And so uh, the greatest joy of working on Beef has truly been uh, working with the folks up here who uh, love so unconditionally. Um, so, you know, thank you to them. And um, thank you. Uh, and to anyone out there who, you know, directly or indirectly was involved with the show, thank you so much. And lastly, everything I do is for my three dogs. So, um <laughs> The uh, Federal Drug Administration, if you could please fast-track that uh, canine anti-aging pill, that would be so lovely. Uh, thank you so much. When the Emmys return, Vlad receives the Academy's Governor's Award. And we pay tribute to the stars we've lost with a performance by Charlie Booth and the Roaring Treaty. COVID-19. Hold on, everybody. Getting toward the finish line here. Oh, all right. Welcome back to the Emmys. All right, here are Alana McClooney, Jay Davis, and Suzanne DeYoung, representing EY, the official accounting firm of the Emmys. And now... Please welcome the chair of the Television Academy, Frank Shermer. I am thrilled to celebrate an astronomical milestone for any institution, 75. Emmy Awards mark 75 years of excellence in a dynamic medium that is a constant source of both entertainment and information vital to our world. And yet, TV goes beyond entertaining and informing with the power to enact great social change. As part of our celebration of 75 years of Emmys, the Television Academy has selected 75 of the most impactful moments from television's rich history. We all laughed watching the bold scripted series of the legendary Norman Lear. We all mourned together as we watched the towers fall on 9-11. And we were all in awe as we watched Neil Armstrong take his first step on the moon in real time. Here is just a small sampling of these 75 incredible touchstones. Enjoy. Ricky, this is it. This is it. I'm gay. Can we keep her down, please?
not having the baby. I have a dream. They claim has crashed into the world trade. I am your host, Luther Liberace. They're both any winners and she's a nominee tonight. Please welcome Coleman Domingo and Hannah Waddingham. very honoured to have been asked to present the 2023 Governor's Award to GLAD. Tonight I am so proud standing here representing the spirit of Bayard Rustin. As an advocate for racial equity and the LGBTQ community, I understand the importance of GLAD's mission and its commitment to representation. When we represent the diversity of our society, we help change the narratives of a community. And I am so very proud that this past season of Ted Lasso included storylines that truly celebrated LGBTQ characters. And unfortunately, with anti-LGBTQ freedoms being debated both here and abroad, the complex characters that we see and compelling stories that we tell are an incredibly important piece of showing the humanity of who we actually are. Dispelling tropes and offering a rich, vibrant rainbow of the human experience. When we view entertainment as a form of advocacy, we understand that we have the power to create real change. Over the past four decades, GLAAD has consulted on nearly every TV series and TV movie with an LGBTQ character taking the lead and making sure the realities we face off-screen are reflected on-screen. Credited as one of the world's most important and effective media advocates for the LGBTQ community, GLAAD was originally founded in 1985 by Vito Russo and a small group of activists to protest defamatory press coverage of the HIV epidemic. Since then, it has grown into a global organization, one with enormous impact on the hearts and minds behind what we see across the media. This now iconic organization is dedicated to teaming up with creators to ensure accurate descriptions of characters, correcting false and harmful narratives, and working with the Hollywood community to increase the LGBTQ presence on television to its current record high. For its ongoing work to secure fair, accurate, and diverse representation of the LGBTQ community in the media and entertainment industries, the Television Academy honors GLAAD with the 2023 Governor's Award. Accepting the award tonight as President and CEO of GLAAD, Sarah Kate Ellis. 
This is actually a historic moment, and so many people have worked tirelessly to get LGBTQ representation here, where it is today. For all of us at GLAAD, this work is personal. For me, it's about my wife and our kids, because what the world sees on TV influences how we treat each other and the decisions that we make in our living rooms, schools, at work, and at the ballot box. The world urgently needs culture-changing stories about transgender people. say they have seen a ghost than know a transgender person. When you don't know people, it's easy to demonize them. Visibility creates understanding and it opens doors. It's life-saving. Our community has achieved so much and yet we are still being victimized and villainized with cruel and harmful lies. Sharing stories is the antidote. And now is the time to take action, to support everyone in the LGBTQ community. Because this story, this story is still being told and we all, we all can be the heroes. Thank you to the Television Academy and the Board of Governors. Please welcome Rob Reiner and Sally Struthers. You know, Sally and I were part of a unique television fan. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and, and not just, we were part of a, a very unique family, not just the Bunkers, but Norman Lear's uh, extended family. Yeah. Over the, over the decades, Norman brought us together and he created groundbreaking television shows that, that depicted real people made us laugh, made us think, made us feel. And there's a Yiddish word that describes Norman's genius. It's kokluffel. For all you non-Jews out there, a kokluffel... <laughs> a kokluffel is a ladle, a ladle that stirs the pot. And uh, when Norman the kokluffel stirred that pot, he wound up changing American culture. the legends of our industry we lost this past year. We celebrate their lives and legacy and the joy they brought to us. So to all of the members of all of our television families who have passed on, those were the days. And joining us in our tribute 
are the war and treaty and Charlie Puth. Canto performer Richard Roundtree performer Mark Margolis performer Annie Wershing performer Eugene Lee production designer Ron Taylor executive Gabrielle Beaumont director David Jacobs writer Angela Lansbury performer Stephen Twitch, boss, choreographer, Richard Belzer, performer, Ron Cephas Jones, performer, Treat Williams, performer, Angus Cloud, performer, Reddick, performer. Suzanne Summers, performer. John Beasley, performer. Bruce Gowers, director. Chris Ledesma, music editor. Jules Bass, producer. Bud Friedman, producer. Deborah Barrick, executive. Thomas W. Sarnoff, executive. Manny Cato, writer. David Davis, writer. Phyllis Carlisle, manager. Lloyd Morissette, executive. Hector Ramirez, camera operator. Leslie Jordan, performer. Jim Brown, performer. David McCollum, performer. Len Goodman, panelist. Cindy Williams, performer. Bob Barker, host. Paul Rubens, performer. Tommy Smothers, performer. Irene Cara, performer. Christy Alley, performer. Andre Brauger, performer. Harry Belafonte, performer. Alan Arkin, performer, Barbara Walters, journalist, 
Matthew Perry, performer. Some people are born. <laughs> Pass it down one more time here, I think.
button. Uh, I wasted all my time hugging everybody. I love you all so much. Um, especially everyone in the cast, uh, Jay, Alan, Sarah, Brian, every single one. Thank you so much. Um, I love you. I'm not going to have any time. I don't want to get yelled at. So, uh, uh, gotta thank Jesse Armstrong for being a brilliant writer, showrunner, and gentleman. Thank you for succession. Thank you for everything. Um, and then I gotta switch to the personal really fast. Uh, I have to thank my mom for giving me life and my childhood, which was great. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, uh, I have to thank my, um, my manager, Emily Gerson Staines, who I've been with for about 29 years. Uh, sorry, Emily, you probably didn't want me to say the number, but I did. Uh, yeah, I just have to thank you for keeping my name in the conversation when nobody was talking about me. So as far as I'm concerned, this is yours. And, of course, my beautiful wife, Jazz. Um, thank you for sharing your life with me and for giving me two amazing kids, uh, Zisu and Wilderwolf. I love you so many and so much. And, Jazz, I want more. <laughs> you said. You said maybe if I win. <laughs> I love you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Outstanding drama series. Somebody peaked a little too soon tonight. <laughs> hey, Mama, the, the way you're going tonight, I mean, you just might win for Outstanding Playoff Mama at the Emmy. Damn right. Damn right. <laughs> now, please welcome the amazing, remarkable, one-of-a-kind, multi-Emmy nominee, the incomparable, Jody Foster. One of my first TV appearances was on The Courtship of Eggs Father. Back then, portraits of interesting, complicated women on TV were few and far between, even for a six-year-old. But luckily today, television provides the canvas for talented actresses to go deep, bearing their souls, blowing our minds, and breaking our hearts. In a golden age, here are the nominees for lead actress in a drama series. Sharon Horgan, Bad Sisters. Melanie Linsky, Yellow Jackets. Elizabeth Moss, The Handmaid's Tale. Bella Ramsey, The Last of Us. Carrie Russell, The Diplomat, Sarah Snook, Succession. 
goes to Sarah Sue Succession. Oh, yeah. We did as a cast making it and as a crew making it. We all put our all into it and the bar was set so high and I think that's what spurred us on from every department. We all uh, gave it our best, led by Jesse and by Mark, who are brilliant, and all my cast, who I just love so much and I'm going to miss. Um, and my family, to my mom and my dad, I love you and thank you for having a dress-up box when I was a kid. I think that's this is where it gets you. Sorry. <laughs> And also the, the biggest thank you, I think, though, is um, to someone who won't understand anything that I'm saying at the moment, uh, but I carried her with me in this last season, and really it was her who carried me. Um, it's very easy to act when you're pregnant, because you've got hormones raging, and um, it, was, it was more that the, uh, the proximity of her life growing inside me gave me the strength to uh, do this and this performance, and uh, I love you so much. And it's all for you from here on out. Thank you. Up next, Tracy Ellis Ross and Natasha Leone give the award for Outstanding Comedy Series. Plus, Peter Dinklage gives the award for Outstanding Drama Series. When the Emmys return on Fox. Okay, going to the last round here now, everybody. Oops. Oh, yeah. Momentito. I feel like the universe connects you with certain people for certain reasons. We got a fire going, and that one be on this one. Thursday, February 1st on Fox. So you went all in. I always do, Natasha Leon. Well, I'm so sorry, Lucille. My bad. Ah, oh, thank you. Hey, anything for you, Tracy. Ah, oh, Lucy will do. Copy you, Miss Balls. <laughs> all right, listen all right. carefully. This is the next to last award, all right? All right. And I'm going to need you ladies to wrap this chocolate. Yes. All right, so the chocolate is going to come down to conveyor belt. We've seen the episode. Let us have our moment. Thank you, Anthony. Okay, Tracy. Thank you. All right, let it roll. Let it roll. Let it roll. You ready? Absolutely not. Absolutely. Here we go.
I love Lucy and her friend are on a conveyor belt and they're picking all the chocolates that are coming down the conveyor belt and stuffing them down their shirts. Hey, hey, what's the category we're supposed to be doing right now? I'm coming. Hmm. Uh, what? I'm chewing comedy shirts. And they're chewing on them too. Elementary. Oh, Class. If I hadn't tried to understand myself, we wouldn't be here. The bear. That thing looks like a carrot. I mean, it's clearly a carrot. Do you not know what a carrot looks like? I need more bread. Jerry duty. The hydrated mango. Either way, she was snapped. The marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It's early hours. We don't see the sun for three months. 
You should get on a sound stage. It's really cool. I've never been on one before. I've never acted before. I love all these people so much. I love, I love my family. Tracy and Mac, if there's no one else, y'all say my kids' names. Okay, you don't know. I'm just going to thank. I want to thank FX. Yeah, we want to thank FX. FX is great. Dizzy, thank you so much. The mouse. I want to give a special shout out to our guy, John Solberg, our Warriors. Let's go. Thank you, thank you. Yo, Midget man, what an amazing person. Hello, you beautiful potties. <clears throat> wow. Um, spend a second. Um, happy birthday, Dr. King.
much indeed. Um, uh, we want to thank HBO. Um, uh, this wasn't necessarily an easy show to commission right at the very beginning. So thank you to Katie Bloys, who I first pitched it to, to uh, Francesca Orsi and Nora Skinner, who've seen it through, and to Richard Klepper, who was there at the beginning. Um, and uh, we want to say a couple of hellos. Hello to uh, Jeremy Strong, who's making a movie, and hello to Lucy Preble, who has made a baby. Uh, and we, we send our love to, to, to both of them. Um, and, and I just want to say uh, uh, thank you to Brian Cox, who the, the, the show has revolved around, whether he was in it or not. Um, <laughs> this is a show um, about uh, family, but it's also about um, when partisan politics gets, um, partisan news coverage gets intertwined with um, with uh, divisive right-wing politics. And um, after four seasons of satire, as I understand it, that's a problem we have now fixed. <laughs> So we can now depart the stage. Listen, we are so honoured. We've loved making this show. Um, thank you very much indeed. King Jr. By bringing you a moment from his most famous speech voted by the Television Academy as one of the most impactful moments in television history. Congratulations to all of the winners and nominees. Good night. Let's do this. This is 29 minutes. Here we go. Greetings, dear ones. I am Prion of Magnetic Service. There'll come a day when you can see it. For all energy is measurable. All energy is seeable. have the things to see and measure but it's there and to set the stage of the energy this here I would like to tell you what it is that we are doing an entourage comes in with me of beautiful beings I'll call them family 
In some cases, you will call them relatives and friends. When you talk about the entourage of Cryon, you talk about the soup of God, you talk about souls that have been souls to come. And energies that are unexplainable, but you feel them as love. And it creates a safe place to be. If we would paint the broad brush, there is compassion, there is love, there's understanding, there's family, there's all that is. And it supports you right now. It places you in a cocoon of reality. And some of you will feel it and some of you will not. It is the testimony of the beauty of free choice. It belongs to humanity. We would never force an energy on anyone. But we put it here for those who wish to feel it, who can feel it, and who have intent to feel it. This is the couch, you might say, that you sit in today as we give the message we're going to give. All year long, we've been talking to you about the majesty of the gifts, about the beauty of the time, and through all the difficulty and all the change, we've invited you to hold on, not to despair, understand what is before you. And at the same time, congratulate yourself for being here. It is a complicated message, and yet there is simplicity. What's the easiest way to drop the stubborn fat, to get rid of stubborn fat? Here's why you shouldn't try keto or calorie-cutting diets. First off, keto is questionable because of the side effects like the keto flu, including headache, nausea, and... In the parts... You cannot pull the old energy into this energy, dear one. You just can't. If you do, it'll be self-destructive. Those of you who are facilitators in this room, I encourage you to pull upon that which is your intuition, the akash that you have had in the past, and bring forward an enhancement to everything you do. For the human mind is ready, and all souls are ready for brand new paradigms to occur in every respect. We started by discussing with you the, the possibility of the kind of evolution for the human being that you had not really thought about before. An evolution of wisdom. We talked about wisdom factors. We talked about consciousness having physics. But the main attribute was a concept. The concept of children as they grow up, 
taking a long time. Finally getting to this place right before puberty when they're on the playgrounds and they're still hitting each other and swatting each other and calling each other names. and It's the best they can do. But as they grow and become young adults, they pass into another wisdom. They stop hitting each other. They stop calling each other names. They see in one another things they never saw before. There is a realization that if they're going to get along in life, they better get along in life. <laughs> and they start looking at one another differently. They make friends. They become adults. They're reasonable. They're balanced. It's simple, isn't it? You see it in your children. You went through it yourself. But dear ones, this planet never did. You've been hitting each other with sticks and calling each other names for thousands of years. This is not unexpected. The other planets went through this. There comes a time. When there is a full realization of change. And it didn't just start now. It began over 50 years ago. It became refined 25 years ago. I came in because I saw the potential. You're going to need advice. You're going to need help. You're going to need to know what to do next. Every single planet has gone through this at this stage with the same attributes at this stage and needed the kind of help. That's why we're here. I wouldn't be here if the potential was not that you would pass the marker and you did. In this particular case on this planet, the precession of the equinoxes was this marker set up eons ago to be the final test, the timing. If you make it past this, you start to change. This was intuitive all along and the ancients knew it and they put it in their prophecies. You can read it, you can find it, you can see it in their calendars and here you are. This is point one of the message. When the children start to grow, they change and the wisdom starts to change. Perhaps you've seen it in your own. They grow up to be young adults. They behave differently. They act differently. They understand things differently. You actually get a little proud of them. <laughs> like we are of you. The playground is over. The survival instincts that you've had, where you separate and conquer, is over. And now you start the wisdom factor. It comes in slowly, dear ones. We call this year one because it's the first year that's free of the attributes of recalibration and great shift. It happens slowly. Not everyone is the same. All humans are unique. Some of you are still going through the shift and the change with attributes that are going to take longer than others. It depends on who you are. But all of you, 
all of you have the potential of great shift and it's not negative do you hear me it's the human being who sees it as negative is the one who does not want to go forward because they are afraid of it because they don't know what it means point one if I could tell you anything about this you're going to like it Getting away from the playground means the bullies are going to be gone in the world. <laughs> Getting away from the playground means you don't call each other other names anymore. You work things out. Dear ones, this is the cusp of peace on earth. Is breakfast bad? Oatmeal? There's nothing good in oatmeal. Oats are one of the best ways to fatten us. Granola, deceptively labeled as healthy food in stores. Granola is filled with grains, oats, cashews, and t- Peace on earth, we then told you, is not the final goal. It's the beginning of the final goal. It's going to be the easy part, believe it or not. Wisdom does that. And as your children became more mature, you didn't have to beat it into them to be nice to each other. They just were. They saw it for themselves because the wisdom of an adult began to show them how to behave. That balance was everything. So point one, you're in a graduate earth and you're starting to mature. In the process, it's going to feel different. That's point number one. Number two, it was early in the year a message was given that some of you didn't like because it was so different to what you really expected me to say. I said to you, stop being strange. <laughs> in an old energy, there was value in being strange because you set off your, your yourself apart from the others so you could hold your truth so others would stay away from you. Not bother you. You can hold the truth and believe what you wanted to believe and others would not try to interrupt it or, or, or take it from you. And you were just odd enough so they would stay away. Yes, you were. <laughs> yes, you were. Just ask your relatives. You know, the holiday time, dear ones, is a really challenging time. You've got to be with them whether you want to or not. The elephant under the table, they probably won't ask you. What are you doing? What do you believe today? Are you still doing the weird stuff? Stop being strange. It's time to come out of the shell of everything you've ever learned about light and balance yourself. I want this Christmas, these holidays, whatever you call it, whatever reason you get together for family, even if you don't celebrate Christmas, this culture you do and others you don't, you'll be listening to my voice. Families get together and sometimes it's difficult. Here's your challenge. I want them to know you've changed. You relax, you're compassionate, you smile more, 
You're comfortable with them, even with the questions that they may ask. You're comfortable because you have compassion for humanity, and that's all there is. And if they ask a pointed question that perhaps in the past has led you right into disagreement and argument and drama, you can disengage it and look at them and love them and have compassionate and have an answer that is beautiful. Won't make them wrong. Won't make you right. Instead, an answer which will show you you care about them a lot. It could be as simply as I love you enough not to get into this discussion. How about that? I love my family enough not to get into a discussion that would pull us apart. Can we celebrate the love of God together in whatever way we can or wish to? And stay together as a unit. And they'll look at you and they'll say, what happened to you? If you separate and show unbalance, there isn't anybody who's going to want to, anybody who's going to want to be with you. Do you understand this? Do you understand this? You can't shine your light when you appear to be unbalanced to the person next to you at work. Balance is the key. Not isolation, not odd, not strange. It may be time to stop telling people what you believe. You don't have to anymore. You can just believe it. You understand that? Sometimes there are things you can say which will alienate people next to you. And they'll recognize immediately you must be one of those strange ones, one, one of those odd ones. That's no longer what we're asking. Balance and shining your light and compassion for those around you is the new normal. So let's talk about attribute number three, the new normal. We started talking about this in July. You cannot go backwards, dear ones, into what used to work. Human beings intrinsically do not like change. It's just not anything that you can deal with. It takes energy to change things that shouldn't change. That is how you work. How is it possible, dear human being, for you to get used to something that always moves? In the process of the attributes, we told you that it's like a radio station with a frequency that is beginning to shift. Communication with spirit that you've always had through meditation, through teaching, through intuitive thought, maybe seem missing. It's not. It just changed frequency. Metaphorically, we tell you to reach for the dial and tune to the new frequency so you can center it up again. 
But what we didn't tell you until recently was that it moves all the time. Drinking warm water before bed gets rid of wrinkles almost overnight. Did you know that wrinkles, fine lines, and dark spots? Every morning, you may have to get out and find the center. That is how fast the energy is moving. There is a potential for you. The things may move faster than they ever have had before. Things that took years to move and change might do it in months. How fast can you? There is something called the new normal, and the new normal is a reality that is constantly on the move. It never truly settles in one place. We gave you the example of going to work and coming home, and the furniture in your house had rearranged itself by itself. It got consciousness all of a sudden, sprouted legs, and decided to move around a bit. You came home and you did not like the new arrangement, so you put it all back where it was.、You、went to work again, came home, and it changed yet again. Every time you left, the furniture moved. What do you do? We discussed the various human attributes and the groups and what they would do, and there would be the group that says. I'm getting new furniture. This isn't working. And the solution was to try your best to make the old energy work. Old furniture, old energy. Don't move around. I want it the way I want it. And they're the ones who said, "I don't understand it, but it's kind of cute. I can hardly wait to see." What the furniture does tomorrow, and every day you leave, it decides to move yet again. That takes wisdom. In certain cases, it takes courage. This third attribute, the catalyst attribute, is the catalyst for balance in your life. Can you accept change as normal? I will tell you, dear ones, that if you can and you will, you are going to have a much more peaceful existence. Balance would change. Not tolerance, balance.、I、didn't ask you to tolerate it.、I、ask you to like it. Can you do that, old soul? This is all part of what you've been trained for. All part of what you've been trained for. There are those in this room who are already used to change. You're okay with it. You've seen it in your life, and there are those who are simply now starting to see it. Everyone in the room, everyone listening, is on a unique path of their own. You are not clumped together as one class at the same level. This is why I cannot give you like one generic rule for all, and I never will. There are different degrees of knowledge and wisdom. Number four, we told you that you're going to be fine, 
And do not despair. Except for one thing. The darkness, that is the dark consciousness of this planet, that which was always there and it's rising its head today, knows your weakness. Clearly. It knows who you are as I do. And it will fight you with the one thing that it knows works really well. It's fear. If you're afraid, your light goes out. Brian, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of anything. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, you are. Now, there will be things that will test that fear. tested my partner with fear tested those of the crying entourage with fear fear is disabling fear is a quitting energy fear will take all the joy out of your life and you'll be left with nothing you recognize and you won't even know who you are I'm telling you dear ones That fear is what the darkness wants to create. Now, I also told you there's a solution to it. <laughs> fear cannot get in if light is being broadcast all the time. Do you hear me? It's time for you to stop protecting yourself by some imaginary shield from either dark energies or dark consciousnesses or anything else that you can imagine is trying to get to you and understand the new the new parameters and the new paradigm. You broadcast light and you broadcasting light, nothing can get in. Nothing. It's not about shielding anymore. You are now proactive. You're not sitting there trying to ward off the arrows coming from the darkness. You are light. When you have that consciousness, there is nothing that can get in. Nothing. As long as the light is held, the darkness cannot get in. You understand that principle? It's a metaphor, but it is true. Your light is defined as your compassion factor, your wisdom factor, your joy factor. Don't let them put it out. Don't let them. That was number four. There are six, so we're almost done. We're racing through the whole year of training. <laughs> Then we started telling you about innate. We wanted you to know that whatever it was in the old energy, this is different. The smart body called innate is starting to increase in its efficiency. Bridges are starting to be built between the corporeal synaptic brain and the pineal. And what this means is that intuitive thought is going to become clearer. Do you know how the human being is really designed? I have said this before. It's so that your intuitive brain, that which is your pineal, is supposed to be as large a player in your reality as your corporeal synaptic brain. And that between the two of them, you have a balanced human being who can create synchronicity at will. 
who understand what's wrong with their body and way in advance of a problem can take care of it. We'll see things coming before they happen because the intuitiveness of you can see it, a bigger picture. That's how it was designed. This is the beginning of that. Some of you are going to become more intuitive. In the process, it's different. Let me give you some symptoms of an intuitive brain starting to assert itself in a human being in a new energy. Sleeplessness, change of diet, walking funny lines on the street. In other words, balance issues. How are you doing so far? You don't change your biology this radically without symptoms. What does that create in you? Especially those of you who are getting older. Fear. <laughs> I'm losing it. Why is it the human being always goes to the dark when something changes? Change does not mean negative things. When you were a child, you can't even remember. And you started developing. Your body started to become bigger. Do you remember this? You celebrated it. You could hardly wait to be bigger. You could hardly wait for, for the things that you could do that, that you see the other children who were bigger done. You loved it. Now here comes change and you're older and you're afraid of it. I want you to understand, you're not done growing. <laughs> How would you like to do what the adults do? The planets. You can hardly wait. Your innate wants to connect fully to you. And it's beginning in some of you. You don't worry. Let it connect. Your body is listening to everything, everything. It's not only listening to those things you tell it regarding the three-dimensional things, but also the things that you simply think about. Your body listens. How are you doing in the self-worth department? What are you telling yourself? Are you telling yourself you are unlimited? Guys, do your daughter a favor this year by getting her a unique gift that she'll treasure forever. It says to my daughter. Despite tradition and everything you see around you, you can last a whole lot longer than anyone around you will. Because you don't have to age. Now when you say that, do you really believe it? Or is there a part of you that says, sounds good, how am I doing? <laughs> Self-worth is the major issue of the old soul. And we've taught this over and over and over because you have spent so many lifetimes being beat up. <laughs> Physically, mentally. Here you come to this one and everything in you cries, it's going to be the same. And it isn't. How are you going to get through that? The answers vary from human to human. How balanced are you now? Can you balance and center 
to a point where you can talk to your body one-on-one -on -one and feel it responding. For the first time in human history, you have got a chemistry and an innate who is all ears and wants instruction. Ready to go, ready to go, ready to go. This is a new energy, dear ones. Test it. Test it. Simple things that you can do with yourself to test these things. Next time you feel ill, I want you to accelerate your healing and, and cut in half the number of days it takes to recover. Immediately. Talk to your name. Give them the deadline. <laughs> and watch it happen. When you do these simple things, you're going to ask yourself, what else can I do? What else can I do? Every single day, you can talk to your chemistry, your innate. Dear innate, I know you're there. And that brings us to number six, the hardest one. Here is a concept that we just opened. We just presented one week ago. The concept is a difficult one for anyone. Anyone who calls themselves a rational human to figure out. There are two kinds of survival. The survival of the chemistry is your brain's job. It puts you in survival mode and keeps you safe and protects you as best it can. But there is another kind of survival that lays where you've never seen it before and innate is responsible for it for innate is connected to the higher self we're going to call this spiritual survival how is it that innate could help humanity to get to a place where they were wiser go to graduate and not determine themselves as as ending through war What is it that innate could do? What is the instinct that it could give humanity to keep them from destroying themselves, to keep them from, from going to that place where they've gone so many times before, where they never got ahead? And we told you what it was. And it was hard for you to hear. The engine of wisdom production in humanity has been reincarnation. Every time a human being reincarnates, they have the ability to pick up the wisdom from the past life, paste it on the current life, and become wiser for it. And they do. Old souls will will wake up if the energy is correct and right because of what they've experienced in past lives. You can track it. You can see it. New souls don't have the experience to understand what you understand. They don't feel innate. They don't feel the higher self. They're still wallowing in an old kind of survival. They're not interested in you are. Because you've reached a point. So many lifetimes have gone by. Every time you came in, you were just a little wiser than the time before. Do you understand what this created? Short lifetimes. <laughs> Take a look. 
short lifetime. Look at the logic of it. Spiritual survival for this planet to graduate to the place where it could be. If you had short lifetimes, you could come in again, and you could come in again, and you could come in again. The more times you came in, the wiser you'd be. This is what innate designed for you. How do you like that? Now suddenly, you pass that marker. And that spiritual survival doesn't need to be there anymore, but it lays there anyway. Because you're designed that way. You've got to start reprogramming innate. Reprogramming the DNA. And the way you do it is through the energy of understanding, affirmation, belief, knowledge, intent. Your body knows what you know. You start talking to it and explaining in this new energy, you have the ability to move to a new wisdom and stay alive. How about that? A new wisdom while you're here. It changes everything. And so it is. And so it is, everyone. We all have the talking stick. Yet for the moment, our last word of wise thoughts will be in the hands of our sister Rainbird. And this Excalibur rainbow round, uh, rainbow uh, fairies, angels, and Menahunis and Sasquatch and all the beautiful angels and archangels and great beings of light. And so I pass this to you now. Here it comes, Rainbird. Okay. okay. I got it. Uh, good. Here it goes. Yeah. yeah. And, and thank you, thank you, thank you for today and tonight. Not to any... <laughs> <laughs> There was some wise things said along that road today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was, it was good starting out when we did it all the way through. Lots, lots going on. We, we covered it. So, <laughs> lots of gratitude. Thank you. Thank you for being here with all of us together. Thank you, everyone. And until we meet again, we're going to have a last word with Rumi. Rama. Right? Yeah. I am so small. great love be inside me. Look at your eyes. They are small. 
see enormous things. How shall I help the world? By understanding it. And how shall I understand it? By turning away from it. How then shall I serve humanity? By understanding yourself. Until we meet again, let's have a little um, of that compassion and that wisdom that was called in today. And as we listen to His Holiness, the Dalai Lama, he speaks of those things every time. Um, That's how we can change this world. I know it to be true. And so it is, and Satnam.
Padmanti. Thirteen thank yous, honey in the heart, no evil, and live long and prosper. Aloha, everyone. Namaste.